Hello, ho, ho, and welcome to the 2019 Poe Podcast Christmas Special. My name is George Thompson, and I'm calling out from Statman's World. With me, as ever, we have David and Daniel. How are you doing, fellas? I'm a Scatman! I, I hate the fact that you're reminding me of Scatman's role because I literally had it in my head for about 18 hours yesterday. I hate the idea that Scatman John's names reminds me of, uh, well, Scat. <laughs> I I, ha- I was canvassing for Labour at the weekend and I had Scatman's World in my head like literally the entire day. So I was just going up to knock on some Tory cunts door just going ba, 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 <laughs> to myself. I love how you get the, the second lesser known Scatman John saying yeah. not I'm the Scatman. Yeah. Is that, I'm, uh, mate, I mean like Scatman's World is the thinking man's I'm the Scatman. Well, yeah, it, 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 m- much in the same way that Pop and Old Oak is the thinking man's um, uh, Cotton Eye Joe. Oh, <laughs> it, it is a real hell. shame that Gigi Allen never did get to cover the Scatman John, isn't it? Scatman John just loudly defecating on his trilby and chucking it into the Trilby! That's right, he did wear a trilby as well, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he looked job, like, not, a, not looked like an old-timey stockbroker. Yeah, that surely would have lasted five minutes. Stash, literally. Um, I mean, if okay, so like, I mean, we're probably starting as we as we mean to go on in terms of uh, chatting random shit because this is, as you may have guessed literally. from. Uh, by intro and the fact that I explicitly said that it was the Christmas episode, now that I think about it, this is the Puro Puro Podcast, notorious uh, Christmas special. Um, so basically what we're going to do for the next however many hours this ends up lasting is to, firstly we're going to do a Q&A and then we are going to do a little bit of a, rather than reviewing any matches because uh, the well of Christmas related Puro matches basically ran dry after one and um, we've basically done enough of Terry Riley's Chinese wrestling to, uh, to last a lifetime. So basically what we're going to do is just do a little bit of a year in review because it's been a very interesting year for wrestling, not just in Japan, but the world over. And then basically we're going to have a little bit of uh, Christmas-related fun and games uh, towards the end. So um, uh, thank you very much to all of the, uh, the the fan base, both of you, for the uh, for the questions. Um, I forgot we were recording tonight, and I basically just said on Twitter, anything you want to ask us in the next 60 to 90 minutes is your chance, any old shite. Um, and I'm uh, happy to report that any old shite is exactly what we got, so thank you very much for that. Um, so yeah, I think let's just uh, get into it. By the way, um, just so as you know, if you uh, if you're wanting to uh, listen to this episode in its entirety, uh, it is currently the day before the United Kingdom general election, and we are doing this uh, episode in part due to various uh, scheduling constraints for most of us. So, um, if you get to the second half of this episode and there's a, a noticeable dimming of enthusiasm, uh, or a, on the other hand, just like much rejoicing, and we've been on the can for five st- days straight, uh, Daniel accepted. Obviously, he's going to be on the emotional cans. Uh, right. I, I thought for a second that you were accepting me because you implied that I wasn't going to be um, in support of a, <laughs> of a Labour victory at this election. <laughs> How do you, George? He will be on cans of Lil Zero, and we will be loving it. Yeah, exactly. Nationalised right. people's Lil Zero, that's what I, we're having. I'll, I'll, I'll be so full of fucking cake and biscuits. Because like, that's socialism, <laughs> folks. That's how we fucking roll. Everyone gets cake and biscuits. I, I'm just going to be freebasing Dandelion and Burdock the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just be bum-dropping Iron Brew. Like... I would also like to take this opportunity now just to mention this um, in a moment. Scottish listeners may be aware, English listeners might be aware as well, but it's a big thing in Scotland. 
who will be aware that I and Brew recently brought out the uh, the original recipe from 1901 in a scandalous £2.40 fucking glass check. Jeez. I know. Yeah, it's usually a pound. It's two pound forty. Now I have a bottle of it. It's been an absolute pandemonium where people have been like raiding shops for it and all that. Oh, they're coming unglued. Yeah, I um, I have a bottle of it, but I've also had a, a cold for the last eleven days, and uh, famously everything tastes like shite when I have a cold. So now, in the, in the interest of fairness and objectiveness, I've not been able to drink it yet because I know it just tastes like garbage. I like so how you said famously I, everything I, tastes like shite when you've got a cold. Not just like when anyone's got a cold, but specifically I mean, when David people, has a cold, everything tastes shite. Oh no, shite. Like, I can't, like, it, it's weird to, like, I've been drinking like, Iron Brew and stuff like that and not enjoying it for <laughs> fucking week. But That's I'm not, not like any you, of the original stuff yet. I would like to say, by the, hopefully by the time we get to the next part, I'll hopefully have tried it or be able to try it and tell you what it's like. I'd say, is, is, is a Labour victory in the general election sufficient ground for you to break out some of the, like, original recipe from, like, before they changed it, you've got stockpiled? Oh, yeah, I don't think I've mentioned this in the, on the podcast, but I have 24 cans of original Iron Brew stockpiled in my fridge of, like, the, the, the OG stuff from, about, like, three years ago. Because um, I remember when George came up, I was like, everything in the fridge you can see, you can drink. If you can't see it, you're not allowed to drink it. Was it that, you know that episode of Black Books with the wine? White. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a bit like that. Um, but yeah, um, I don't know. Maybe, perhaps. Although I've got a can of strong zero in the fridge. You know, the, the legendary al- alcoholic Japanese drink is 100% uh, and all that. Uh, I bought it when I was in Japan and then never drank it, and it's still there. And I've been waiting. I was going to drink it tonight, but again, I feel it like quite shy, and we're doing this in like three stints. So save it, save, yeah. save it for tomorrow. Save it and crack it open. Whether it, you know, if it's in the case of a celebration or like utter, utter misery. Like, um, I, mean, I, 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 I was tempted if Swinson get voted out and I'd be up at 3am I'd be like right strong zero out but I do have a job interview at 12pm the next day so oh best <laughs> and uh, <laughs> not a good idea speaking of job interviews a very a big congratulations must go to Daniel who's just uh, got himself a full time job as a librarian so he is going to be jobbing to the Luchasaurus on the next episode <laughs> of AW Dynamite a good, good, good gimmick. Uh, it's really a Peter Avalon joke. The TV time that it gets every week. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. There's it's two a... of them as well, so it can yeah, infest I mean, both the men's and women's divisions. You're right. It's a pretty good Butlins level gimmick. Uh, uh, but I'm not necessarily sure I'll ever make it onto TV. Like, <laughs> oh, I, w- I will say this for Peter Avalon. He's gone to great lengths to look like a paedophile. So that's uh, that's. Uh... I mean, that's fair enough. You know, yeah. <laughs> look like allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> absolute absolute scout leader of a man so uh, with the uh, with the questions um firstly we have got um at a metal pirate on uh, twitter uh, one of the joshi twitter um luminaries oh, uh, two parts firstly why does stato like to punish his drummers i'm very sorry i have absolutely no idea what that's meant to mean i've not been in any bands that called for regular blaster beats on the part of the uh, percussionists. It's more been uh, Shostakovich and uh, things like that. Um, the only thing I can think of is it's a euphemism for uh, having a bit of a Tommy Tank. So, um, But I, I did punish the drummer just before uh, coming on to the <laughs> show. So, uh... To be fair, a Joshi fan asking you about uh, masturbation is pretty pot kettle black. Do you know what I mean? This like, isn't it's... even the only wanking related question that we've got, so uh, we'll get we'll get to the next one uh, <sighs> after this. Um, second part, which I guess this also could be a euphemism. What is our favourite Yoji Anjo pummeling? Just uh, I have pummeled Yoji Anjo before coming on air, so. Uh... <laughs> 
I'll be honest. I've I've actually forgotten all the ones we've spoken about. Can, can... I think there's two main ones really. Yeah. Um, there's the Hicks and Gracie one, which everyone <laughs> knows, and the oh, which of the Gracie Failsons was it? The fought in private. That's what I'm was it remember. Higher? I can't remember. Oh, no. the... <laughs> I think. I think actually, I'm gonna like. I mean, if we're if we're talking about like basically between these two, I'm gonna cast my vote for the High and Gracie one because that's arguably more tragic. Because like, um, the Hicks and Gracie one, like Anjo was a shoot star wrestler, knew a few knew a few holds, and then he'd gone to defend the honor of his shoot star wrestling promotion, which was very much a work, and got his ass kicked. But the High and Gracie one, a it was against a much lesser um, heralded member of the Gracie dynasty, and secondly, he had actually been training for it. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I I love the visual. Somebody once mentioned that um, of on the Hickson one, when he was when they were driving to the gym, he taped his fists in the car as they were driving to the gym, and I can't think of a more intensely bleak visual than Hickson fucking taping up his wrists in his fucking <laughs> Ford Mondeo with a dead eye stare, <laughs> knowing that he will kill a man in the next hour. <laughs> Well, was that the one that um... Hickson's win loss records com- uh, comprises uh, five victories over that car? <laughs> <laughs> He's the fucking Pele of mixed martial arts. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. Like every time he gets in the car, he counts that as a victory, which is different than me waking up every morning and thinking it's a victory. Uh, you know. <laughs> um, uh, was it was it that fight where um, Daniel you coined uh, Baz's biggest whoppers? For the commentary, because he was talking about like all the training Yoji and Joe Padone was like fighting black belts in jiu-jitsu for eight hours straight in the back alley or whatever the fuck it was, <laughs> eating sixty raw eggs for breakfast every day. It, it could have been that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was I was drunk when we were recording, <laughs> but like, yeah. Uh, I, 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 and, and indeed, yeah. most of the podcast. Oh yeah. god, I need to listen to Baz's biggest waffles again. That that was a highlight. Uh, yeah, because uh, I remember was it was it the soybean paste or something? Like his favorite thing was like fermented soybean paste or something. Yeah. And Baz Rotten just came out going, "It's disgusting." Like, yeah. let's, it's let's disgusting. Not be around the like he is wrong. It is disgusting. Like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the um, I mean, Hannah Kimura's favourite food is cod sperm sacks, apparently. So, uh... <laughs> oh God, don't don't tell anyone uh, that uh, runs any Joshi groups. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, so yeah, which, which would you two cast your vote for, the Hickson or the uh, the high end fights? I'll go for Hickson. I, I think, I think, yeah, I think the Hickson one is so totemic. Like and and just so like utterly representative of like just um the the like like both kind of like this um this really immovable kind of like um uh, you know like sense of like uh, uh, like Jap- of just Japanese wrestling taking itself a little bit too seriously. <laughs> <laughs> like to, yeah, to, yeah, to, yeah, to a dangerous degree at, at that point, and also it's kind of indicative of like what we've spoken about before, which is this like um, this like impulse in uh, well, in the way that we understand it of like Japanese culture of like just cer- a certain level of kind of stoic macho ness being taken to the nth degree, um, to the point that it's actually just incredibly kind of damaging to all involved. <laughs> like um, yeah, and, I would I would say so. Like it's a theme I, that I, runs through a lot of things, you know, from. Wrestlers going too hard in the ring, to you could even extrapolate out of that and look at like something like the death of Masawa as being connected to that. Yeah, you absolutely know? Could, So I you? think it's I would have to choose that that one. And also, it's just it's so spectacularly kind of like unflinchingly documented 
like in the sense that it yeah that's builder, the thing there's like the whole, whole fucking slate articles on it yeah you know and it's just been written about so much and it's become this big like i say it's, it's a totem of just kind of like what happens when um uh you know uh, uh work meets shoot you know so I, i'd go with that well, I once did a uh, I wanted a, pan- a presentation at an academic conference about um, basically uh, well theories of biopolitics, uh, Michel Foucault, to Esposito, and so on in relation to invasion storylines, how they sort of um, give a fictionalized version of a community's attempt to immunize itself against uh, outside invaders, and I included not one but two shots of Yo Jancho's battered face in my <laughs> slideshow. <laughs> um, so yeah. I, I, sorry, I, I just wanted to say, I, I had a wee look at um, en.wikipedia.org slash wiki slash Gracie underscore bracket name bracket just to see <laughs> a list of famous Gracies to see what is Yoji Andro's level in terms of if we could find a Gracie that he could beat. Uh, so I was looking at, obviously, all the ones in the Gracie family are are gone. Like, he's not beating any of them. Uh, even the ones that, that are like, you know, accountants or anything like that, I still think they could probably take them, to be honest. Uh, and then I seen that there's the Gracie family of New York. Or is that right? So it's the Archibald Gracies. So there's Archibald Gracie the first, who was a shipping magnate and an early American businessman. He's from the olden days, though, so he's probably pretty hard-boiled. Um, you know, like, he'd, he'd engaged in some sort of ruckus, you know, fighting in a rumpus room somewhere or something like that. Um... <laughs> Archibald Gracie III was a U.S. Army officer and a Confederate Brigadier General. So as much as I'd like Yoji Andrew to beat him up, it's not happening. <laughs> and then Archibald, Archibald Gracie III is cancelled. Yes, Archibald yeah. Gracie IV was an American writer, promising, and survivor of the sinking of the Titanic. So he's out because he clearly can, you know, he doesn't joke on. I mean, that you have to be quite hard to survive that. And then I found John Gracie, born in 1984, Canadian internet slash media personality known as Fade Dragon Tear. I, f- I think we have right. a man here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, th- th- this could be the KSI versus Logan Paul of Puro. Oh my god, I watched that match. I watched it. <laughs> Oh my! Uh, I, I, I don't know anything about either of them, or I, I've got. I've, I've barely. I, I've seen like a picture of their faces. Any good? Any chops? Oh no, they're, uh, they're, they're dog shit. Like, they're how, 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 dog how, shit. How's, how's KSI's jab? <laughs> oh, no, uh, like... K- KSI mostly takes jabs at uh, gay people on Twitter, so... Uh... <laughs> oh, wow, okay, right. Well, so I, 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 uh... I watched KSI Logan Paul, right, and I was watching it, and I was like, these people are quite shit, but I do enjoy the idea of just, like, you're, you're sort of Grant Bovey, uh, Ricky Gervais sort of charity boxing match, but it's been... Put up onto like Skybox office. I, I, I thought fair enough, fair play to them. They're getting some money. This fair enough. But they had some uh, YouTubers do the commentary for it. And, oh my god! Like, you know how people great on them, uh, moral for always references and that, and just for being quite loud and. Moro is like fucking the New Japan guys in terms like he he is like fucking Gordon Soli compared to these guys, because I remember when they get knocked out, or, oh no, sorry, when they announced the fights, all right, ah, ah, you know that Mark Commode review of Fred the movie, where he just screamed, <laughs> yeah. that was them, at the announcement, and I was like, oh my fucking god, this is the worst commentary I've seen all year, and that is including some se- uh, several, several bad fucking 
notes. It was honestly... That sounds fucking dog shit. I mean, Logan Paul took a picture of himself like posing with a like a hanged corpse in the uh, oh, in that the woods the, in yeah, Japan. He's that guy, right, yeah. it's, it's that guy. So yeah. Do you also remember the uh, the charity boxing match between uh, Mikey Carroll, who was the chav who won the lottery, and uh, Rhino from Gladiators? Yeah, he invested in yeah. Rachel, so I remember that. Uh, wait, I, I know, I I know loads of stuff about that guy. I know that he used to hang out with notorious UFF uh, murderer Johnny Adair. Um, although Johnny Adair actually oh. be, uh, someone very late into his career it was a big secret that he kept and that person was a person that was disabled so fuck you Johnny Adair uh, but, um, <laughs> Johnny well, Adair is cancelled <laughs> yeah I think Johnny Adair is cancelled I think I think Johnny Mad Dog Adair leader of the uh, UDAC company during the Troubles uh, it, the height of the tit for tat killings in the loyalist um, paramilitary um, civil war is definitely cancelled um, like, uh, but uh, I forgot why, I'm t- why am I talking about Johnny Adair Next uh, about uh, Mickey Carroll. Mickey Carroll, yeah. Please refer to him by his correct, correct name, Lotto Lout Mickey Carroll. Yeah, I, I know had, the Lotto Lout became Lotto really Lotto. big pals with him. So because he was he was he was a massive hun, so um, he became really big pals with Johnny Adair. He built a like giant um, like um, like go kart track like in his back garden. Uh, and like splurged loads of money on that. Uh, he got and so I know quite a few things about him. I didn't know that though about him. Uh, I invested but... a million pounds in Rangers Financial Management, which sound in hindsight is a great name, Rangers Financial <laughs> Management. But um, amazing. Yeah, Mikey Carroll and Ticketus are gonna save the. the... <laughs> <laughs> Mikey Carroll is the face behind the Blue Knights Consortium. <laughs> <laughs> very good so um, a few quick ones from uh, at Gas Tank Adam a friend of, friend of the podcast thank you very much um, so firstly um, and let, let's let's definitely keep our answers to this one short because we could go on for hours about this favourite Simpsons bit oh, <laughs> oh man fucking hell <laughs> my, my, my favourite scene is probably from my favourite episode um, uh, my favourite episode is not one that anyone really brings up very often but it's Saturday's the Thunder you know the mm. boxcar one yeah, that's it's, very good. It's the one with the honor roller where he's going <laughs> down and it's, it's going, and he just goes, Deploy, damn you! Deploy! <laughs> and it's into the wall and explodes, and then the parachute comes out, and honestly, it is breathtakingly <laughs> funny. I love it. <laughs> Things exploding in The Simpsons that shouldn't, like yeah. like when that bit where like the, a leaf falls onto the school bus and then it just blows up. <laughs> Uh, I love I love those sight gags. I mean, fucking hell, best best Simpsons bit. That is like oh. I think my oh fuck. This is oh yeah okay. So my favorite one is um so again from my favorite episode, which is Homie the Clown. So the the line from that everyone remembers is I'm seeing double here for Krusty's. But like my actual favorite bit from the episode is when uh the Krusty lookalikes all graduate from uh, Clown College, and Krusty says, "Okay, so we're gonna have one Krusty lookalike at every region. So I hope this works out. Tell us where you're from." And the first guy says, "Cleveland." And then there's this big, big bloke in a in a cowboy hat just goes, "Texas." And then another big guy in a cowboy hat just looks at him, and goes, "Uh, Brooklyn." <laughs> and first, the JBL origin story has been. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! It really is. Jesus. 
Oh right, there's, there's honestly there's just so many uh, that I've that I've got here, uh, but I'm gonna try and like uh, I, I I I was thinking about this before cause I saw it on the, uh, the, the, the the Twitter thread where that, that we've been asked this question, um, and it's hard to uh, to sort of like I think um uh, sort of contenders were um, my one of my my personal all time favorite uh, Jasper moments. Jasper's one of my favorite characters, uh, which would yeah, be yeah. I'll free create it for our audience here right now, um, uh, uh, which would be oh. Oh, my cataracts are gone. I can see all the beauty of nature. Oh, I'm blind. Oh, well, is he coming to go? Uh, that's that's one of them. Uh, uh, but uh, I, I, I was thinking about um, uh, uh, some other ones as well. I, I was actually thinking about, I watched one with uh, my uh, beloved recently. We were lying in bed together. We decided to watch The Simpsons. And it was the uh, episode where they go to Krusty World. The, uh, the, the oh, park, well, that was on the, yesterday. The, the, the yeah. sort of theme park. Uh, and it was the classic, oh, it's in Scratchland, yeah. And it, yeah, it, it was the 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 classic line uh, where uh, Homer and Bart have been apprehended by the park security, uh, and they, uh, they 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 announce over the tannoy, uh, Marge Simpson, Marge Simpson, um, we have arrested your son Bart, and then they then come back with the immortal line, Marge Simpson, we have also arrested your older, fatter son Homer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the actual the actual winner of of mine is from again it's from my my favorite episode which is you uh, you, you only move twice um, which, yes, uh, the the famous episode. For, uh, I, I knew which one you were going to say before. Yeah, the famous yeah. episode with uh, Hank Scorpio. Now this line it doesn't seem much, but it just encapsulates the exact kind of humour that I love. Uh, I'm a fan of kind of um, uh, uh, my, my biggest form of comedic influences were Reeves and Mortimer. Uh, so I'm a fan of a kind of a, ver- a very uh, kind of like um, uh, slightly oblique kind of a surreal uh, humor, and it's the moment when Hank turns up at the uh, the house to welcome them, uh, and he's wearing moccasins, um, and um, he, uh, he you know he says, oh, if you, 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 "You like these? There's a there's a pair of uh, there's a pair of these for you in the loft upstairs." You know, if you don't like them, neither do I, and chucks the shoes away, and he just turns around to to the family and says, "Oh, you ever see a man say goodbye to a shoe before?" Homer, without missing a beat, says, "Yes, once." That's <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I just, oh, it, I can't it's, even. it's, it's so good. Like, oh, fuck. I think hell. as well as I think the the beauty of the line as well. I think for ourselves is that it kind of cracks into a sort of like a, a, a social experience, and we all know people who have at some point, whether it be some utterly like ridiculous thing, and he goes, "I've seen somebody do that once." Like, you know, like yeah. we all, we all have a friend who's like I, the joke I always make is this is the worst meal I've ever had in my life, and I once ate a leaflet, right? Because I did, and it, it was like it, it's bit. Yeah, it's just like you know, just silly things like that. Yeah, right? yeah, and it's the, the it's the it's the comedic uh, uh, space that it leaves the uh, the sort of the, the viewer to imagine the scenarios in which Homer, who's who who we all know, is gets himself into ridiculous situations and has you know preposterously uh, ridiculous friends with very low morals. Um, what possible situation has he been in before where he has seen someone say goodbye to a shoe? Uh, you know that that space for the the, the audience to, to make their own sort of joke and their own image is what great comedy is about to me. You know, like so I just yeah, absolutely. 100%. I just remembered that actually uh, my favourite moment isn't for Saturday of Thunder. It is. I'll give you five words. Open wide for some soccer. <laughs> is honestly the fu- the funniest thing. I remember the, you know the ten years in obscure Simpsons group. The, the, oh, yeah. the, are you in Ten Years and Obscure Simpsons? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well somebody is like, I have had a child, can you please help me name my baby? And the first one was Ariaga 2, and I'm like, we have a winner. 
Just name your child Ariaga 2 is the best. I, I, I was so happy when Mexico and Portugal got drawn in the same group in the 2006 <laughs> World Cup so we could finally decide who was the greatest team in the world. Um, move, kind of keeping on comedy, actually, um, uh, Adam has also asked us, uh, what is our favourite Christmas sitcom episode? Oh, Jesus. Because that's a big fucking, uh, like, a Christmas specials of... Um, uh, comedy show. I, I I think like you can always tell. There's American shows tend to have them quite a lot. Like there's always one in the middle of the season, which is like a Christmas episode. Um, but like they're I think they're more like appointment viewing in Britain, or certainly they were in the past. Um, not that this was a sitcom, but the more common wise Christmas special, for instance, things like that. Um, it it's not a sitcom, although it's got comedic elements. But uh, okay, okay. So I've got two uh, for you, uh, both from anthology shows. So first one's not really a sitcom, but um um. Uh, uh, Black Christmas, uh, Black Christmas, I think it was called, or uh, White Christmas, the, the Black Mirror Christmas special. Anyway, oh, yeah. like oh, that's that really, that's the one with John Hamm. It's really fucking good. You'll never listen to that wizard song oh, in the same way again. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's absolutely brilliant. I'd really recommend it. And the second one is uh, The Devil of Christmas, which is the first episode of I want to say the third season of Inside Number Nine. Oh, it's fantastic! Yeah, yeah, that's that's really good. So basically, the premise is that it's just a uh, basic director's commentary of this shitty uh, Christmas. Ep- uh, basically, to do with Krampus, the uh, the sort of folk- folkloric figure, um, and basically a shitty seventies TV dramatization of it. And then and then things get weird in the same way that Inside Number Nine tends to do. But that that would be my pick anyway. I don't know. What about you, lads? Well, um, I I should probably preface uh, my selection by saying that for many years I have had the idea of, of doing a sitcom of my life. I've, I've I've had ideas and I've thought of episodes and stuff and that and I've like I would, and just like utterly ridiculous things and it was you know, one of the ideas was it was going to be every year at Christmas it'd be a pastiche of like some sort of Christmas film or or an action film or something like that. And and I remember I worked in uh, an office. Uh, I see an office. It was like a, a a warehouse with an office in it. But um, we we used to have we once had a Christmas party in this warehouse in the office, which um differed from pretty much every other day in the work. And they paid us money to drink instead of us just sneaking <laughs> bottles in. Um, but I I I kind of formulated this idea to at one time. I like I I kind of spent a lot a lot of the Christmas party half cut thinking about how I could turn this into Die Hard and this would be in Akatori Plaza and I'd have worked out the whole idea the whole script for this because I'd looked at the different places I was I knew exactly what I was doing and then Brooklyn Nine-Nine come along and oh. they do that episode they do the and I was oh my god they've written my episode they've got it's a brilliant I mean Brooklyn Nine-Nine is fantastic all, all of the Christmas episodes are uh uh, pretty pretty damn good. I remember, like, I think maybe last year, Sarah and I um, watched all of the Christmas episodes back to back just before we went home to our respective families. And our like the glee when we realised that one of the Christmas episodes was also a Doug Judy episode. Oh yes. Uh, do you watch Brooklyn Nine Nine, Daniel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't watch it like avidly, but like I've I've seen enough of it to understand what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, I, I, the stuff I've seen. Also, I really I like. I would also like to give a special mention to any of the Only Fools and Horses Christmas episodes. Yeah. Oh, of course, of course. I don't, oh, I, I don't course. think Miami Vice... It was Miami twice a Christmas episode, because if it was, that can fuck off. That was awful. 
I think it was a Christmas episode. I don't know if it was like set at Christmas especially. I think it was festive about it. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's it's an episode so bad. My dad hates it. My dad doesn't have the critical faculties to hate comedies. Like he does. Yeah. He likes a program. He 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 likes all of the episodes. He doesn't. Yeah. like any. He's just like I like this. He hates Miami twice. So anything apart from that, the yeah, the only fools ones are always very very good. Most of the only fools. The only fools after they like find the watch and become millionaires, like all of that's, <laughs> that's pretty, pretty bad. bad. Yeah, I, I've I just remembered that I, actually. I, I, it does get really shit. Right. I don't know. I I still enjoyed them. I thought they were all right, but I think I, I don't know. But yeah, like I I love only fools, and I I honestly have probably watched them at least a hundred times. Oh, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's the only thing me and my dad do. Like that is the thing that we bond over watching fucking only fools, narcissists, and snooker. Like, nothing, all the time. nothing wrong with that, though. Exactly. You know? exactly. uh, yeah, I, I love Only Fools and Horses, too. Um, but, no, um, for me, I, I was I'm a bit, I was a bit torn between the... Because all of my choices for this seem a little bit rote, to be honest. But I think sometimes good stuff is just good stuff, and you have to kind of acknowledge it. So um, the, the the more kind of like um, sort of outre one, I guess, from a UK perspective, was um, in season three of Kerber Enthusiasm. Um, there is a magnificent episode called Mary, Joseph and Larry uh, with much of the humour coming from the fact that obviously Larry is not a particularly observant Jew but he is a very high-strung, neurotic kind of hypochondriac Um, and he um, is very kind of um, uh, unnerved by the idea that his his, uh, Gentile uh, wife, Cheryl, uh, has put up a Christmas tree uh, because as Larry says, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm Jewish, I'm not Jewish, but um, you know, uh, you're, you, you, I, I don't, I don't need to upset my guy, uh, you know, his guy being uh, God, because um, he's, he's very, he's, he's very nervous that God will meet some sort of, um, you know, karmic punishment to him if he does. And the whole episode is kind of about him, his, his neuroses trying to sort of like, you know, uh, uh, um, be confronted by Cheryl's pragmatism, uh, and uh, the, the final, but anyway, basically it involves a typical sort of Larry David um, uh, uh, social faux pas. He eats some cookies that he shouldn't have eaten that are in the shape of Christmas trees because he's not comfortable with Christmas trees being in the house, but he wants to eat something. Uh, he ends up. Um, inviting a church volunteer group back to his house to reenact the nativity scene that he's earlier ruined. They arrive, things don't really go uh, as expected. Um, he offends um, the person that's playing Joseph um, quite mortally. They end up having a fight in the living room uh, in front of Cheryl's entire family. Uh, and it's kind of a classic Kirby uh, uh, Enthusiasm episode. Uh, but the, the one I've actually gone for is... I think it's important to acknowledge when people have turned out to be right shit cunts have done something half-decent early on in their career. And I do think it's hard to look past the uh, the Office Christmas special, actually. Um, oh, yeah. Which noted, bloated, shit cunt uh, Ricky Gervais, um, you know, at, at the actual very brief height of his powers, which was about, you know, what, the space of one or two years uh, in 1999 <laughs> and 2001... Uh, but it, it is actually really good, I think, uh, and I think it's it, it's especially satisfying because um, it's a it's a, it's an episode in which this person who we've actually been laughing at for the entirety of two series of comedy, who's provided the butt of all the jokes because of his complete lack of awareness, um, is actually kind of re- redeemed somewhat, and is uh, he, he's taken from being a quite a pathetic figure. Uh, to someone that we increasingly feel sorry for, um, and that we are actually sort of um, sort of brought around full circle on by the end of it, and we're actually cheering for him um, as he uh, notoriously tells Finchie to uh, fuck off. 
Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, I think it's um, it's it, it, it's about as good as Christmas special get to be honest. So, I really I... like it, but I will make the argument that it shouldn't exist simply because I just felt that the ending, the very downbeat ending of the second season, was arguably more appropriate for like how the uh, series got. I understand why they did it. The Christmas specials are really good. I would say arguably the series arc as a whole would have been stronger without them. Um, I've got another one actually. I, I kind of um, look at them as separate from the main arc you know okay yeah if, you, if they're sort of semi-canon then i think that's acceptable um I've, I've got another one actually just before we move on to the next question which was the uh, the first christmas episode of futurama with uh, the robot santa when uh, he, he's basically he's got a he's a malfunctioning santa who his chip is set to recognize everyone as naughty and uh, call and him then an he... annual guest man, and he lives on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> and then basically, he just ends up uh, uh, killing everyone who's out after dark. And there's just like a really great exchange when um, uh, he just says, "You've both been very naughty, Fry and Leela." I check my list, and Fry just goes, "No, but we 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 made up with each other. Everything's fine." Like, but what about your other friends? Did you ever stop to think about Doctor Zoidberg's feelings? And Fry just goes, "No, I swear." <laughs> that's that's one of the best fucking lines um adam's actually got a uh another question for us but because it's wrestling related we'll sort of leave that until we got with that round one so um at rbx2000 asks uh, ideal conditions for masturbating thank you very much for that um um i'm not gonna uh, i'm not gonna tell on myself too much but what i will say is um uh we've sort of talked a little bit about the election about our uh, canvassing activities um i was delivering leaflets um on saturday and uh, saw rather inadvertently um, through the guy's uh, window uh, just an just an old man uh, watching a, a a jazz film, shall we say, on his uh, on his laptop. Um, it didn't. It, I don't think it was. I, I, not that I would know these things, obviously, but um, not one of the, the of the good sites. So his computer is probably infested with hundreds of malware. But um, I would like to say just to the elderly men of West Yorkshire, um, if you if you uh, do want to watch a, a grumble flick in the uh, privacy of your own home um don't do it in your front room with the blinds half open otherwise the nice young man from the labor party may see something they shouldn't he wasn't having a tommy tank thank fuck um but i mean um, i think, I think that's sound I, I, advice I, I, no matter what george i think that's just sound advice sound public service advice I, from you there i, I would yeah. i would give this a double seal of approval because i remember when i was uh, when i was still living with my family i was walking home um, one day, and it was past a block of flats, and the man on the ground floor had Babe Station on, and he hadn't shut his curtains. And it was so <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God, that's so <laughs> sad. Jesus. I, 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 I didn't wear a fucking poppy. Do you know that? <laughs> I was literally no about respect. to that tweet. No respect. Um, yeah. You wouldn't get that high, Brox. No, you certainly wouldn't. That old man, and... it was Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> Over here all week. And who should it have been stooping in a donkey jacket? None other than Michael Foot himself. Michael Foot job. <laughs> God. I'm really sorry. <laughs> to think the good name of perhaps the most learned and intellectual of all the post-war party leaders has been traduced with such a pun. Uh, I suppose uh, I, I'm supposed to answer this now, aren't I? Ideal conditions for masturbating. Um, well, <laughs> just about a peace and quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I suppose it depends on the context, but I'm going to presume uh, that um, that you're you're at home, uh, you're either on your own or you're in an environment in which the uh, the sights and sounds of you 
um, uh, shaking uh, milky white coconuts from the veiny love tree will not be uh, in any way a kind of, um, you know, um, um, an infraction. So um, let's say, I would say ideal conditions. Look after yourself, guys. It's important that when you're self-pleasuring, you don't see it as some sordid little act. It's important to get to know your body. It's important to, you know, have a have a good time with it, you know. Having a wank should be one of the most pleasurable things you ever do. Not a little dirty secret, okay? So I want you to get mood lighting. I'm suggesting candles, okay? I mean, don't make it, like, cheap. Don't make it like you're about to listen to Cradle of Filth when you're 15. Like, let's have some, you know, some, some, some nice candles on. Um, uh, you know, if, uh, if, if... I'm just saying more straight guys need to, you know, experience just once in a life what it's like to shove something up your butt. It makes a difference when you come. So all I'm saying, maybe, you know, DM me. I can send you, you know, links to the, the best places to buy these things. It'll be very discreet. It won't show up on your, you know, your, your bank statements or anything. Um, all I'm saying, something up the bum, some nice mood lighting, and then, you know, whatever else you want to... If you want to go the full Tory MP route in the 1990s, <laughs> be careful, all right? A belt round the neck and a lemon in the mouth isn't what we do anymore. Uh, you know, we need to be careful. So, you know... 21st if, century, Daniel. Yep, yeah, if you're going to choke, don't choke. That's all I'm saying. Right. I mean, sound, sound of... Thank, thank you for... Um, I wasn't expecting a... Uh, and we'll have more from uh, Daniel's uh, Agony Uncle column uh, in the next uh, the next episode. You're the fucking dear Deirdre of Pooh Podcast. Well, exactly. Like, you know, I th- it's, it, 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 we need to reclaim wank. Wanking's a great thing. Uh, we should all be more in touch with ourselves and our bodies. And having a big old wank is, is lovely... And it should be embraced as a as a perfectly yeah, healthy. Could be a prostate as well. Absolutely, yeah, and, so and that's the, that, that's the uh, joy of shoving things up your butt is that you can also make it into a prostate check. So you know, lads, if you're out there, you need to check your prostate. There's no better way than doing it than by you know. Anyway. Well, you, anyway. you just scanning a QR code up there or something like that. Or? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I forgot that it wasn't a visual medium. So. <laughs> and. Um, uh, next uh, question. We're moving swiftly on. Thank you very much for, uh, for that. We've uh, revealed hidden depths that we had hitherto not thought existed amongst us. Um, at Doctor, I'm hoping Twitter, the listeners will um, be, uh, I'll be, I'll be unveiling hidden depths I'd in like, their own buttholes. I'd like to give Doctor a shout out right now because I loved his uh, World Cup mix last year, and it was like um, it was all African music set to France '98. Oh yeah, so good, such a good playlist. Uh, Friend, friend, friend of the podcast, um, and uh, let's just use his uh, New Japan World account. So thank you very much. Um, so um, uh, at Doctor asks because we uh, seemingly can't get through any episode without mentioning football, which we've uh, not really done so far. How would you book Duncan Ferguson's wrestling career? Oh my word! Oh my word! This is this is catnip to David. Um, I so for 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 the sake of for for context, uh, Duncan Ferguson, um, terrifying Scottish centre forward for Everton in the nineties and early two thousands, uh, did do time for uh, lamping someone, and um, at the moment of recording, is the caretaker manager of Everton. He's basically one of these where it's like, okay, he's never never managed a club before, but he fucking loves the club so much. He basically just gives a little temporary lift until he can get someone permanent in. And at the end of the day, there's no harm in that. It's just a question of whether you do a Man United and just give the guy the job uh, long term based on a very very small sample of results um so but yeah he does have a reputation as something of a hard man i've got a few ideas for how we could book the wrestling career but david i can see you virtually scratching at your fucking uh, oh, computer man, screen like, so uh... i mean like i think the other thing for duncan ferguson as well which won't necessarily be as pertinent for yourself to be although like, it was everything things like that he was also really really good for rangers when i was a kid he's also a really good player as well he was part of that mythologized sort of 
team of like Brian Loudrop and Paul Gascoigne and stuff like that. Um, like he he was a, he was a really really good player, and then the cherry on top of the cake is a fucking head case, and it's <laughs> honestly it's what wonderful. I mean, like I feel actually I know exactly how. Do you remember um, the first blood sport? Oh, what the Josh Barnett one? Or yeah, not, not the John Cole Van Damme film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You remember the yeah, Matt right. Riddle one, and they just get anybody with like a Taekwondo certificate from when they're like primary <laughs> school or whatever. Yes. And do you remember that they had Danny Birch on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what was Danny Birch's combat sports background, George? It it was uh, it was uh, it was like pub fighting. It wasn't was it? fighting <laughs> with the firm for the West Ham Hammers. <laughs> And like it was just this, this hard man, and like that—that was. I would love to make that into a full-fledged gimmick of a man who is not formally trained. He's like you know how like punk guitarists don't have like formal music training. They didn't. Yeah. Have music school. It's like that, but for fighting. And Duncan Ferguson. I mean, I'm going to find out where his hometown is. I would take a guess at Lap Call. Not going to lie, but uh, Sterling, <laughs> right? So he's from Sterling. And he, he like yeah, I feel that he has he has the perfect um he's he's got the sort of background that would make NXT UK wrestlers blush and make them look like fucking you know like cherubs. Um, he has seen a man, he, he he's been he has been to Barlini, the Colossus of Barlini, um Duncan Ferguson. So I'm I'm, I'm sort of envis- envisioning. Nathan Jones style vignettes of him and Barry. Oh yes, please. Um, <laughs> um, coupled with like sort of like him get finally getting out and then doing like talking head interviews of him and like start rooms going. I've seen things and one time we were at St Johnson away and we were all fighting at the motorway stop in Blair Gowrie and like you know a man getting get his head, like and just kind of extrapolate that. He, he would have no moves. He wouldn't have any moves. He would have fists, knees, and a headbutt. And that, that he would do the Jack Gallagher, <laughs> you know, the Jack Gallagher headbutt. That, that, yes. that, that, yeah, that yeah. Um, I mean, look, Duncan Ferguson, he never should have taken a trip down to Cobb County, Georgia. Like, we've all heard what happens. Oh, I honestly... He, he, like, I, I can't think, like, when I was a kid, of a man that people feared more in football in terms of just you would never ever ever like want to mess with Duncan Ferguson because yeah he headbutted somebody and he had a a, a hot head sort of reputation but he had been to Barrel now you're aware of Barlini Jail George or Daniel Um, (laughs) is it like basically the Scottish Wormwood Scrubs yeah Wormwood Scrubs Strange Ways whatever your local equivalent is yeah it's kind of that way where like if you know somebody and you say they've been to Barrel or that they're away to Barrel the the, the reaction is always oof yeah yeah it's and it's like in the middle of Glasgow it's not like I remember we once uh, like sold we once bought a car off somebody who lived next door to Berlin Jail. Like, as in, like, literally next door. Um, yeah, yeah. And we went round and we're like, we are literally about 45 yards away from the fucking prison. 
like it's mad and like it's just it's just there and it's yeah it's it's a terrifying place like um it's not like i i have a prison near where my family stay like probably what about half a mile down the road called low moss prison but that's for like diddy criminals you know like people have done a bit of frauds Fucking League Two criminals, yeah. You know? I, I, like, like people who are like you fight. You could even though they are criminals, you can still take them in a fight. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like you know, oh, he's been done for embezzling like pensioners out of their money. I, I could take them. That's fine. Um, like yeah, I'd have Bernie Madoff. Exactly, like you know, like your your Robert Maxwells of the world. They go to Lomas. Um, but yeah. Um, What's but, uh, Robert Maxwell's favorite Disney song, uh, David? <laughs> Under the sea, under the sea, there'll <laughs> no be no allegations, just friendly, just friendly crustaceans under the sea. Um, <laughs> We're going back to the Simpsons again. Um, have you have you ever? I, I, I might as well ask this question. Have you ever have you ever known anybody who's lived next door to your prison? Um, I, there was a pre. I, I went to not next door, to but close. I I went to uh, uh, university in Durham, and the prison is like in the centre of uh, of town, pretty pretty much. Like it's near some residential buildings, and like someone I know um, did like a, a internship in the physics department one summer. So they were basically just working there, and they were um, subletting this house from someone we knew, and it was right near the uh, the prison. And that is the summer that Raoul Motes, Motes to his friends like Paul Gascoigne, um, escaped from that very jail. Bulldog Stan Raoul Motes. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. So I was just non-stop Ralmote references, um, uh, just in the DMs for several several days before he was uh, uh, caught and uh, and uh, met his untimely death by uh, by shotgun. So um, uh, I've I've never lived near a. To be honest, I don't even know where. I mean, I live in like East Leeds. I don't even know where the the nearest Nick is. Um, but I I don't know. I mean. I do know somebody who, like, literally, if your house was one high street, the prison was number two. Oh, God. In terms of, but it was almost prison, it was a deadly prison, but it was still a prison, do you know what I mean? But he was like, yeah, I bought this house because it was so ridiculously cheap, I wonder why, because you live next door to your prison, but um, he but he was a bit eccentric. I think I mentioned before, do you remember I told you about my dad's friend who once went mental off a bus? He went around <laughs> yes. and he yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was him. He lived next door to a prison, and he once had a cheese plant that overtook his house, <laughs> as in literally like annexed his house. Please be Seymour. Yeah, it was literally because you know, those are the sort of plants where it's a bit like Japanese knotweed, and that once it starts growing, unless you, you no know, trim it very precisely, it will continue to grow and just does not stop. He was not a keen gardener. <laughs> he let it run to the point where I remember my dad went into the house once and like it like went into four rooms and was like going along the walls and stuff and like going into the like the foundations and it was into the entire house had just been like enveloped in this plant. Um so I mean he was clearly not doing much to keep the house price up in his fucking house next to the jail but yeah, like he was a bit of a madman, but yeah, like, um, it's it, it's just a very city. My dad used to tell me about it. It's a very serial place, just literally next door to the prison. Um, it's not it's not quite Carstairs, but Carstairs is the one with the siren. Where if you live in Carstairs, they have a World War Two siren. Yeah, siren. yeah. And if they play that, it means that because it's a for like uh, like high security prisoners and like people who are mentally ill and all that. 
and um, they have like a siren test every like Friday or whatever. But any other time, it's just stay in your house and lock all your doors and windows because there's a psychopath on the loose. Fucking uh, hell. Yeah, so um, speak, I will speak never speak psychopaths live in on the. Speaking of psychopaths on the loose, um, uh, just thinking about how we booked Duncan Ferguson's uh, career, I'm just thinking, Dan, Daniel, you're, you've seen the um, the photo of him choking uh, Tottenham midfielder Stefan Freund. Yeah, 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 I remember. pulling I an absolute Bobby Dazzler of a face while yeah, he's being yeah, throttled. Yeah. So I'm just thinking what would be the best, like, because um, various types of choke in... Um, uh, wrestling, so obviously uh, Kane, uh, the uh, the Undertaker, the uh, practitioners of the choke slam. Um, maybe a sort of like um, uh, sort of Freddie Blassie style stomach claw. Yeah. Um, something like that, or even dare I say, uh, Fritz von Erich. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I actually was immediately when I look at that picture, I kind of think of it. Do you remember the? Um... I don't know what the name of the move was. Um, um, Albert, or should I give him oh, his uh, porno name, Lord Tensai? Used to, yeah, that, that Lord was, the Baldi, was he called the Baldi Bomb? The Baldo Bomb and then the Evo. The Baldo Bomb, what, like the, that's just a Liger Bomb, isn't it? Yeah. No, 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 but no, it's where he grips them by the throat. Oh, that's just a, it's just a choke bomb, I think it's yeah, called. Like, yeah, I know the one you mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. But maybe something like that, because you have to get a real grip with both uh, hands on it, you know? Like, uh, so I... Oh, no, shit, you are right, you are right. And it was called the Derailer when he was uh, A-Train. Ah, yes, ah right. right, okay, there we go. I... Yeah. I just had a thought that I'd like to throw into the marketplace of ideas. <laughs> is Nick Gage wrestling's Duncan Ferguson? Oh, <laughs> fucking hell, that's a really good shout. Oh, my God. Like, oh, I love Nick Gage. Um, like, on on this, um, this, here's a link to my, um, the way I would book it right. Now, Nick Gage is a former felon. Okay. Yeah. He was involved in a gang in uh, prison. What sort of yeah. gang do white people get into in prison? Uh, I'll leave allegedly. That. Allegedly. Uh, I mean, come on. Connect the dots. I mean, I'm not sure it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah you know. Uh, so, Nick Gage was um, involved in a prison gang. Now, he was in prison as a felon. Now, once upon a time, a couple of uh, amateurish felons had the misfortune of burgling the wrong person. Uh, and this person's uh, house was, I believe, uh, uh, j- just outside of the, uh, the the environs of the suburbs of Glasgow. Uh, this uh, <laughs> this one person being a Mr. Duncan Ferguson himself. Uh, as we've said, <laughs> can you imagine if you broke into somebody's house? Now, now this is the, now. I, I'm I'm guessing you guys both know that how this story ends. The the, 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 the end result of this story. Uh, but for just for the listeners, uh, you've got two people right. Two people thinking right. We're inexperienced at this house burgling lark. But you know what? It's the out. It's the, it's, it's the middle class leafy suburbs outside of Glasgow. Anyone that we do come across, there's two of us, we're tooled up, right, they'll be terrified, they'll be meek, sort of petty bourgeois kind of like, you know, uh, uh, sort of like uh, you know, types, they'll they'll be terrified, they'll just chuck credit cards at us and money, we'll run out there, we'll be fine, right, okay? They picked the one house on the block that happened to be, <laughs> happened to be inhabited by a fucking hard man lunatic who's walked straight out of a fucking 1970s edition of Match of the Day, right? Um, And somehow exists in the modern world and is the last, the very last uh, sort of like um, example of what you, uh, uh, of just a, a proper football hard man, right? And they, can you imagine how your your soul would just drip out of your arse 
the moment that you that you that you are confronted by uh, you hear a kerfuffle upstairs. Oh, all right, okay, Johnny, this is it. Right, get ready, tool up, hold your crowbar up. This is it, right? You know, we're gonna we're You'd gonna see have to do like something. like a framed Scotland cap or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. You'd be like Scotland versus Israel. You think? Oh, it's fine. It'll be Colin Hendry or someone. It'll, <laughs> it'll, it'll be fine. Uh, you know? Oh, oh, oh it's Pat Nevin. Huh? Who gives a fuck? Right. I hear John Taylor's around here. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Oh, but Matt, I didn't see any Cocteau Twins records though. Are you sure it's Pat Nevin? Right. <laughs> yeah. What's he gonna do? Drop some sick beats on us? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like he won't be here. He's played all tomorrow's pies this weekend. I did it. I did my research. Right. And then who oh. comes bounding down the stairs in his size twelves? <laughs> but Duncan Ferguson. The end result of this was that these two unfortunate robbers ended up in A and E. <laughs> and, and Duncan Ferguson <laughs> had nothing stolen, <laughs> right? So basically, this is a long-winded way of me saying I book him against the repo man. Very, very good. It kind of reminds me of that. Um, I saw this Russian dash, dash cam footage once, where a couple of guys trying to, I, I guess, like rob this guy when he was like in his car, like the guy in the car behind. They were basically they were trying to rob this fella, and then the fella gets out his car, knocks one of the robbers out with one punch, and literally knocks him off the road into the grassy verge. And the <laughs> second guy very demonstrably, absolutely shits himself and tries to get away, and the guy pursues him and just guillotines him out. <laughs> You'll I, when, when you were discussing this, I had a look at Duncan Ferguson's wiki, right? And I seen oh, this no. amazing sentence, right? <coughs> Ferguson has had four convictions for assault, two arising from taxi rank scuffles, <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine, one, an altercation with a fisherman in an Anstruther pub, I'm sure being my favourite place in the world. <laughs> Clearly, someone tried to nick his fish supper, because as anyone who's been in Shudder will know, it is the most golden fish supper. It's the best place in the world for fish suppers, even better than Whitby. Some, a fisherman quite clearly tried to nick Duncan Ferguson's fish supper and paid the ultimate price. price. The ultimate price? <laughs> you, get, you get battered more than the fish suppers. So oh, hey! Yeah. Oh, you're saying that was one of your favourite sentences? I mean, like the ones Duncan Ferguson got for. Uh... Oh, what, what, how do you think he ranks them? Like, <laughs> no, must, nothing's going to top what? beating up a fisherman in a pub, like. <laughs> top four, top four um, assault convictions. <laughs> what culture? They should do a what I wore, Darren Ferguson, but it's just like his prison fatigues. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean Stefan Freund. The Stefan Freund incident is languishing about number ninety nine. Incredible. The other one isn't even for um, uh, yeah, isn't even for the Freud. It's for the uh, it's for headbutting John McStay, oh, which resulted right. in a rare conviction for an on the field incident. Uh, he also, I, t- I tell you what, if you've done that, <laughs> you'd be in prison. As well as that, in the first incident, he, he headbutted a policeman. Yep. Good. Yeah, <laughs> he got hundred quid fine uh, for headbutting a policeman and get twenty five. Is that all you get for not in a rosa? Oh my god, I've just seen the second one. This where the second resulted in a two hundred pound fine for punching a kicking punching and kicking a supporter on crutches. Fucking hell <laughs> Jesus You can't do that, Duncan. Hey, come on, you can't do that. Well I mean, come on. And even better, Ferguson's troubles with the law and his imprisonment inspired Finnish composer Osmo Tapio Raihala to write a symphonic <laughs> poem as a musical portrait of Duncan Ferguson titled Berlini 9. 
presumably a <laughs> reference to HM Prison Berlin where Fergus has served his sentence. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I mean, it's, it's no Leaf Sagerstam's uh, uh, symphony about Vinnie Jones, but it's good enough. Wait, just, just, just a reminder, the, uh, listeners. Just, the, uh, just a reminder. This man now managing one of the uh, most august and uh, like uh, historically, <laughs> like you know, um, kind of like permanent teams in English football. Premier League manager. Premier League manager. There, there's a symphony about Celtic playing Red Star Belgrade and like. Some oh, there, oh, there's a Celtic <laughs> symphony. All right, my friend. All right, no, 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 no. Ooh, ah. um, but you know, there, like somebody wrote like a, a a symphony about like Celtic playing Red Star Belgrade from like some non-consequential UEFA Cup tie from like the nineties. Uh, I'll try and find out what it was, but yeah, it was. But, um, People write symphonies about any any old shite. Like I mean, uh, I mean, famously Haydn's London Symphony. You know, fuck that. Like that's just Duncan Duncan Ferguson, man. Like this is, this is now a Duncan Ferguson uh, uh, podcast. We stand a queen, Duncan Ferguson. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay, scene. so. Okay, so. Uh, next, uh, next question. This is, I think David's gonna be. I, I don't know. I don't know about Daniel, but David's probably gonna be the, the uh, one to do the uh, best uh, answer on this one. Um, so this is, this is um, at Illustrated Law, another friend of the podcast. Um, if Antonio Inoki could replace the lead singer of any black metal band, which would you choose and why? Oh, oh man, oh man, right. Um... Oh, that, that is a toughie. I'm, 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 rattle, I'm rattling my brain here to think because I mean the obvious answer would be Burzum mainly because I just want to see Antonio Inoki prove the worth of professional wrestling by swimming in chainmail um, <laughs> have you ever seen that video of Varg when somebody's like you can't yeah. swim in chainmail and he's like yes I can and then he just went into a river sadly he didn't fucking drown in that sea <laughs> but um, he literally made an anti-Semitic D and D ripoff, right? Where like, uh, where the villains are like goblins that are quite clearly meant to be Jews. I well, I mean, J.K. Rowling did that, that just so, and she's made millions of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Boom. Uh, I mean, uh, I'm trying, I'm trying uh, to think. But I mean, it's I, I've actually got an idea for this. Right on, you go. Oh, go well, on. I just, I just thought I might do it while you were thinking, you know. Like, um, yeah, yeah, because uh, cause I think you're going to come up with an absolute perler, because as, as fans all know, David's the, the real metal expert here. But um, not a lot of people know this. I actually do quite like black metal as well. Um, and um, I was actually thinking, a bit bit old school this, but I'm pretty sure I, I might be, my mind might be playing tricks on me here. I might gonna, I'm going to lose cult points. But David, can you confirm, am I right in thinking that Mortise played bass on an Emperor album? Yes, he did. Right, thought so. So I was thinking... <laughs> Chris Canyon is also known. I was thinking we could get them to get we could get Inoki and Mortise together in Emperor, oh right? <laughs> and then you and, and but it, it, it has to be Mortise when he's wearing his um his, his prosthetic nose, right? <laughs> sorry, that, sorry, that that was a bit of a VH1 behind the music thing. That it is prosthetic, folks. Um, and um, no. I figured we could have the, the the biggest nose in black metal and the biggest chin. <laughs> I think you've hit the nail on the head on that. Uh, but yeah, like that's, uh, oh, that's what I like. I, I, I like. I, I, I'm probably m- more informed about Mortis than most people because I'm uh, friends with Andrew McQuaid on Facebook, and like he, he stands Mortis quite hard, and it's quite wonderful. But, oh, um, and, and he's always been like that. He's st- Andrew yeah. has stand Mortise since I first met him when we were I mean, eighteen. I'm more, I'm more of a Recyclops guy, but uh, <laughs> little shout out to the Activate podcast there. 
I'm more of a wrath guy myself, but uh, <laughs> one of the uh, 1998 WCW nerds there. Um, I've, um, I'm I'm not a I, like I've I've kind of got two. Oh, you got um, so I'm I'm not a uh, I, I'm into my metal, but like most uh, folk metals, probably my thing. Um, like David and I have had like many long conversations about Winterson and the Good lead singer sauna. doing a kick doing a Kickstarter to get a sauna for his home. Winter sauna. Um. <laughs> hey, um, but like I but I I have read Lords of Chaos. Um, so I've got um, two uh, uh, ideas. Uh, firstly, would be Abruptum, um, simply because. <laughs> wow, um, I did not expect what? you to, to pick up. That's fucking cult. Uh, simply because one of them is called Evil, and that's the name of a wrestler in New Japan. So there's a sort of Inoki <laughs> connection there. Look, just because I've like name checked Dmitry Shostakovich <laughs> earlier in the podcast does not preclude me from knowing about Abruptum. Thank you very much. Um, and um, my, uh, I don't know if they count strictly as black metal. They're certainly not Scandi, but like their music has many elements of it. So I think it counts um, that Inoki could uh, replace the singer of uh, Deaf Heaven because they're incredibly overrated. <laughs> I've, st- I've still never heard them. Oh, it's fucking shit! They don't, don't they're, like. They're not. They're not the best, right? Um, they're, they're not the best, but um, like I, I see, I, I've really, really mellowed in my old age. I don't. If a, if a band calls themselves black metal, you do you, hen. I don't. Yeah, I'm. I'm the same with that. With all, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm the same with like hardcore and like just everything like that. Yeah, all the genres like that now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So no, definitely, definitely, a very good kit, and that's a very good trait. I do, I do like the idea. Of, I've been kind of going through the wiki of black metal bands just to refresh my memory because I'm, I'm totally out of the loop with black metal. I've not listened to it in ages, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna give two examples here. Well, actually, no, three. We've got three, right? Vocally, there is one band that I feel would really suit Anoki, um, Satyricon. Because he sounds like he's got a massive chin. <laughs> like, if you listen to Satyricon King, he sounds like he has a three-foot chin, right? So Antonio Inoki could be in Satyricon, right? So we'll, we'll go for Satyricon. The other one would be, um, are you aware of the band Marduk? The Swedish um, war enthusiasts, and they just love World War Two memorabilia, Daniel. They just love uh, World well, War yeah. II memorabilia. Just a passing interest. It reminds me of, um, are you aware of the shop in Glasgow, the Treasure Bunker, Daniel? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, I know somebody who was pals with the people who run the Treasure Bunker. <laughs> he was telling me once, he was like, the guys in the Treasure Bunker, like, for for all, all intents and purposes, they are actually, they're, pre- they're, they're pretty just hardcore war game nerds. Yeah, and they like military. They are into military history and they collect memorabilia and stuff like that. But they collect memorabilia from the whole gamut, and they are they are generally have a, a a fascination for military history. And they run this really popular shop called the Treasure Bunker, where you can buy. I remember there was one. There was a war game set, and it was um I think it was Hitler's Study, and it was just like somebody was selling Hitler's Study as like a like, a, a background for, like, and it was, like, wee prosthetic tables and stuff like that, like, proper, like, proper niche stuff. Yeah. Stuff. The war game equivalent, if you know those Fire Pro guys that, like, create to real bit sadsy and stuff like that, like, those sort of guys. <laughs> I, I say this as someone who has created to real bit sadsy in uh, Fire Pro, but, um, like, yeah, so I, I, I feel, like, with them, I remember he was telling me, as I spoke to him, he says, we've got two customers. We've got two types of customers. And it's, it takes four seconds 
for you to figure out which one the, the customer is coming in is. You have the genuine military enthusiasts who really just love like military history and like studying wars and stuff. And to be honest, I was big into like military history and stuff like that when I was a kid. Like, so I, I totally understand that you get the guys who are genuinely into military history, and then you have the other lot who never ask for the Allied War Games figures, and uh, you know they're all yeah. asking. Uh, they're the same people that go into Mr. Ben's the retro shop and they always ask how much for the SS jacket that they have in the back <laughs> and they're like no it's not for sale we've been given it by somebody and we like it's not for sale we're not and they always get people but there's always like sort of a 20% of people who go into the treasure bunker like have you, have you got any more SS patches um, and, and you're not meant to do that anymore Daryl you know you're not <laughs> But yeah, um, so Marduk, genuine military history enthusiast, I assume Marduk. The other one I had uh, was, um, I really liked the band, I thought, what was the other band I was going to do? Oh, it would be quite funny having them in Cradle of... I mean, it it absolutely would, like, um, uh, like uh, do you think he'd like Suffolk? <laughs> Who doesn't? I mean, it may, it may, it may seem. I mean, if he wants to like remind himself of Gamuyujima Island, it's about as desolate. So, uh, like, he should be right at home. I, I, I feel that like I would really like to see like my my favorite type of um, uh, blackmail is the sort of the nuclear satanic goat penis six six six. You know, all the Indonesian lads who just like sing about like goat penises and like. You know, like nuclear warheads raping nuns and stuff like that, like utterly ridiculous, absurd nonsense. And I feel Antonio Inoki would be well served in your sort of like a beheaded clone or something like that. You know, some utterly ridiculous, you know, like fucking goat anus band or something like that, like from from like fucking Venezuela or something like that. Can I just mention Venezuela by the way? Well, <laughs> I'm afraid that is the nature of the hard left. I've just thought with Inoki having Brazilian connections what about Sarcophago? Yes. yes. Ooh, very <laughs> good. Uh, who, who also happens to be I think one of the, one of the, one of the still one of the best uh, uh, bands of that did, did proto oh, genre. No, this, is pe- this is Prime Christmas episodes uh, chat. Have I ever told you about the time that I hoax Sarcophago? No. Oh my word! Oh my word! Right, I I I managed to hoax uh, the lead no. from sarcophago. Right, so basically, when I was in uni, I had a a penchant for um just like post like uh, posting rumors that were fake, just to see if anyone believed them. Not even ridiculous rumors; it was stuff like you know. Or this band are touring, or this band are touring. So it was like you know, for example, Carcass are touring in two thousand and six with like a bit train and tombs, and everyone was like, "Oh my god, it's amazing!" They're getting back together and all that. And one, and there was there used to be this website called Metal Storm. Uh, I think it's still going, but uh, basically it used to be like a wiki for metal, and it had the ability where you could upload news stories. Um, so I uploaded that Sarcophago um, had reunited and they were going to be playing uh, a 12-date South American tour of every South American country along with like a six-date tour in Europe. And um, <laughs> Amazing. This got picked up by Terrorizer magazine. It got picked up by Zero Tolerance magazine. The, do you remember the metal website Blabbermouth? 
Yeah, yeah. They picked it up and ran it as a legit news story. So everyone was going insane to the point where uh, Wagner from Sarcophago, um, he is not into metal anymore. He's he's, he's geared up. He's he's at the game now. Um, He's at it. Um, he is now like a meltish economics professor in Sao Paulo. Oh, he Better definitely supported Bolsonaro, didn't oh, he? Oh, no, he did. Like, he definitely did, right? <laughs> but um, the, the rumours got so strong that he had to email from his uni account. <laughs> I'll, I'll find the link, right? I will find the link right now because it's still there. And he had to like go, I am Wagner Lemunier from Sarcofago. This this is a picture of me now, and he showed like his student ID of him and his suit and tie and stuff. And he's like, I'd like oh, to say this what? is utter nonsense. This is not true. Imagine imagine getting an email from like Danny at uea.ac.uk. Honestly, like um, I'm going to find it. It should still be there. I hope that like you know all the um, you know all the the old like. But I was honestly howling for it. There we go. Former Sarcofago frontman shuts down reunion rumors. Uh, so speaking to Salada and Imhotep's Tiago Sarkis, Lamunier, who has a Bachelor of Science and PhD degrees in economy, economy, just, just, you know, and currently works as a teacher at one of the most respected universities in Brazil, vehemently denied our plans for Sarcofago to reform. I'll send you the link in the text now because honestly, I'm, I'm, this will, this will, be, this is like my deathbed achievements. This will be on my roll of honor, absolutely bamming up. Meltish sarcophago singers. I'm, I, I, I mean, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of. Um, I mean, obviously, we know uh, uh, my, my favorite Brazilian uh, rock stars, um, uh, Max and Igor Cavalera from uh, Cavalera Conspiracy. I'm um, going to see the, the, the favorite band that they're in. <laughs> <laughs> Very yes. good. Um, I'm more of a nail bomb man myself. myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate! Shout out, me and Andrew McQuaid used to listen to nail bomb back in the day. And get stoned. Nail bomb are fucking brilliant. To be fair, it's not even. Like <laughs> yeah, they rule. Nail, nail bomb are great. They are, uh, but yeah, but um, yeah. Honestly, like, I um, I I loved it so much that um, that's uh, that sarcophago reunion that it got picked up by everyone and just spread it wildfire when I was at uni one day on my lunch. That's phenomenal. And, uh, honestly, it's so good. But uh, yeah, and what have we got? Any other questions? Uh, a couple more if you uh, if you if you got time. Um, they're quite similar actually. Uh, yeah, so if, we, if we rattle it off uh, in, in not too not too uh, uh, long a time. Yeah. No worries. So, um, at uh, Jimothy Baker asks us, uh, what's the most offensive Christmas gift you have ever been given slash received? Uh, just before um, uh, we start talking about that, um, uh, you can catch a very good interview with Jimothy Baker, who's an investigative journalist in the Ilford South region, on episode 126 of Real Politic, where he talks about the... Uh, uh, actually, sort of quite upsetting and worrying uh, disappearance of uh, a friend of the podcast who's actually participated in a Christmas Q&A before, uh, Mr Richard Miller, who's uh, sadly gone missing in Ilford while doing some uh, uh, serious data journalism, looking into possible connections between uh, Mike Gapes MP and organised crime gang. So, uh, Richard, if you're out there and listen to this, we love you, mate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think it's utterly disgraceful um, that, um, that the good name of Mike Gapes... MP um, has been besmirched in in this way. Say Milk. Say it one more time. Mike Gates Mike MP. Gapes. Because after tomorrow, you'll never have to fucking say it again. Ah, uh, because after <laughs> oh, tomorrow, but... Mike will never gape again. Jelly and ice cream when Gapes loses his deposit. Ah, uh, did you <laughs> did, did you stay up for Gapes? 
Yeah, whatever happens in this election, I think, like, we can take solace in the fact that some of the worst fucking melts in Parliament are going to be sent absolutely packing and it's going to be very good. So, Mike um, Gibbs, yep. Chris Leslie, Lord Beaverbrook, you boys took one <laughs> hell of a meeting. Um, so what's the most offensive Christmas gift you've ever... I don't think I don't think anything we can come up with is going to beat uh, Sam Chaplin from Cinema Swirl, who told us in one of their Christmas episodes about uh, the, w- the worst gift he ever got, and probably quite offensive as well, was a uh, he got bought a T-shirt by his parents, and then the next Christmas he got bought the same T-shirt to size up. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's only in the space of a year as well. Um, I've got, um, I, not, not maybe one that I've received, but, um, like, and as someone once said, my personality makes much more sense when you, um, you know this part, bit of information about me. I went, I went to an all boys grammar school and, uh, in my, in my, uh, sixth form, uh, uh, English class, there was a, we used to do a secret Santa every year and, um, I got a gift of like a little sort of, um, uh, sort of quite charming little sort of. Uh, creature man um, who's meant to be like fishing, he's meant to be very calm, it's sort of a little bobblehead, sort of nods back and forth, meant to be very calm. It did look like he was having a tug, um, but like some of the other presents people received were a um, uh, a vibrating tit, um, there was a um, there was a, used to be a sex shop in town, um, and then it moved to premises just off the A1 near Stoke Rochford, uh, where there used to be a McDonald's and the thing is about the one in town you could very easily just like Look around, see no one's coming, and then just open the door, slip in real quick. Not that I've ever done it, but that's what you could do. No, um, but no, if you're no, on, no. if you're on the A1, the, the people behind will just see you in the case and go, "He's going at the sex shop." <laughs> so a vibrating, a vibrating tit, and um, a, a big, uh, big cock and balls made of chocolate. Not crucially one that had been bought at the sex shop. Someone in my class had actually melted down some chocolate and <laughs> remolded it in the shape of a John Thomas and some testicles. Fantastic piece of art. That's phenomenal. And, uh, I, don't I think, that. and I think what a last one that might offend maybe the capitalist pig dogs that we're hopefully going to be chucking out tomorrow. Um, a sign which it was just a sign like one of those sort of metal ones that you might get on some chain link fence, which just said Nissan approved. And you know when you look at a, a gift and you go, that was definitely robbed. Yeah. Um, is this Christmas presents or presents in general? Uh, Christmas present specifically. Oh, fuck, right. I had the, perf- I had the perfect example of a, n- a non-Christmas present, but that kind of throws me back onto the drawing board. Um, uh, I've to- I told you last year, I m- mentioned this last year, I once bought my uncle uh, 24 cans of tenants, which seems like a great idea, only to be told afterwards that he'd stopped drinking because he gave him nosebleeds because he'd been drinking <laughs> so much. So that was, that was a good one. Um... I, I, I can go if you want, if you're thinking. Yeah, I can go. Right. So, you know how sort of elderly relatives are a little bit out of touch with the youth? Um, yes. yes. And that's fine, it's expected. So what they do is, if they're, you know, if, if, if they're trying to just like, you know, they'll, they'll give you money or maybe they'll give you a voucher, right? You know, because they think, right, spend it on what you want. I don't know, I'm out of touch. Spend it on what you want, right? Now, that's fine. Unless your grandma gives you a voucher that can only be spent at B&Q and you're eight. <laughs> now... Fucking hell. Now, sorry, I'm eating an arrow, folks. I, I, my, my, my partner went out to the shops and brought back an arrow. Cause I, was, I was wasting away. Um, but yeah, um, basically, <laughs> that happened to me once. And 
I mean, I was too young to be offended at the time. But retrospectively, I look back on that and I think, you know what? At the time, I loved you, Grandma. But then I got older and I realised that you treat me dad horrible when he was growing up and you're a racist. So um, I don't really I have any shame anymore in saying that was the shittiest, most offensive present I've ever received. Right. I've thought of one that I actually received. Not if offensive. It was meant. Um, it was meant really nice. Um, it was from my folks. Uh, so basically, um, uh, I started doing teacher training. Um, quit after a week because uh, sorry, not a week. Uh, I stuck it out a month and then was just like, this is fucking shit. I don't. I don't like it. I'm not going to be good at it psychologically. It's not going to be good for me. So I quit and basically spent a little bit of time on the dole looking for jobs and then. Uh, found one like which is going to start in uh, January just after Christmas so my parents got me um, it's uh, one of these books you often get in like um, uh, airports called uh, The Rules of Work it's just like lots of like nice useful tips for uh, conducting yourself in the workplace and maybe sort of advancing in your profession like all like all real good stuff but unfortunately it was the first gift I opened that Christmas so um, very much it was very like oh this is this is this is my life now is it so like one which like I was a little bit put out by at the time obviously it was like meant really nicely and actually is is pretty decent if you're into that sort of like uh, sort of stuff but uh, yeah what about what about yourself David well um I've got a couple of ones uh, I remember once uh, my friend I don't know if you ever you ever knew him. you might know me used to work these and stuff like have you ever heard of a guy called Gregory Williams he's got glasses Daniel played in a band called Fur Hood used to do a YMO tribute oh wait I think I know who Fur Hood were... Yeah, Furhood sounds uh, like I, I, someone I would have seen before. Yeah. Yeah. So my uh, my friend uh, played in Furhood, and he went home to his family, and uh, for Christmas and that, and um, basically they panicked buying him a present because he didn't live with them anymore. They didn't know what interest he was into or anything like that, and they just panicked, and they bought him a Scottish man, Freddie Flintoff's autobiography. <laughs> Oh, wow. Now, if you're English, Welsh, uh, even Irish, right? You get that, you're like, right, fair enough, he's a sporting great or whatever. But you, you can kind of pass it off going, yeah, look, it was cheap in the, the bookshop or something. Or, you know, but to get, but like, to, for two Scottish parents to give a Scottish man, Freddie Flintoff's autobiography is pretty up there. Um, and I thought that, that, that was a real low. I... It was not Christmas, but I'm going to say it anyway. I remember once I had a birthday party. Sorry, Jesus had a birthday party. We'll make it topical. Um, and um, basically, I had a whole bunch of people over. And my friend was like, can can my friend come? And I was like, yeah, sure, you can bring him and all that. And he was like... Um, uh, and he came, and it was clearly just an excuse for him to get really, really pissed. And like, more pissed than everyone else. And he got a calzone. You know, one of those calzone... Things. Oh, not uh, Calzone the restaurant, which was a, a very different oh, no. thing. Uh, like, again, let's not get into that because Daniel's got a, a fucking uh, like BDS style uh, vendetta against putrid little uh, serpent shit don't, don't, bastard scab fuck. Also, don't support the blue again. But um, <laughs> uh, yes, so uh, he he came, he got really pissed, and um, he basically was sick all over my house and just like absolutely ruined the night and stuff like that now that's bad enough but what happened was that because it was my slash jesus's birthday he was like oh, i need to buy him a present fuck right he panicked so what he bought me was a tattoo 
<laughs> but what? not not like a transferable tattoo, not a voucher for a tattoo, a sleeve tattoo. As in a literal sleeve that you placed over your arm with oh. a tribal design on it. And he just came and he was like, there you go, happy birthday. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, clearly, what is the minimum stuff. amount I can spend that allows me access into this house without offending everyone so I can get really pissed? A sleeve tattoo out of stuff, that will fucking do. It would cost a probably at least four, but probably about four pounds, and to this day I hold a fucking grudge because really buy me cans. Do you know what I mean? Like if you're if you're stuck, just buy somebody cans. Like it's or I'd have taken a voucher. I'm very happy for vouchers. People say you know it's a lack of thought. It's not the fact that you've went out and bought a voucher for them, giving them shows that. You want to give them something? Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and I mean, you're 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 of the kind of age where one for B and Q could be useful. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> oh no, like, I I buy my dad B and Q vouchers every year, but he's like an obsessive joiner. So I mean, like he he fucking loves it. Um, yeah, but um, yeah. yeah. Chuck Ramon is an obsessive joiner. He joins a new political party every month. Hey, <laughs> he's going to be joining another one next week when he loses his seat. Hell fucking yeah! Imagine if um, Chuck lost his seat. I mean, he's. I mean, the projections are saying he's gonna. So, uh, like, Swenson. critical. Cri- so, critical support for the uh, Tory MP who <laughs> choked that uh, environmental activist against the wall. If he's gonna uh, beat Chukwuma, small Leave victories. Uh, but yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think the sleeve tattoo is probably the worst present I've ever had. Like, very offensive, especially because I don't have any tattoos and hate tattoos in general. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For, fair enough. Um, uh, but the last one, just quickly, um, before we move on, is uh, a gas tank Adam again, and it is just what's the best wrestling gift you've ever received? Uh, oh, I think I have mentioned this on the podcast before, but uh, my wife, when I first really into Puro, mm. um, she oh, was yeah. kind of a lost end for what to buy me. And she took a punt, and she uh, Googled, she just literally googled Japanese wrestling, and click shopping, and on um, uh, oh, I know what Christmas you're Day, I, know. I unopened King of the Death Match '95 on DVD that she didn't know what the fuck it was, and I was like, oh my fucking god, how did you get it? What is it? How, how, how on earth did you... Said, I googled Japanese wrestling. This is the first thing that came up. I was like, you don't understand how yeah. much... <laughs> this is, oh, my God. Hey, yeah. That that reminds me of, um, you know, uh, Cameron of Funkadactyl's fame in the... Um, uh, which I, I believe means uh, Funky Fingers. And um, she was like... Doing one of these, she wasn't being used much on telly because she was pretty terrible. And she posted this picture of her on... Um, to, to bless her, just like trying to prove, like, no, I am taking this wrestling thing seriously. And it was just a picture of her sitting at a computer screen with like Japanese wrestling in the like Google search bar, but like the third thing down was a Junkasai match. Oh, no. oh wow. <laughs> um, so that, that would be quite interesting if uh, Cameron had stuck around in the Fed long enough to uh, for the um, just imagine Cameron doing the Pearl Harbor splash um, <laughs> at tribute to the troops. <laughs> I am. Um... The, the other honourable message you probably give us to my dad. My dad uh, famously doesn't buy me gifts. He just gives me money. And his reasoning is, whatever I buy you will be shitting out of date by the time I buy you. So I don't 
like I'm not going to bother, like I'm not going to bother trying but trying, I'll give you money and you can buy it yourself. But the one time he did buy me a present was because I guided him and I told him, look, this game, this this has came out and I really want it. And he bought me WWF Attitude for the N64. It's the only oh, gift wow. he's ever bought me, um, apart from a couple. Of, he used to buy me the F1 yearbook every year and an Ur Willy yes. book. Are you, are you aware of Ur Willy? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that and, like, you, the F1 yearbook, but the actual gift that wasn't just a book was WWF Attitudes. And, um, yeah. Oh, uh, that's, that's brilliant. I mean, mine is probably, this is one um, uh, that Sarah got me. Basically, I, they, I don't think they do it anymore, but they used to be, like, um, uh, Rev Pro York Hall shows back when uh, we, me and you, Danny, actually used to go to these. Um, we... Uh, there was always like a vendor selling like uh, wrestling DVDs. They're like uh, mostly like Shimmer for some reason, but like sometimes there'll be some Japanese imported stuff. And there was one which was a uh, six-disc DVD of uh, Mitsuharu Misawa matches, um, ranging from I think the first one on the um, thing from him wrestling Shiro Koshinaka in the final in like 1983 to one of his final matches ever in 2009. Six discs of it, and it was sixty pound. And uh, basically, I was like, oh, I might buy this. And like, I was pretty hard up at the time. And uh, I was like, oh, it's 60 quid, but it's so good, though. And uh, so eventually was just like, look, if you go halves on it, do you want this to be your... And like, my birthday wasn't for another like six months. She was, she was like, Valentine's Day present. Just an absurd fucking amount of money. To, and we don't even do Valentine's Day. But she was just like, I can I can tell you really want to have this Miss Hour box set. Let's go halves on it. And that can be your, uh, that can be your present. And... Uh, uh, so that was that's probably my favourite um, wrestling gift. She's good at like, giving gifts. There's one um, birthday I think not long after we started going out where her present to me was um, sick uh, was nine Robot Wars toys, which she just bought off this fellow on eBay. It basically had like all the big boys and like house robots and like just just wonderful stuff. So uh, Dan- Daniel, what about yourself? Uh, yeah, my, mine's a bit, um, a kind of a bit more, I suppose, obvious, but also kind of it's it's got similarly kind of sentimental value as well, I guess, uh, like like yours does there. Uh, so um, mine is um, the DVD of the Dragon Gate uh, show that um, I actually went to. God, oh, I want to yes. say oh, yes. five, four, five, six years ago now. Uh, it was in Broxburg. Oh, no, That'd be twenty twelve as well, latest, really. Oh, possibly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, and um, it was just it, I, it was, uh, and it was given to me uh, for my birthday actually. Um, uh, a few months after that. Um, and it was given to me by uh, the mysterious Gary, who's uh, uh, someone we've mentioned on this podcast before, uh, and is um, yeah friend of the show. Um, and uh, yeah, he, we went to that together. Um, it was a, we made a lovely weekend of it. Um, I'd never been to Broxbourne before. It was quite a pleasant place, actually. It was just in a leisure centre there, weirdly. <laughs> uh, just, like, literally just a random leisure centre. Um, and uh, it was, we, we stayed in this um, nice little um, hotel that was, like, in, in this, like, uh, the, the um, kind of the, the, the opening of a forest, basically. So it was quite picturesque and nice. And it was a nice little area with a nice little uh, local pub and stuff that we uh, went in and had a few pints in and stuff. And, um, yeah, it was um, a really, really sort of pleasant weekend. Um, and it was just really nice being able to see, um, uh, you know, uh, workers who were, even at that time, a big deal. The main event was uh, Tazawa versus Ricochet, which Whoa. was up to that point probably the best match I've ever seen live. Um, so it was great to have that on DVD um, afterwards as well. Um, and um, yeah, like uh, that—that's probably the uh, the best one that I've received because um, I, I still watch it now and again when I'm feeling a bit down because uh, it reminds me of a lovely weekend with uh, one of my best friends. So yeah. 
Oh, that's really lovely. Okay, well, um, thank, that's all, all the questions answered. Thank you so much to all of our fans that um, uh, provided them on Twitter at such short notice because I'm a massive fuck-up. So uh, thank you very much. We will take a quick little um, recording break now and we'll be back with the second bit of the uh, of the episode baby incredibly depressed. So, um, yes. thing went well did it lads <laughs> I mean yeah it went about as well as it could do the centrist melts all lost their seat Joe Swinson is no more um, my, I will say yeah. my local constituency no longer has Joe Swinson as MP yep yeah, I think that they were all the most notable things that happened that
with action one, then we can just... Yeah, I don't, I don't recall anything else. We're no. certainly not locked into another five years of a neoliberal nightmare because some, like, Remainer bastards, like, bounced the Labour Party into a second referendum. They lost all their seats in the North. I mean, Imagine not, that not happened. at all. I mean, I'm, I, I, I mean, I've just had a delicious uh, succulent um, chlorinated chicken um, served <laughs> to me at, uh, from um, Stephen Kinnock's uh, fried chicken house. And... <laughs> It's um, it's all gravy here on Singapore on Thames. Anyway, um, shall we? Well, it, well, Daniel, if I ever get any birth, you could always just move up to Scotland. Arf, 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 oh, arf. That's right. Yeah, I could yeah. just leave all my family belongings and the entire social network that sustains me and my sobriety right down here. And anyway, should we talk about wrestling? Yeah, yeah. yeah, let's talk about something that like doesn't make me want to cry every time I think about it. Uh, so let's talk about WWE. Oh wait, yeah, <laughs> fuck's sake, you beat me to it, you bastard. Yeah, let's um, let's just um, get right in with it. So what we'll do is we're just gonna do this is the section where we we're gonna do a bit of a 2019 in review. Um, uh, so we're just gonna go round round the houses really, um, touch on all the major sort of issues. And um, so yeah, I guess we'll kick off with the the big dog, not Rowan Reigns, but the uh, house in which he has built his fame. Uh, WWE. Um, fucking hell, it's been the 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 thing about WWE is like. And, and I realised this when I went to a, which you mentioned our holiday episode actually, uh, went to a Smackdown taping at Madison Square Garden. It's so fucking bad. It's so anodyne and terrible. And the other, the other thing I've noticed about WWE crowds, or maybe just this particularly shitty one, but they really only pop for three things, which are finishers, poses and catchphrases. And that is essentially it. It really is just like the the lowest common denominator wrestling, which it really isn't a new complaint, but like it's in, it's especially stark when they're doing so much to like hire some really talented wrestlers and then just do fuck all with them. Like it, it really brought it home to me at Survivor Series when they did a, a triple threat match between AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura and Roderick Strong. And Sarah and I had a chat between ourselves and we were like, so are we skipping this or, you know, <laughs> It's it's amazing. It's it's genuinely remarkable. I I, I feel like um, that uh, when I think of um, WWE at the moment, and, and I'll, I'll full disclosure, I think I watched two full main roster pay per views, which were WrestleMania, and I watched Survivor Series um, recently because of the NXT kind of um, uh, crossover stuff. Uh, that's all I've watched of mainstream WWE this year. I got to the point when I could not justify the amount of time that I was spending um, on, on, on watching it for the lack of reward that I was getting. Uh, but also because I actually found there's something quite uncanny. Um, and I mean that in, a kind of, in, in, in kind of like a philosophical and aesthetic sense. There's something quite uncanny about watching WWE, the main roster stuff. Um, the closest thing that I can get to it, and I'm, George, you're t- you tend to be better at these things than me, but um, like, is, uh, I-, I describe it as kind of like a, a boring dystopia. Uh, which is what uh, yeah. uh, Mark Fisher famously uh, uh, coined a, and started a Facebook group uh, based around this concept. Um, so th- this kind of notion that like um, everything is kind of a you, you, you've kind of re- reached a plateau of of, of kind of progress, um, and then that is kind of like just eternally dolloped on you with as much kind of like um, lack for need or want in terms of variety as you could possibly imagine. Uh, so you know, here um, let's have a you know there's, there's there's a million different types of phone you can have, and then that very sort of notion of it there just being so much on offer um, is sort of allied with this completely sterile kind of atmosphere where everything kind of gets leveled out, uh, and I just have absolutely I, I just there's there's it's too big a chunk 
of wrestling uh, put in one place in front of me in which everything is kind of flattened out and I feel like I should be into it because everyone in it is very talented but there's just something uncannily kind of unsettlingly dull as fuck about it um, it's so lifeless and so colourless and I think the thing that I would compare it to is that I was watching some old really old school kind of um, you know sort of like I'd say uh, uh, sort of really sort of peak Vince uh, sort of like uh, WWF stuff. So um, you know, um, after he's um, he's uh, he, he's gone through and he's taken over uh, pretty much um, every territory possible. He, he's ratted them all out on TV deals, uh, yeah. and he's got he's he's got nationwide uh, you know um, exclusivity. And the amount of effort that is put in to make everyone, even fucking like you know, a veritable kind of like uh, the killer bees for fuck's sake, like uh, um, sort of stand out in terms of uh, what in terms of their ring gear, in terms of having a logo for them when they do promos in the background, in terms of just like something unique about them as characters, it's it's it, it's completely gone here. Like there's nothing here that distinguishes people that should feel distinguished to me. Um, and I've just got no faith that they can actually use any of these uh, this incredibly talented roster in any way that feels distinguished or in any way that makes me see something that I won't be able to see somewhere else. I think that's really sad, uh, to be honest. Because the I, you know I would I would go one further with it. <laughs> wow. Okay. And see. It's not, I, I don't I, I don't share the view and I don't have the faith in them being able to use these characters effectively. This is probably the year, maybe 2018 as well, where I have came to the realisation we're all looking at it from the wrong, the wrong angle because we're all looking at it going, look at what amazing stuff we could do with them. And that is not what they do. No, no, you're right. They have this homogenous project. I, I, I think it's probably fair to say, like Brock Lesnar and Stone Cold and The Rock killed the stardom in WWE for everyone else because they fucked off when they were the the absolute top of the game, you know, biggest stars, and fucked off and left them. Yeah, and it's, it's about really it's about moments now. now where they don't want to make yeah. another Brock Lesnar. Yeah, because they might fuck off. And they're now in this place where it's it, it, it's the infuriating, you know, it's not about the, the stars, it's about the show as a whole. So it is actively, they, it's actively detrimental in their eyes if somebody gets too over. So they don't bother and they actively try and keep people down because they know if they break out and they get too... I mean, an example would be like Rusev, uh, Ru- uh, Rusev Day. Remember when Rusev Day, Rusev was like the most over person yeah. And they, they specifically called him off Zack Ryder. I mean, I know it's Zack Ryder, but at the time yeah. he felt D- Damien like Sand now. Yeah, and yeah. they actively try and kill people down because they don't want people getting ideas above there. And when I say there, I mean WWE station. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, I've now got to a point where it, it doesn't matter what any of them do. I mean, you, you hear about like people like Tommaso Champa. Did you hear the interview with Tommaso Champa a, a week or two ago? When he basically came in and he says, I will actively fight against any call-up to the main roster. He said, I, yeah. said, I don't want to go up. I don't care yeah. about making more money. I would rather stay in it. And like, actively saying it and like on a podcast to people going, there's lots of people in NXT who don't want to be called up. Whereas it used to be before, that was the, 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 the sort of the goal. Um, to get called up. Now a lot of them are like, I don't want called up. But I want to stay here. This is great. Yeah, yeah, like it's 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 the thing. The thing about it is, is um, yeah, every, every, like a lot of people say like, oh, when you know, 
Kevin Dunn gets uh, gets shit canned, or like Triple H and Stephanie takes over, then things are going to get better. Like because like they like NXT and Triple H runs that, and so they think he's going to be better when, uh, when he takes over the main roster. And the thing is, NXT is not trying to be the main roster; it is trying to be a boutique product, if you like, for a completely different type of audience it's got a different aesthetic to the main show um but like the main roster whoever's in charge of it is fundamentally going to be a incredibly dumbed down show for a mass audience when i say mass audience i don't mean you know the masses i'm not going to be like classist about it like because like individuals within the masses are like you know incredibly intelligent perceptive people with their own you know, unique taste in stuff. What I, by, I mean by a mass audience is completely flattened out in terms of its affect, really. You, you, you know what I mean? There's like, there's nothing to get your teeth into. It's calculated to appeal to as many people as possible, it, but without ever having an identity of its own. And that's not, uh, and that's in quite a different way to the sort of um, old three ring circus idea. The, the idea that you have, okay, you've got a serious bit and you've got a comedic bit and, and stuff like that. I think that's absolutely fine, but I, I, I don't really mean that. What I mean is that it's it's calculated in its presentation and its scripting and its storytelling to be as anodyne as possible. So yeah, it doesn't matter who's in charge of it. If it's going with that aesthetic, it's never going to be any good. It's an algorithm. It's a wrestling algorithm. That's what it is. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's got and it, and it results in this kind of weird, like sort of mono pace of everything, where yeah. like um, you know, like like you just rightly said, uh, it, there isn't this like uh, this old idea that you know people kind of had people, and this is why I think um, for all its faults, for all its faults. Something like um, um, uh, like AEW and um, even more so uh, like um, NWA Power, which is obviously kind of a, a pastiche of, of the old school stuff anyway. But like they they they're they're not perfect shows. In fact, in some cases, some of the episodes are, are quite bad. But actually, what they do is they they feel so satisfying because in contrast to this kind of like enormous like hulking kind of like glacial um, like sort of like uh, 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 just like just monolith of like. Of just mediocrity, it, it they actually really stand out because they, they do things like that. They'll say, "Okay, your place in this company is to do this. Do it really well." <laughs> you know, See, like they, well, they, they they won't say your everyone you, everyone on this roster's play place in this company is to try and achieve the same thing. Have this great match. Try and stand out. That's not how wrestling cards work. It's not how shows work. <laughs> you know, everything is built together with all the pieces. You know, like all the pieces matter. The yeah. wire, whatever. Like, exactly. I mean, the the thing that like exemplifies it to me, and we can, and then we can maybe sort of go on to because you you mentioned AEW and NWA Power. We can go on to talk about the Wednesday Night Wars. The thing that exemplifies it for me most of all, the single figure is um, Humberto uh, Cahillo. Who like now? I'm I'm sure Humberto Carrillo is a lovely fella, and he's a good wrestler. But his elevation from like you know NXT jobber to be on two or five live to like trading wins with fucking AJ Styles and people uh, like right, that right, on the main right, roster. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna straight up jump in here. I don't know who this guy is. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. He, he, <laughs> he, he was a luchador before. Like I can't remember. Yeah, him too sick, he's, what was he? What 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 was his name in lucha? Oh god, I've no idea. Um, I'm googling it just now. Um, he was. Is it just the same name, or because I might I might just have not seen him in Lucha? Yes, or just he's forgot. Ultimo Ninja. 
That sounds like a Butlins gimmick. And um, he is uh, Hector Garza's nephew. Okay. Oh, okay, right. okay. But but yeah, but basically, and like Hector the point... Garza's son is also in NXT. Yeah, he, yeah, he's, that's he's, right. Yeah, because he's I'm really not... good. But, but oh, like, yeah, okay. but... yeah, he he looks like his. Yeah, but, but the thing about this fella is like they've just sort of gone. Okay, you. Like, you're going to be on the main roster training with AJ Styles for, like, seemingly absolutely no reason. He could literally be anyone. He could be uh, Angel Garza, um, who's, like, currently in NXT. He could be any guy. He's just a dude who wrestles quite well. I wouldn't say, like, I wouldn't say I saw anything from NXT that made me think, okay, this guy is absolutely spectacular in the ring. You have to get him on the main roster ASAP. But this is this is the worst thing about it, is that literally within the, com- the course of this conversation, I've just searched on Berto Carrillo right now, right, okay? And within the course of that, and you talking about um, what he's been up to on the main roster, I've realised that there's several people that are in WWE whose careers I've just lost track of, who I really <laughs> like, right? There's a, the, 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 there's a thumbnail here of him um, being put in a, a, a rear chin lock, uh, by um, uh, Andrade Almas, right? Yep. Fucking La Sombra, right? Match. Literally one of my favourite wrestlers of the past few years. In one of my matches of the last decade. Completely yeah. forgot about him. Com- completely forgot he existed. Yeah. What did he do? Andrade has been facing Mustafa Ali. AJ Who I also Spanish, love. Ricochet. Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio. Those matches have all been great. Yeah, but nobody gives a fuck. No, they give us an actual fuck. I, I mean, literally, you've just ben listed Ballard. off like several of my favourite wrestlers of the past, like you know, c- couple of decades, and I'm just I like, just don't give a fuck. Not going to bother watching. Who cares? I, they're just spaffing at twelve minute matches with like two two of your favourite wrestlers of the last ten years, and you don't care. That's, I mean, yeah, the, thing is, the thing I would say about it, right? And you you both know my pathological obsession with WCW, and it's yes. specifically like 1998 WCW. Now, the reason I absolutely adore 1998 at WCW is that you can put on a Saturday night or even a Nitro or a Worldwide. Oh, yeah. And if somebody said to you, who is coming out? You would not be able to guess. You you would not literally be able to guess. It can literally be anyone. There's literally times where I've seen people who I thought had died a year ago taking on people I thought had retired six months ago. Uh, and it's I mean, like... I'll I'll still never forget the day when like I'd I'd only I'd gotten into El Dandy retrospectively and I'd watched the Mexican stuff and then I'd heard about the Bret Hart put down right, but then to see El Dandy just randomly like you know like in a sort of like a corpulent kind of like post uh, uh, post Mexico <laughs> retirement El Dandy just waltz out on an episode of Worldwide one night I just found on the network you've got no idea how much I popped in my bedroom for that oh yeah it's like El Dandy versus Finley and stuff yeah. like, you know, like, <laughs> and I'm just like this yeah, is, yeah I, I'm like give me fucking half an hour of this and then the next next match will be like Masahiro Chono versus Sergeant Craig Pittman or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, like Gr- Gr- Greg Valentine versus fucking Tenzan or some shit. Yeah, like, it's, it's Marty Jannetty versus Black Cat. Like, <laughs> or like fucking, you know, Norman Smiley taking on fucking, I don't know, like fucking... Ralphus. He was in the UWF, wasn't he, Norman Smiley? He was, yeah. Um, but like the thing I loved about WCW is that, again, like, literally anyone can come out, but it's not like WWE where you have like fucking Dave Taylor versus fucking Viano 4 and they just work the same match as like Marty Jannetty versus Vincent. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, 
It was a whole completely different match, and it could be literally anything, any type of match, and you have lots of weird, wonderful matches. You have no idea what was coming. You could the, the WWE have now assembled a roster sort of in scale comparable to WCW in 1998. For every single one of them, I don't give a fuck about watching them because I know exactly how they wrestle. I mean, give you an example like TLC last night. I watched a vast portion of TLC last night. I don't know why, but I did, and um. There was five matches of table breaks in them, and like three of them didn't have weren't table matches or TLC matches. And it's just yeah, like, what the it's 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 so homogenized. That's the thing. Like if you go to like uh, if you go to an indie show, generally like they'll make an effort to have the layouts of the matches be like quite contrasting with each other. Like you might have a a high flying match in the opening and you might have something that's more ground based. Even wrestlers who are ostensibly based more on their high flying, like say you've got uh, someone like Ricochet, uh, their matches all follow like pretty much the same layout unless it's a stipulation match. Or you'd have some guy like um, Alberto Del Rio back he was in the country and the company and it was just like, um, he's a submission specialist. And what that really means is he like has one move that targets the arm and then his finishing move is an armbar. He doesn't do any fucking submission grappling, any mat work. To the locker room, George. He's sending yeah, exactly. That's to the that's. Room, yeah. But that's all he did. That's the the maddening thing. Oh, fuck, I don't know. But like, the, and the thing is, the the sort of malaise um, I find this year has started to infect NXT a little bit more um, because I'm, I mean, firstly, one of the things is that they've switched it to two hours, which I know they've. Um, done that so it could like get a slot on the usa network but like and and you know to compete with AEW, which has a show of the uh, same length but i think that's a huge mistake just because like nxt used to be so digestible and Mm. but the way they lay out the shows now it's not even as though it's a two-hour show which like goes to a crescendo it's just like it's basically like two episodes back to back there's like a first half main event and a second half main event which is i guess is what you would do as an indie show again but like it's not really worth it for tv so you basically get this thing which sounds like the big climax and then you're back to fucking um i don't know vanessa Bourne versus xia lee or something <laughs> and then you've got to build it all up again oh i love xia lee by the way <laughs> oh no no she's great that's just an example of like a sort of fairly meaningless form yeah, of match that will just stick on to but I, a lot of this to me comes back to the fact that I think one of the, the worst things that ever happened for the, that company um, just in terms of like the it's the way that it appears now and the way that it has to sell itself and this bind that it's locked itself into is when Raw's went to three hours um, yeah, I, I feel like that in terms of the structure of a show um, for a weekly wrestling show is just you know it's like in any old trade that you you know any old kind of old school trade even any job you know like when you like I've just started a new job recently and like there's people there that have worked there for years and that there's some certain things that they'll tell me you know like oh you know you're a librarian you need to know this if you're a librarian there's just certain rules that you have to follow you know like if you do this you'll you'll do your job correctly you know you'll learn your trade well. It's the same, and one of them should be that, you know, you know. really, I think that anything over two hours with an hour and a half of actual wrestling and half an hour of adverts is too much per week yeah. for what wrestling is. It really is like, it's. it feels like every episode of Raw for like the last 18 months has featured a 15 to 20 minute Baron Corbin singles match. Like, that should... That should never exist because Baron Corbin. I'm not saying Baron Corbin can't be good in the right situation, but like, I am. Give him like, okay, fine, but like, <laughs> but like, give him a like a, a shorter match maybe that doesn't expose his like many in ring shortcomings. Like, but the thing is, 
you have to do matches of that length now because it's a it's a three hour show and you need to fill the time. You're getting a little bit of that more with NXT, which has a smaller roster. And so, whereas before you would have wrestlers who you know, maybe wouldn't see for two or three weeks. And then they turn up and you just be like, oh, that's cool. And you get you get a chance to miss them. Whereas like now the Undisputed Era are all over every single show, like um, uh, Don, Don, Donovan Dijak and uh, Tommaso Ciampa and Keith Lee are all there. And um, like it's again, it, it's sort of making all the episodes feel roughly the same. I think I think the, I think the issue as well is that last year the rock kind of set in with NXT and it totally spiraled into melodramatic gunning main event started. <laughs> oh, fuck that, yeah. I'm, I'm going to go out there and just say it, and I think, I, it's not just me that said this, but on this show, I'll just lay it down. Quite simple, quite, quite simply, the, and again, this is a perfect example of what you were saying before um, about how this company is incapable of just taking something, having, that actually organically grows and, and catches fire, and letting it peak and then just letting it go off somewhere else and just letting it die out and yeah. trying the next thing. They have to pummel it into the ground. The, what This started with the Gargano and Ciampa uh, feud, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, before Gargano and Ciampa, I think we all watched every takeover. Literally every... Yeah. I, I, yeah. I didn't just watch every takeover. I watched every single episode of TV. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah but like, and I like that feud the, at the start a lot. Yeah, the takeovers were like the takeovers were must see. You had to see them every time. And then the first Gargano Champa happened and you're like, right, this it was like, wow, this is a very emotional match and stuff like that and then and then it just kind of like it was another one and you're like, right, wow, this is the same and then at that point they just kept doing doing it and it absolutely murdered it for me. Where to the point where I think the I think the first takeover I missed was the third Gargano Champa match, and it was I've seen I think this that was twice. Mine as well, I don't I don't I don't need to see this again. I've seen it twice already. It was no, great, exactly. And like, once you get out the habit of watching them, it's the same with WWE pay per views because I've I've yeah. got the habit. I used to watch them every Monday. I had a routine. I'd buy food. I'd watch them all at six, like six o'clock ish on a Monday night, and just watch them, and then that would be my routine every every day after a pay per view. When I missed one. And there was another one two weeks later. Like for example, I watched TLC today, today on a whim. I still haven't watched Survivor Series bar one or two matches purely because it was only two weeks ago, and I've not, you know, I'm not, I'm not bothered to do it. I just once you get out of the habit of it, it really hard to get back into the habit of it. And I don't see myself going back to what. No. Oh, why, I'd also. Want, why would you? <laughs> no, I'd also like to make one other point. Um, for the WWE is that I'm not. I'm not against watching WWE pay-per-views. But do you know who is against watching WWE pay-per-views? The fucking WWE Network. That's who. Because the app does not work. It does not work. No. The, I can't get I, it I, on my Fire TV because it won't install. I have installed it on my PS4 and it dies every time I try and watch a video. I even watched it on my mobile. I watched it today and it cut out about six times. It is dog shit. It does not work. And uh, it, that that's one of the main reasons why I've stopped watching WWE pay-per-views because I'm physically incapable of doing so these days because it just does not work and it's infuriating. Yeah, I mean, um, so but basically, like, I mean, one one, I mean, basically, you pick your poison with that. You've either got like unreliable WWE network or basically. AEW episodes being uploaded to the ITV hub basically whenever whichever employee it is who is responsible for it feels like it because <laughs> like it is never on at 7pm 
And of course, there's no other way to watch uh, AEW. There's like no illegal streaming well, websites or anything well, like I mean, that. Well, there's a perfectly the legal on. way you can pay a fiver and watch it on the night, but you're not doing that. So, <laughs> I mean, um, what w- one thing I would say as well is that about um, is that I I am actually watching NXT again, and I've been watching it since it went to the the U- USA Network, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, since it since it went to compete with AEW, but I'm literally watching it because it's competing with AEW, and I'm, I'm interested in it from almost like a kind of um, you know, like a, a more detached kind of like a, a kind of like um, perspective of like I want to see how this like competitive um, like uh, 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 kind of like thing works out. You know, like yeah, um, I, I, I'm watching NXT at the moment to contrast against AEW. Um, I'll admit there are still some episodes of NXT which I think are better uh, than, than than AEW, but AEW's we'll get onto later, and you know and. This is a company that actually features a lot of people that I don't think are that great in terms of like in ring, and I'm not that bothered about in ring. But they've got my goodwill uh, in a way that NXT used to and doesn't really anymore, simply because um, you know they they make at least a mild effort in in some of the areas that we've uh, that we that we've mentioned previously. You know. Yeah. Well, well I, well, I mean, why why not just shoot? I mean, maybe that should be our sort of stepping stone to. Sort of talking a bit, bit about AEW, what it's doing well, what it isn't doing so well, maybe. I, yeah. I, I do have some spicy AEW takes, and it's going to fill Daniel's heart with pride to know how the worm <laughs> has turned. I can't watch AEW, I've given up on it. I don't like it. Wow, okay. Oh, I, um, I, I like it. No, like, you see, right, my issue is, and it goes back to the WWE thing, and that a lot of the AEW roster are the Young Bucks pals. They're pals in yeah. PWG or from SoCal promotions and stuff like that. I love yeah. them of that. And they all wrestle the same. They all... I, I just don't... Uh, the, the match formula for each match is exactly the same every time. The only exception is Darby Allen, who I love. I love Darby yes, Allen. Yes, yes. Chris Jericho as well. Le Champion. <laughs> yes. Best thing in wrestling right now, by the way. Just gonna say, I've gone through. And anyone that wants to go through our episodes and listen to how much I was down on Jericho for so many years, best thing in wrestling right now. Yeah, yeah he's, he's, he's incredible. Really good, but um, I can't watch any of the tags. Like Young Bucks, Private Party. Oh, don't LA, I, yeah. I I just can't. I the, the, none of it means anything. To, I, I just I, I, I cannot care. stand the tag division. It's yeah, that's the thing because like everyone's just awful. like. Oh, they're focusing on tag wrestling, like which is a great idea in theory. But what it means is that you have so many tag matches on the main show. Not only that, but you also have tag matches involving, like, because uh, Jericho's got a faction, so they have loads of tag matches. You have the you have the usual like these two people who are feuding teaming with these two people who are feuding. So like, the, there's tag matches all over the show, and they do have the same Young Bucks layout. They're probably the agents for it, I would imagine. Oh, they, yeah, um, they will be because. They, they used to do that. They were agents for their own matches. They they meticulously laid them out. So I would not be surprised. But yeah. I just can't stand the, the tag matches. I just On the plus them. side, we do get to see Dustin Rhodes uh, like wrestling in tags, which is literally always going to be oh, good. I don't care what anyone says. He's uh, still so good. He, he, he there was um the the yes, the, yes, the last not the last show from last week with the one previous to that where there was um a I think it was a six man opener um uh, in which um Sammy Guevara uh, went to the top rope while he was blogging I love that gimmick um, <laughs> but um I really like Sammy Guevara by the way um and uh, but honestly uh, Dust, Dustin Rose was the best thing in that match like by far like yeah. he's still so good um and look so this is the thing like there's so much stuff I actually nominally don't like. 
about AEW. I hate the tag division. I don't think there's a single team in there. Uh, the thing is, is that Pen, the, the Lucha Brothers, I'm into, just not when they're wrestling anyone else on that card. They're lazy bastards. They they just have their match and that's it. Like Pentagon yeah. has been coasting for many years. By, by uh, uh, mind you, I tell you what, the, by far the best thing that the the, the, the tag thing that, that has done, and it was only good if you would manage to not get that dreadful fucking um, uh, adverts with the in with the in ring and the little oh, box yeah, yeah, yeah. thing going on. Uh, if you watched the whole thing, was there was a fantastic match which was um, uh, Jurassic is it Jurassic Express? Yes, who, yeah. Again, who I really like, Jurassic Express um, against uh, the Lucha Brothers, and honestly. This match was literally just the Lucha Brothers because I think it was when um, uh, 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 Thingysaurus, Luchasaurus, Luchasaurus, obviously, uh, when uh, he was out for a bit, and literally it was just the other two lads, and they just got the shit kicked out of them. <laughs> it, was, the, it was amazing, and, the, and it was brilliant because the Lucha Brothers were just—I mean, honestly—preening, like fucking, just like posing, just like sadistic, just battering the living fuck out of them for like basically like 15 minutes it was brilliant like um but that's the thing it was a match which they don't have the likes of in AEW because there was no parity in it it was just some lovable baby faces getting the ever-loving shit kicked out of them by some horrible sadistic heels who actually yeah. don't really play up, up like heels at all but that's another thing um and it was really good other than that I don't give a shit about the tag division there has been some disastrous not really disastrous that's going too far but there's been some very poor attempts I think um, uh, trying to make stars out of people like Sean Spears never going to happen although why you're wasting fucking Tully Blanchard with him I do not know Um, you know uh, the women's division uh, has been Pretty, uh, pretty poor. I think overall. About progress. About progress. About progress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, just the the total lack of fucking promos on this show um, is is something that I don't the get. Thing, the thing that really made me sad was like when they they did the um, match at what, uh, full gear. That was it. so they did the Riho and Emi Sakura. This is match genuinely upsetting. Uh, full gear, yeah, and it's it's such an easy fucking story to tell. Not a little promo package on the night, but in the building, all you could have said is like, because we really know Emi Sakura in the US as the one who does the Freddie Mercury thing, which is great. But like, Emi Sakura is Riho's trainer. She's taught her, she's te- uh, been taught wrestling since she was literally eight years old, and. The so basically they had the uh, they had that title right here's the title match seemingly plucked at random like Emi Sakura and the Gato Move lot did so much work on Twitter to like try and get that match over Emi's like posting pictures of like her with like little Riho when she was at primary school and like hugging each other and just really getting over the relationship that they had doing the whole history of their feud something that you could easily have done in a uh, video package. Uh, on the preceding episode of Dynamite in, like, three or four minutes, if you had been so minded. And so, like, Emi Sakura was having to tweet, like, people have been saying, oh, why is she getting the title shot? And, well, yeah, people would be thinking that because you haven't given them the fucking context. As to why I do that, like, the Gato Move, like, roster and, like, the management, that did, like, like, leagues more to promote that match than the actual fucking people who were meant to be promoting it. Yeah. Like... <laughs> And it's symptomatic of the lack of care that's been put into the women's division because they have good wrestlers there. Yeah. Like they, they could could do so much more with them. Like you've got one match on the main show, usually a one on AEW Dark, and that's about it. Riho's the champion; she's not on half the fucking shows. I know that's because she's in Japan some of the, the time. Thing is, the thing is with AEW though is that I am willing to, I'm willing to give it a hell of a lot of leeway. In a less charitable way, partially because it's the only other fucking game in town, and I'm bored of the of the main mainstream product. But secondly. 
it's also because you know as much as I dislike as wrestlers a lot of these guys uh, you know I do think that you know this is a, a wrestler run company I think that's important I really want it to do well like, I want it to do well. They've got my goodwill. I don't like the Young Bucks in the ring. Um, I, I I hate Kenny Omega in the ring, but I tell you fucking what, if I was Kenny Omega and I'm running that company, I'm booking myself stronger than he is. Like, I'm I'm, I, I, I'm booking myself as the absolute, like, yeah, superstar. Yeah. I am booking myself as, like, I'm coming out with a fucking Wrestle the Kingdom entrance every East, fucking yeah. night. Like, yeah. if I'm Kenny Omega. I am, he's just another guy. It's actually, it's actually amazing. Like, yeah, fair play to him in that sense. I think the other thing with AEW is that, you know, you're saying, like, it's got your goodwill because it's offering an alternative and it's wrestling run. I think the other thing is that, like, it is new and they're going to make some false steps. And, like, that that's, you get the sense from them, okay, well, they they could improve on these things. Whereas with WWE, you're just like, yeah, like like we said earlier, the, the shows are always going to be um, laid out in this way. It's never going to get better, no matter who the personnel are, because they're all interchangeable. Yeah, with WWE, it's a structural rot that I, it, it, it's arguable yeah, whether or absolutely. not it can be ever conceived of even being changed. With AEW, you can pass it off as growing pains a lot of the time, you know. But what I, but what I will say is that I do feel like because it's this like wrestler run thing with the uh, the largesse of this like you know um, kind of a billionaire owner. I do really feel like when I watch those shows sometimes what it needs is someone in there to just to, to call some of these people on their naivety or to call them on their inconsistency and go, you know what, this is how you put together a proper wrestling show. You need to have this, this, this and this. You're not hitting this. Like, we need promos from some of these people, you know. There was um, that, in, in that entire Moxley and Omega feud, um, I mean, the, yeah, there was, the, uh, there was a few Moxley promos. There was nothing from... From Kenny Omega, if I, if I remember correctly, in any of that. I mean, his promos are fucking wank. But, uh, well, like, yeah, I, I know, at least give I know, you something. I mean, yeah, give of course they something. are, but whatever. But you've still got to try and do them. You know, you've still got to try and put me in that headspace. Who is, where I, I, who is Kenny Omega? Huh? Who, like, who is Kenny Omega? Yeah, a casual I, I, fan. According to his entrance video, he's a travel vlogger. Yeah. He looks like when he's running about <laughs> Tokyo. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's like it's him and Judith Chalmers fucking on a 18 to 30. <laughs> Um, like, oh, I will man. say, right, and in, in the sake of balance, that Moxie Omega match is my number two match of the year. I really liked it. I uh, did. I was kind of on it. Like... Well, I think the, I think the issue is is that I, the thing I loved about it is that it took death matches and made it into a commercial with pal. Oh yeah. With me, as so many things in life, it was a length thing. Uh, I think it should have been <laughs> twenty minutes. I, I, I think we can get on to length when we talk about New Japan because that's like a big issue I've had oh, with uh, with their shows when we get on to Japan. But before we actually talk about uh, Japan, if we're sort of crossing the um, Atlantic uh, just from west to east, a um, little bit of a discussion before we get on to Japan. Uh, lads, is Brett Rest dead? Long enough, Brett Cole. Long enough, Brett Cole. <laughs> Sold for a pound to Craig White. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I, mean, I live in Glasgow, so Brett Ress has been dead since what the fuck of all the sports. Closest years, but... I get to Brett Ress is across the sea in another country in Ireland. I watch OTT. I'm being facetious, but like. Um... We better not call it that Brett Ress. That's. Well, exactly. Yeah, no. I, I, I absolutely am not. I'm not having giant baba exactly. fucking planting things under my car. Brits out, Ress, yes. Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, have, you guys, have you guys seen the Devlin match yet? 
no, no. I, no. I heard it was amazing. Oof. I mean, the, the fuck video me. is incredible. The the promo video is incredible. Yeah. The, the fact that he used like the demolition of the Tivoli as like a metaphor for fucking NXT UK is just next level. Have you heard about the outcome or anything? Oh, I know the outcome. Yeah, yeah, I knew one. I mean, to be honest, even before it happened, you kind of knew what the outcome was going to be. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course, of course. I mean, it's honestly, I don't think I've seen a spectacle like it in terms of drama. like uh, uh, Just, like, atmosphere. Um, It's by far the best match I've seen all year. It's not even close. I was planning to just subscribe to OTT for a month. Just just to see that. the key cornerstone matches of the year and then just uh, bend it off afterwards and just do that. Yeah, just, just um, any combination of Volta, Star and Devlin. Yeah, pretty just much. Just guarantee gold. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. it's um, in terms of atmosphere, like the whole package, like not just match in ring, but like we're talking about the whole package surrounding a match and yeah. the match itself and the atmosphere and the work and everything all together. Um, it's one of the best matches I've ever seen. Wow. But the yeah, I mean the the the, the main thing with um, British wrestling, as far as I can see, it the last year, I, I like pay a, a good amount of attention to the scene. I go to uh, this is probably the year I've been to the most indie shows actually, um, and um, the the you do get the sense that it is on a downward slope and has been maybe for the last couple of years. There's been a lot of companies which have shut their doors. Um, and thinking of um, I, IPW UK, I'm sure no one's going to be fucking uh, sad to see that go. Um, Southside, uh, we've had um, Pro Wrestling Chaos over in, in the West. We've got um, uh, a Breed going on hiatus. Um, and yeah, it's it seems to be getting harder and harder to promote wrestling. But the one thing that did bring it home to me was um, when there was a few shots from a... Um, progress chapter show at the ballroom showing like quite a few empty seats in the rows towards the back and um and you never used to be able to get tickets for those well this, like, is, this is always a thing the reason i've never been to progress and never even bothered about going to progress is because i was always up i'll never get a ticket yeah i've never been yeah like uh, unless you're jackson who can just like pull scalps at his fucking arse do you know what i mean like you were not getting progress because he used to go all the time but it was just because i think he literally got the, the, the tube, like, to the fucking garage and bought ticket, like, physical ticket. It's because, yeah, like, I, I just never assumed I'd ever go, purely because I'd never get a chance, because it'd always sell out. And now, I'm seeing, like, you know, there are, like, tickets still available for tomorrow, guys, and I'm like, really? Like... Yeah, yeah, that's the thing, like, it used to be sell out in, like, 10-15 minutes, like, genuinely, like, PWG. Yeah, exactly, PWG levels. But, like, now... Like you can get tickets on the day if you like, and there was two contrasting threads which happened round about that time. One was by the other uh, uh, fellas who run Progress, and they were basically saying like, oh, "We've seen these pictures of, of the empty seats. Um, it's not as good a time for promoting wrestling in Britain as it was maybe a couple of years ago." As a various factors, um, like people we know in the entertainment business said, like uh, fringe business is down. Um, you know the economic situation. Uh, basically, like every sort of reason under the sun. And uh, except the existence of NXT UK, which they can't blame for uh, the downturn in British indie shows because they're the ones fucking running it. Whereas uh, Dan Reed did a thread which was basically making all the same points and generally agreeing with them, except he can say NXT UK is having a deleterious effect because his promotion isn't al- aligned with it. And and that's the thing. Like, So he can be honest about the challenges 
uh, facing the scene. Uh, and and the, the fact of the matter is that, like, I think less... Um, I think the effect of NXT UK on the scene is less in terms of it drawing business away from other indies because, like, the tapings don't run that frequently, and no one really watches the uh, the show. Literally, the no movie. one I've ever spoken to in the UK that is in, in any way involved in like a fandom of uh, UK indie wrestling watches U- NXT UK. I remember, um, <laughs> I remember Adam Hastings told me he watched NXT UK, yeah. and I didn't believe uh, him. Yeah, and even he was like, "Oh no, I watch a wee bit." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, all right. Yeah, and, that, and that, that's yeah. probably because he's got like pals yeah. in it. Uh, it's literally why he was, he he was like it. trained yeah. by some of those people or something. You know, it's like fair yes. enough. I'd, I'd probably watch it then. Yeah, yeah you know, like. <laughs> but that's the galling thing. They fucked up our scene for a show that no one watches. I did a Twitter poll from the podcast account um, saying, "Oh yeah, the so... wording the wording was like, do uh, literally you or anyone you know watch NXT?" And I think seventy three percent people say said no. Like not one person they knew watched the show. So I watched the first like, takeover, UK takeover. Yeah, I, I watch bits it. like, but like, I, I genuinely don't, uh, I genuinely don't give a shit. Like, um, but like, I, I, I kind of combed through stuff for like match of the year purposes, but I'm yeah. not, like, literally, like, I watch some Chris Hero matches. Chris Hero is like British wrestling. He's now the save the savior of British wrestling or something like that in NXT UK. Oh, is he's like, he? I'm the I best. Know. Well, no, that's what he says. He's like, I'm the best British wrestler in NXT UK, and I'm from like Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, that is a very cool good. gimmick. Yeah, it's a bit, yeah. yeah, but um, but yeah, um, but so but I'm not, I, I'm not watching the show. Out. Like the the, I mean, the thing is, but the, the reason people, why people like the uh, British indie scene is um, okay, uh, partially because of the uh, talent involved, got a lot of good talent, but also because it's it's underground and you don't get the same effect when you're sort of you're making a, a very again anodyne corporatized show featuring a lot of the same wrestlers who we've seen. Uh, having matches in these combinations in more exciting settings and probably better as well. But like the, the, the negative effect of it on the scene, I don't think is as much in terms of, um, of the shows drawing business away, just purely in terms of ticket sales, but in terms of the impact in terms of who you can book, when you can book them, what you can book them to do. Um, like so many, uh, shows show cards have been fucked around with um, not just in, in this country but also with um, uh, WXW um, you know things like WWE pulling Tony Storm from this uh, progress show pretty much like I think with a day's notice so she could be the fifth woman in a Survivor Series match where she like pretty much did fuck all and got eliminated uh, quite early or it's them running like NXT UK tapings opposite the uh, sort of fairly big weekenders of promotions they are supposedly um, aligned with. ICW you know, had uh, Mark Coffey versus Joe Coffey at Feeding Loving and they got pulled because... Uh, oh, Shug Two's party, sorry. Um, and they got pulled because NXT UK what he done for their tapings that weekend. I'd rather, yeah. have, a, I'd rather have a fucking Greg's coffee than watch that. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah. but that, that, that's a big... I guess if you're into ICW, that, like those two going... Oh, yeah, that was a big, it's a big thing for you, yeah. They fought each other or anything like that, yeah. Yeah, like so, um, you know, zero one UK uh, represent, but like um, you've got, um, you, you've don't, you've got. Don't remind me, George, of that. Oh, oh no! Oh, you're just gonna upset me. If if oh. you want to know what we're talking about, I think we've mentioned about four times on the on this podcast. A spectre so, is haunting Sterling. 
It's just a man with a notepad. There was no Japanese wrestlers there. I'm so, oh, right. And that man was Clemens von Messenich, just to extend the uh, <laughs> extend the Communist Manifesto um, uh, reference. But like, um, so yeah, that's the thing about NXT UK. I've, I've seen numerous people on Twitter um, making the argument that it's actually better just not to book talent that is contracted to WWE, the idea that like it's actually losing them as draws, it still it still will be better for you than like you okay, you lose them as draws but you're not being fucked around with um so much. And the idea there's so many things with um uh you know it seems like the indies are getting like crumbs from the table like when uh wwe like pulls someone and they go okay but we'll give you you know i know fucking apollo crews going to uh pcw like uh you know people they're not doing anything with completely forgotten exactly that's the exact thing they just stopped power wrestlers they've signed an entire fucking scene pretty much and gone okay you can't work there you can't work there you can work for progress and wxw and then like they don't even didn't even let british strong style work progress for the longest time because they wanted to keep them uh unique to uh nxt uk as a draw i mean the, the thing we always um uh, mentioned on Twitter about uh, Trent Seven booking the Fight Club Pro Corican show and then not being allowed to work it because of uh, NXT UK commitment, which is still like just the funniest fucking thing to me. But like the, the, that's the thing about NXT, NXT UK. Um, the, the the British indie scene isn't dead. It's never going to be dead. It's I don't think it's ever going to go back to the days of you know your big imports being fucking Al Snow and one of the Basham brothers, um, Joey Legend on every show. Um, I I think we've got a better um, a grassroots in terms of like uh, training schools, uh, like bringing through talent and the support base. I think that's uh, the big difference. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's never going to go back to that, but certainly we are not on the crest of a wave. We are very much disappearing into the surf, um, and um, you know that that's 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 kind of sad. And it, it's going to be quite interesting to see uh, what happens with uh, NXT Japan um, if if something happens with NXT Japan, which I think makes a rather nice segue into um, actually talking about the country that uh, who's wrestling this podcast is actually ostensibly about, uh, which Imagine would be Japan. People who all have the poison mist as our finisher. That's going to be great. It's going to be like Tajiri, the Great Kabuki, Muto. I was going to say, the, the great Kabuki will probably be like the kind of tragic Johnny Saint figure who's sort of like made to be the doddering, kind of like, you know, mildly incontinent kind of uh, authority figure. Who is the Japanese Sid Scala? CFO, you know, CFOs that do all the theme music, they're going to have to hire a full-time gongist to just <laughs> bong in the background for yeah. all of the... I'm, I'm uh, hiring the best shamisen player in the history of Japan. Everybody's titantron in Chinese restaurant. Oh, fucking hell. I, I don't know who's going to bend bend the knee. Like I, I heard rumors about Big Japan, and I just like how the how is that going to work? And also like, oh yeah, the great Kajika, a man who's so old he literally appeared on shows with Ricky Dozan, is going <laughs> to sell his company to the Fed. Are you youth upstart getting his fight, finally getting his fucking big push in the business? The great Kajika. <laughs> yeah, so I don't think that's um, especially I, I viable. The NXT Japan is just like the great, the great Kajika and Kim Duke and like Alamo <laughs> and just all like Russia Kimura and stuff. Just like they just. Oh, that's who I was trying to think of. A, uh, I was trying to, that was who I was trying to think of, Russia Kimura. Yeah, yeah. I was going to do I was trying to think of a joke, but yeah, yeah. Or the, the, the Soviet Union Kimura, as he used to be known. Yeah, so like, I'm. Uh, well, I mean, let's, let's start with New Japan, seeing as that's the, uh, as that's the biggest. Honestly, as far as New Japan goes, like. 
uh, this year I have watched uh, I watched Wrestle Kingdom. We uh, we we did an episode of Wrestle Kingdom, didn't, didn't we? Did we? Oh. I can't remember. It was like eleven months ago. I... But um... okay, straight up, straight up, straight straight up. No, I... That I was I was still drinking a lot then. I'm gonna try and guess. This will be a fun game. I'm gonna try and guess what was on Wrestle Kingdom this year. Oh, please do. Okay. Um. Oh my! I literally cannot. Honestly, <laughs> I was so drunk at that period of my life. I cannot remember this at all. Okay. So, was Chris Jericho involved? Yes. Was he Naito? No. 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 Yeah. Naito Okada was the main yeah, event. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, it was yeah. Jericho versus Naito. Jericho versus Naito, okay. I should really pull up the card. I do not remember the result. Um, was it a kind of Jericho doing his La Parker impression, like, brawly thing? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Right, yeah. okay, I have a vague memory of that. Main event, obviously, oh, was that, no, Abushi? No, that's this January. Yeah. Tanahashi main event? No. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay, okay, Tanahashi was in the main event against... Uh, not Kenny Omega? Yes! Yeah, okay, and... Which, in, in hindsight, is a, probably one of the most disappointing Wrestle Kingdom main events, if you look at it. I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't I remember really much like about it. the match at all, because it's got Kenny Omega in it, and I just wasn't bothered. Um, I I really li- I, I I really liked it, but I think a lot of that was the moment, and it was kind of emblematic of the like uh, incredibly OTT uh, Kenny Omega match, which is like it's fucking thirty nine minutes long with yeah. like twenty nineteen Hiroshi Tanahashi, who's got like one working cartilage in his whole body. Yeah, <laughs> I mean I mean I mean Tanahashi just by dint of being old and beaten up and sort of like um you know one last go around kind of um angle can always get me into. In, into a match, you know. Here's a here's a question for you. Who did a card wrestle? Uh, uh wait. Okay, no. Oh, Okada. Is it someone I would not expect? Is it someone that I'll, that sober me would be would will laugh at? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Was it um Toriano? No, 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 no. My no, no, word. Can I you wish imagine it had. if Toriano had faced Okada at Wrestle Kingdom? That would, be, that would actually have been my match of the decade. I'm just imagining <laughs> Okada adapting his, his patented finishing stretch to Toriano. <laughs> and he just keeps ducking the Rainmaker <laughs> over and over again. He just keeps pulling his pants down balls. every time he tries to get him in the fucking tombstone. Um, <laughs> oh my god, Okada, I wonder how right, Okay, so okay, give me it. some clues. Give me some clues. Okay, he, uh, he's... Uh, he was a he was a young lion, like not too far in the past. Like I th- I think you rate him, but I'm I generally can't remember. I think drunk you might have rated him. Not Jay Jay White Jay White. It was Jay White. Yeah, no, no, wait, that one, that match was good, wasn't it? No, it was Who not. <laughs> no, no, that match was alright. Was it? Okay. Hang on, did he not also face Jay White the year before? No, no, he didn't. Wait, wait, wait. So was this the match where he finally got his kecks off and got his shorts on again? Yes. That was yeah. this year, January this year. Yeah. It's yes. been, it, it has been a long year in oh, so many ways. Oh, no, I do remember us talking. I love that match. I thought it was really good. I, I thought it was better than Omega Tanahashi. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. I'm thinking of the uh, match from the 2018 G1 that they had, which was twice as long and fucking oh, shite. Yeah, no, yeah. no. This one was very short, wasn't it? And yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I like that match. Okay, so good. I can remember that. Yeah. Outside of that, lads, minutes. I'm not. It was 14 minutes, so basically for New Japan, that's a beat the clock challenge. Yeah. Minutes, so. <laughs> no, I remember liking uh, that one quite a bit. Um, other than that, lads, honestly, I'm struggling. I can't remember much. Else. Okay, a, a, a genius match that no one gave a shit about. 
Uh, no, Josh Bray versus, versus Ibushi. That actually that did wasn't a... a oh, match. of course. Where he did well, it kind of was. Elbow. No, sorry, really sorry the Junior's match was Kushida versus Ishimori, and it was really disappointing. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh, yeah, I remember slagging that off because I didn't like it. This is also the card that um, gave me uh, the, the, the stunning realisation that um, just Robinson faced Cody for a second time at the Tokyo Dome. He did, two Tony, years prior. They, 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 Hey, I tell you what, you could do an interesting bit about how much both of those wrestlers have gone up in my estimation this year, by the way, in terms of... I would say you can, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I still hate just Robinson. I, I I think it's just a prejudice at this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He could literally become Misawa, and i still be like, I fucking hate him. Yeah. Like, I, I just cannot abide him. I've got a few guys like that, actually, yeah. <laughs> Um, oh god, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just looking at our SoundCloud. We we we, we did review this. It's actually one of our no, most listened to episodes. Uh, now it's all um, coming. Back. Celine Celine Dion, <laughs> spicy spicy. It's all coming back to me now. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah. So um, just looking at the description. Um, firstly, the first the last three words in the uh, descri- episode description are "fuck Graham Lenehan," which I think is an <laughs> eternal eternal mood. And yep. secondly, um, uh, like, do you remember the fucking 3D printed giant Kashida head? Oh, it was really horrible, like sort of a uncanny valley shit. Creepy and disturbing. Yeah, horrid, uh, yeah. utterly I, horrid. I, I... Wasn't a big fan of that. So that was that was, that was uh, Wrestle Kingdom. Um, as far as New Japan goes, I mean, I I really enjoyed the G One. I I've still ended the tournament not especially sold on Jay White as a sort of main event guy. I I thought the final was good without being great, and it was. Again, incredibly overlong, uh, like most New Japan main events are at this point. I mean, you know, there's very few matches I would say, oh, yeah, that needed to be over 30 minutes. I would say, arguably, there were almost zero matches that needs to be over 30 minutes. But, like, even bloody, like, never open weight title matches involving, like, I don't know, Goto and, uh, not Makabe because he's too knackered, but someone, someone of that ilk. Uh, Yoshi Yoshihashi are getting like 23, 24, 25 minutes. It's really funny that in 2019, when you say Makabe now, I think Daniel, not Togi. Yeah, that is uh, that is that is true. Like, um, uh, no, no, yeah, very, very, very what different. Year he's had, by the way, the, the definitely not Japanese Daniel Makabe. <laughs> as, as far as like, I, I tell you, who had a very, very good G1? Um, uh, uh, that was uh, Shingo. Oh uh, yeah. Let me say it's for me. It's tied between Osprey and Shingo, and I'd probably give it to Osprey. Actually, yeah, I'd give it to oh, Osprey over Shingo. That, that best of the Super Asia. Juniors final was fucking... Super. Like, yeah. a, a match I really... Like, of a style that I'm completely burned out on. And you know what? It was still amazing. Yeah, loved it. I, I, I think Osprey has been above and beyond everyone else this year in terms of output. Which is... I, I've always been a big Osprey fan, but... He he threatened to burn himself out in the sense that he was on literally every tournament apart from the World Tag League. He could have made it a full six and he didn't because he's a dick. But he was in the other five tournaments and um, he was amazing in pretty much all of them. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Great yeah, New Japan Cup, Super J Cup. There's, even the Super Junior Tag League, the stuff of him in it was really good. He has no one has came close and. He's been junior champion for six months, and all his junior defenses have been great. Oh, and we, and we, we haven't even mentioned that Robbie Eagles match, which is fucking dope. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, I, I he, he, he's just blown it away every time. 
he's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, he's really yeah. good. I hate him. He's a bit of a wanker as a person, but he's a fucking yeah. phenomenal professional wrestler right now. He's um, you know, he really is like uh, he's he's in the conversation for top five uh, best wrestler in the world, no problem. Like uh, you know, top three pop probably. Um, yeah. he's been that good. Yeah, very much like going against type this year um, for someone that has watched, as, as we're about to find out, people, um, has watched very little Japanese wrestling for someone that presents Japanese wrestling podcast. Uh, partly because, like, a lot, the first part of the year, there was um, a, a lot, just a lot of shit going on in my life. Um, like, fell in love, um, stopped drinking, um, like, a close friend of mine died, so all sorts of shit, shit was going on. Um, and uh, then, really, I sort of began to sort of um, get uh, back into, you know, because I'm very much one of those people that, like, when things are going bad in my life, whether it's mental health or any other issue like that, like uh, that's when I become disconnected from the things I love. Like I can't watch films, I can't listen to music, I can't read books, I can't watch wrestling, like I can't watch MMA, go to football, any of those things. Like I feel disconnected from them. Like I, I, like, I feel like I can't access them. So very much when I began to realize that things were kind of, you know, <laughs> when I began to realize I was bouncing back, um, I, you know, not my words, the words of Shingo. Not my words, the words of Shingo Takagi. Um, but um, <laughs> when I began to realize that I was, you know, on a which trajectory, when I began to be able to watch wrestling again, you know, without um, feeling like I wanted to fucking like, you know, um, like beat, you know, beat up any any passerby because I didn't have a beer in my hand. And I thought, right, it's the middle of the summer, and my beloved was um, away in uh, America at the time. She was on a holiday that she'd booked before we started going out. Um, and I thought, mm, you know what, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna watch the fucking G1. I haven't watched the G1 like night by night for fuck six years, seven years maybe, <laughs> yeah. something like that. Honestly, I back in the time, Matt, one of my favorite um, memories of New Japan. Did you did you buy the hundred and thirty quid? <laughs> oh fucking hell! No, G1? no, I did not. That? But I remember because I remember reading Alan Cunahan's article in it um, in Fighting Spirit magazine. Rest in peace, pouring out. Um, I remember. Um, uh, side note: If you ever thought Power Slam was better than fucking uh, Fighting Spirit, then sort your fucking life out. What's wrong with you people? Um, <laughs> Daniel John Cena has been shoved down her throat, and Christian oh. should be world heavyweight champion for five years. And would you like to go and buy my totally carny ass book about how you can I can persuade you to quit smoking in forty eight hours? <laughs> he did not do that, mate. Go on his website. It is fucking a hoot. Like Finn Sharting. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Like Finbar Martin, um, but um, anyway, uh, yeah. So <laughs> picture the scene. So I, 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 basically, the thing that got me wanting to watch G One was that I actually, um, uh, I think this is the right way around. Um, I got uh, hyped to the fact that um, Moxley was um, in New Japan, and I was so interested because I was a big John Moxley fan before um, he was signed for WWE. I was a huge fan. The Shield are my favourite modern tag team. Um, you know, in, in a sort of mainstream sense, not really talking about indies or anything, but in mainstream, big big company wrestling. The Shield are like, you know, my... And I think now, we really do look back on that kind of like, was it 2011, 2012 20, uh, sort of era? When they were just having like incredible, like, you know, six mans on Raw like every night. It's actually the yeah, last time. Yeah. But, and at the time, we, 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 we thought, oh, this is terrible. Raw can't get any worse than this. They're the only highlight of it. Oh boy, were we wrong. Um, <laughs> like you know, uh, and uh, yeah. So anyway, I thought right, I'm, I'm desperate to see what you know. So cause I, I listened to the interview that he did with Jericho, um, and um, I, I'm not as online as like when it comes to wrestling fandomism. Some other people, so I don't know. He's probably done some terrible things. I don't know about. He's probably been cancelled a million times. I don't know. But he doesn't seem like that much of a cunt when I've heard him interviewed. Um, well, like, um, I actually feel like he no, seems all right no. as a bloke. Like in terms of the, in the sense that he actually seems to take what he does quite seriously and he really cares about it um, and I think he's sort of quite dedicated to his craft in that sense and I think he genuinely yeah. did feel creatively 
just not fulfilled in WWE. It wasn't one of those things where it was like, I'm, I've been passed over, I'm feeling, you know, I, I feel like sort of, I, I want to be like a big star or anything. It was like, I don't feel creatively satisfied. So when I knew that he was going to be, um, you know, um, sort of debuting in New Japan, I got quite excited because I figured, you know, he could really take this in a direction which is like a sort of old trope that I love, which is just the kind of unhinged, kind of like Brody-esque, like, you know, uh, sort of like Gaijin um, who comes in and just like tears the roof off the place every, you know, every night with sort of chaotic brawls and stuff. Um, and then when I saw him come out in the fucking yeah. leather jacket and the and the shooters fucking uh, trunks and like you know and the, and the and and the and the, uh, the boots and stuff, I was just like, yeah, this is like this is this is how I would this is like that's how I want to look if I was a wrestler, you know? I was yeah. Like, there's there's so many people who've like just had their mind blown by being able to see John Moxley's thighs. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and to be fair. Oh, and I, 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 I think it's fair. A lovely set of thighs they are too. Like, you know, I, 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 I would very much love those to be wrapped around my back during Climax. But hey, what can you say? Um, like, so anyway, um, I, I, I was really excited by the Juice Robinson match that I saw him in, to come back to what you were saying before, David. Oh, that was, that was great. Thought it was a great match. Really enjoyed it. But um, uh, Juice Robinson went up in my eyes after that as well. I thought Moxie really made him look really good. Um, and so I was really excited to watch G1. And honestly... The Moxley match is just because they added something so different, like uh, uh, to the you know like a sort of emotional um, tenor and a kind of like uh, slightly chaotic element to a lot of these matches. I, I just found it his matches really fun to watch, even against guys that I'm not big on. Um, um, you know, like um, why the fuck have I forgotten his name? Has the same match all that Ishi? Um, like uh, you know, like uh, even against guys like that, he brought something different. I mean, this is the actual issue with the sort of. New Japan is a, a product which, like nowadays, year on year, uh, the cards kind of um, they 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 kind of resemble each other from year to year. Really, like people might go up and down the card to a, a certain degree. Uh, you know, you might have some old timers who are now on the pre-show rather than in the opener. But in the main, you, you're not getting a huge degree of churn in terms of personnel. So I think anytime you're bringing in people like John Moxley or even Jericho. Uh, they're acquiring Shingo from uh, uh, from Drangate. Um and like these sort of uh, Gaijin young lions that Shibata's been training over in LA. Like anything they can do to like uh, freshen things up as much as possible, especially in this era of like sort of incredibly uh, long main events and uh, things like that. I think is like I say, it's not my favorite wrestling product, but like whenever I watch New Japan, I have a really good time. It's like, actually this is really good, but. It's just the, uh, you know, I feel like making it a, like a full-time thing, like with my fandom, I think I probably would get burned out, out on it really quick. See, I, I have the, the issue every, every time. This is, there'll probably be quite a few listeners who are the same, but I have the issue where what happens is that tournaments generally start around about a time that I'm free, so to speak. So, for example, um... The best of the Super Juniors, I believe, started around about the time I took two weeks off, around about the time of Eurovision, just to do Eurovision. Oh, and um, it started around about then, so I've got two weeks off, I'll watch them on my days off, and then, you know, I'll be able to keep it up. You know, it's every three days, I can watch a show every three days. Um, and then it turns out that, I think I've realised this year, it's not that I can't watch a show every three days, it's a case of I don't want to. Yeah. I, 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 I like I start a tournament, I'll watch day one and I'll watch maybe day two and then half a day three and then I'll be at like day eleven in real time chronology 
and I'll be like, oh, I can't be fucked. And then I'll just leave it. And I don't, I, I know a lot of people are like, pick and choose, you know, what makes you want to watch. I don't like that because I, I do have this fear of missing out on an amazing match that then I end up missing out on anyway because I'm trying to cram everything. I don't. To give you an example, I think the most, the tournament I've watched the most of, strangely enough, was the Young Lions Cup. Now, the Young Lions Cup was wonderful because every match was at nine minutes long. Yeah, it yeah. On, it was on when I was in Japan. And um, basically, Japanese television is bollocks, right? It's really bad. It's all just people eating and cooking, and that's it. There's no other thing apart from cooking and eating. They love it. And eat. Once, you, once you figure it out, you'll see every sort of tourism thing or, you know, thing to encourage about Japan. Generally speaking, it's about people eating food. Um, it's pretty much every really, show ready, steady, cook. Pretty much, yes. Uh, I say more of a Saturday kitchen. Oh god, oh, even like worse that. without the without the challenge element, the frisson of competition. Yeah, or or lunch with Des and Mel. Oh wow, that's second it back. Des and Mel? That is a deep that's cut. A, that's a deep cut. It's very Des and Mel. Um, but yeah, so we we get sick of it after a couple of days, um, and we found out that the hotel we were staying in has screen mirroring. So you can watch something on your phone when on the TV. So we, I just sat watched the Young Lions Cup because, like, you know, it's a ten minutes. I could, like, you know, if my wife's having a sleep or something, I could put on and watch like eight Young Lions Cup matches in the time it takes her to go for a nap. So that was the most I watched. I really enjoyed the Young Lions Cup, but the thing, the, the thing, and I'm sorry, I'm going to mess uh, all over the place here. But uh, the thing I, I've always loved about New Japan, um. And it is especially rings true now. Is I'm not actually that big a fan of the main event. I'm not like it is too long and too protracted. And yeah, I enjoyed the the booking, like in terms of the storytelling and stuff like that. But the actual matches themselves are not really my cup of tea. I enjoy all the sort of bit parts of New Japan. So the juniors and the young lions and like the never title. I enjoy watching those. I'd much rather watch like a never title match or a junior title match than the heavyweight title match because I just enjoy it more. And people like Yano and Taguchi, I mean, you know how much of a fan of Yano I am. And it genuinely is because he is so digestible. His matches are different from everybody else. And yeah, I really enjoy it. So I, I, I kind of like the melange, so to speak, of all the other things. And yeah, you've got some good stuff on top, but if I don't watch it, I'm not. Yeah, like that, crying inside, you know what I mean? I think that's the thing about New Japan. There's so much wrestling out there to watch that like, if you keep it up with that product full time, in the same way that like I can't even conceive of like watching... Uh, like Even now, like uh, on Wednesday nights, now we've got four hours of wrestling to watch rather than one. And we're like, oh, Jesus Christ, this is quite a big, uh, quite a big increase. So uh, I can't even conceive of watching all the Road 2 shows in New Japan and, uh, and all the rest of it. But um, uh, you, you know what? They've... Uh, they've uh, they're obviously like doing very well uh, in sort of a business sense. Um, Royal Quest was really uh, good. If you want to hear about that, there's an episode w- uh, where uh, me and David talk about it. And uh, yeah, it's just been it's just been nice. So um, moving on to like other promotions, I think just to um, uh, go with uh, a couple who are uh, sort of traditionally considered the other two of the big three. Although obviously this is horrendously out of date and reflects a very 2004 <laughs> mindset. Uh, so. Um, uh, what, is it like or, how I still view Udinese as a big Italian club? <laughs> yes, it absolutely is. So, um, uh, all, hey, all, but, all, yeah. I, I'm genuinely shook at that because I, for me, fucking like Alexis Sanchez is, is, is still bobbing up and down the wings for them. Yeah, and uh, Marcio Amoroso. 
but uh, yeah, so that is uh, Old Japan Noah, of course. So um, I, I will freely admit that I've not been able to watch very much of their stuff at all this year, but like I have been liking what they've been doing for uh, various reasons. Uh, firstly, uh, Noah seems to have really recovered from, uh, in business terms, certainly from where they were at when uh, they were sort of part of the Bushy Road family. Um, and uh, I mean, they even drew I think it was about five and a half thousand to their sumo hall show. Which like, was an insane sumo hall show as well. Yeah, and I don't think That's... they I don't think they even drew that a few years ago for a show that uh, contained fucking Akira Tawe's retirement match. <laughs> so like, uh, I mean, fair play to them. I think a lot of people were uh, sort of concerned when they were sort of moving away from the branding that they used to, changing the logo, the colour of the ring, etc., etc., etc. But uh, honestly, they seem to have done really well. Um, you know, in terms of promotion and business, um, like people seem to really like uh, Kaito Kimir as uh, as champion. Sugiura is still there at the age of fucking sixty-seven. Somehow. Oh boy, champion um, his cigar. Yeah, and I think it shows what's possible when actually you you sort of cut the apron strings and say, okay, we're not just going to be booking our shows with like people New Japan don't care enough about to uh, do anything with, and and sort of back ourselves and what we can offer, which is unique, rather than just basically being the uh, sort of under twenty ones team of uh, of the big boys. Uh, you know, so I think I think that's uh, only to be applauded. I think they're uh, like like more power to them. They're doing doing really I, well. I think one thing as well that really, really, really needs to be um, emphasised when we talk about Noah and the success that they've had. As silly as it sounds, there is one person that is very instrumental in their success, and it is Hasami. Yeah, like I would know nothing about Noah without her. She. she are you aware of Hasami? Yeah, 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 on Twitter, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. So, all the, like, I would say, like, the, the, the way that Noah has been booking their, their stories and stuff like that has been very well well received, and the way that they've been putting forward in that has been, has been very good, and I've enjoyed it all. But it is all Japanese. I know nothing about it. The only way I know is because Hasami is tr- uh, tweeting about uh, translating stuff and putting it across the story that's meant to be put across. Now, as far as we are aware, she has no connections to Noah. She just really, really likes Noah. Um, but uh, she is doing... It's similar to we were talking about the Amy Riho video, where Amy Riho managed to put across the story of their match far better than AEW did. Hasami is doing that for, English, for the English market in a way that no, aren't able to do so, and it is a real boon. Um, yeah, like I doubt, she... I doubt Noah's got the Noah might not necessarily have the resources to hire a sort someone to do the sort of uh, tweeting full time like uh, DDT have got. Like I really like the um, DDT English update, but that's like a sort of I, th- I think it's like an official thing. I please feel free to com- correct me if I'm wrong, but like I believe um, so because I don't think it is. Um, I don't think it's uh, Jamie, is it? No, no, it's it's uh, it's some uh, some other guy, and like it's actually. I mean, we would we would never sort of dream of saying, oh, like you have to have uh, English language stuff, because at the end of the day, it's a Japanese product primarily for Japanese people. But um, the, I mean, it, it it's always it's always appreciated when uh, people do sort of maybe they have like Gato Move started doing stuff in English. Uh, bloody marvelous has got an English language Twitter, like uh, <laughs> tiny little promotion. Um, yeah, like a uh, DDT have got uh, like his amazing the stuff like sort of on an unofficial basis. So you've got companies doing it and also like these really committed super fans just doing their best to uh, promote what they love 
to uh, other people because they're so passionate about it. And I think that's uh, so, you know, more, more of this and fewer, fewer nonsense in the uh, uh, community. So that's... Uh, yeah, well, that's it. But I mean, I think the thing is, is that we, we discussed it roughly, it was ages ago, but about the old Japan turn up. About remember when like Onita was winning the fucking All Asia tag titles and stuff like that, and they had that insane card at Super Hall. Very, very reminiscent of this, to be honest. Where you know, they just threw everything at the wall, they had everybody they could get in for this card, and they drew like five, six thousand people. And I think all of us here would be would would agree when I say that if you see something about All Japan or Noah, and you see oh Noah have drawn three thousand at the Edion Arena. You're like good. You you're like you re- it, 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 you know it perks you up because you're like good. Isn't it really nice to see Noah doing well? And it's it's good to see this proliferation of people just getting the word out and saying, look, you know Noah are doing some great stuff at the moment. That's a penalty, by the way. Um, oh yeah, there you go. He's getting booked. Sorry, um, the guy from uh, Esperanza just absolutely just clattered the guy for Al Halal. Sorry. Um, yeah, but like these these people are really putting the word out, going and. We've all joked about Noah. I mean, you look back at our Christmas episodes of Mr. Christmas Match where he just ripped into Noah saying, you know, there's a baby in the audience, did they charge full price to the baby? You know, stuff like that. But we all here actually generally love Noah. And like, whereas before it would have been a case of a lot of people making jokes about Noah, ourselves included, let's be honest. It's That discourse has now turned where you see a lot more positive, overwhelmingly, you know, glowing stuff about Noah as opposed to people going, ha, oh, it's a shit promotion, it's down, it's only drawn 200 people in fucking Corican or whatever. Like, that, that, they've been able to change that public narrative. And that, oh, Hisami, to be honest, has mainly changed this public narrative. And it, it's wonderful to see. Um, more to the point where All Japan are, All are, Japan were that company that shifted their public narrative and now that they're on a good footing, Noah have kind of taken that baton from them and they're resurging now. Uh, as far as all Japan goes, um, again, I've not, not had a chance to see a huge amount, but like, uh, I people seem to really like uh, uh, Junak, what Junaki Armour is doing with uh, with the with the company. And it's, it's sort of, it, it, it doesn't resemble the product of, uh, of the 90s and, you know, uh, nor should it really. But like, you know, what you've got is a solid wrestling promotion, good up and young, up and coming young talent, like Jake Lee, Naira and Nomura. Um, you've got some like respected, you've got a good big lad uh, influence with a Kabayashi who comes in sometimes, Shuji, Shuji Shikawa, Joe Doring, uh, Zeus and the Bodyguard. Um, bodyguard! And you've got like um, uh, Kento Miyahara being the ace. And you know, being sort of un- untouchable in terms of uh, in in terms of that, like you know, that that's something that's really good. Um, what I also like about it is um, the absolute galaxy brain gaijin bookings that um, uh, that uh, uh, Akiyama uh, brings in. So um, at the uh, for example, Champions Carnival uh, this year, we had not m- not many foreign wrestlers. We've got Samadonis, who. Uh, uh, last seen getting uh, getting uh, shit canned out of Rev Pro for doing a very sketchy promo and doing a pro trunk gimmick in Mexico. We've got Janny uh, Valletta, who's this Maltese garbage brawler who I think has been booked on fucking <laughs> British Empire wrestling in uh, in London before. And we have got uh, Joel Redman. Oh wow, uh, uh, Joel, Joel Redman, who last time I saw him was uh, wrestling Kazuchika Okada. Yeah, Joel Redman just getting <laughs> and yeah, think those, those are people thought like uh, Joel Redman's retired and. Uh, and uh, I was like, no, he's just he's just been doing holiday camps. 
Yeah, Punk's not dead. It's just been resting, man. Yeah, um, and it takes me back to uh, the, I think, the absolute pinnacle of um, Gaijin bookings in uh, sort of mad shit Keiji Muto booked early 2000s um, all Japan, which is like, I really wish there's more. I, I want more of um, of uh, Kawada jobbing to Vampiro in five minutes after a great Muto run-in. Like, that's the sort <laughs> of... Uh, more of that. That's the sort of stuff that I like. So uh, we have got um, 2003 uh, Carnival, I think, is the absolute pinnacle of this. So we have got uh, Jackie Fulton. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, I know, of of the Fantastics fame. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I got, fucking love the Fantastics, by the way. That'll come as a surprise. Yeah, got uh, Johnny Smith. Yeah. Under-remembered um, under, uh, under Johnny Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, like know, a... do you know the story about his jacket? No. Uh, so basically, once when he was in Japan, because obviously there's a lot of fans of him because he was in the British Bruisers, you know, with uh, Dynamite Kid and Kenny went on after. So I think yeah. he had a uh, thing with Kikuchi, did he? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think so. He was, he was uh, sort of around he was all over the place for years, time, yeah. yeah. But um, there was a Japanese fan who loved him so much that they, they made a, a jacket, a, a personalised ring jacket for him. And uh, it said Johnny Smith in the back, but they spelt it wrong, and it was G H O N N Y, and he still wore it every day, every time. He's like, so, it's just a lovely thing. I don't care. Like, oh, yeah, so it was, yeah, oh, it's lovely. But he wore that for like years <gasps> after that. And I've got, I've got, I've got uh, three more gaijin for you here. So right. we've got uh, the gladiator, Mike Awesome. Oh, of course, yeah. So, so he was in the carnival uh, that year. Sadly, this was a knockout tournament, so we didn't get multiple uh, Mike Awesome matches. In many ways, wasn't Mike, Mike Awesome's entire life just one big carnival? <laughs> Too true. And Mike Awesome's first round opponent, uh, John Tenter. Ah! Oh, in 2003. Oh, and um, not, not a gaijin, but Yoji Anjo was in it as well. So uh, uh, props to him. Yoji Anjo was beaten so badly by Hicks and Gracie that he may as well have been a gaijin. <laughs> and uh, Yoji Anjo, um, he beat the national. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was revoked after he after he dishonoured his country. <laughs> he he became he became a rootless cosmopolitan. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, beating Yoji Anjo in the first round inevitably was a fellow called uh, Gigantes or Hikantes. Oh, that's um, that that's Do you know it is. Yeah. No, no, it's no, not no, it's giant thingy, a giant Gonzalez. It's not. It's it's neither of those things. Do you know who it is? The Great Cali. No. That's the wall up there, brother! (laughs) The wall versus Yoji Anjo happened in all Japan in 2003. So, yeah, uh, so props to Uncle Jim because anything that can come close to recapturing the spirit of those heady times is uh, absolutely all right by me. So that's uh, all Japan. As far as um, uh, what... um, uh, our good friend Luke refers to as Men's Joe, she goes. Uh, we've got the um, Dr- Dragon Gate, I've not really watched very much of. So, I mean, there's people better placed than me to comment on, uh, I on how that's been doing. I watched one pack match from Dragon Gate. <laughs> no, no, wait. I watched another match from Dragon Gate this year that was really good, but I can't even remember what it was. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, I forgot about Pac's uh, title reign. Yeah. Was there not a went really to... good. Mochizuki match this year that we've all forgotten yeah, about. Yeah. Mochizuki is has wrestled more matches than any person in Japan this year. Bonkers. He's forty nine. Yeah, but Mochizuki's just quietly been just like fucking consistently amazing every weekend, sometimes twice for like fucking you know twenty years. Like, um, yeah, I can't remember who it was yeah. against. We had a really great match with someone this year. 
Rosie yeah. Casey. Yes. Casey. Was that? Because I can't look at his name without thinking of Kizani, and I, I assume that is not the. Uh... Yeah, but January seems so long ago that, like, um, yeah. But I remember I watched that match, but it had a terrible, um, like, uh, quality on it. It was, like, 240 quality or something. Oh, shit. So yeah, it, yeah, it, was, it wasn't great. It was a bit like watching a fucking Stan Brackage film. In, in, the, in, the words of, uh, in the words of Zandig, we're taking it back to 1999. Well, yeah. <laughs> right. um, I think the big thing has happened... Yeah, you, you went to Dragon Gate, didn't you? I went to Dragon Gate. It was good. There was... Quite a lot of energy around it. Uh, but it wasn't as good as it was when it was in Broxbourne Leisure Centre, pal. <laughs> I mean, the, the big thing is to have happened in Dragon Gate really this year, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Pax title reign, rustling a lot of jimmies in uh, Britrest because of uh, him... Uh, just absolutely flat out refusing to lose. Yeah, but, which is fine. Good, it, you should. Yeah, 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 Dragon Gate, you know, was a promotion that was very, uh, very good to him. He clearly sets a lot of store by being champion, takes it seriously. Um, there was that, it was quite... I think the only... Um, match he, he didn't win was um, uh, getting DQ'd against Hangman Page in uh, WrestleGate in Nottingham, leading to um, someone's uh, Twitter name at the time was Pack loses in East Bridgeford and nowhere else. <laughs> um, and the other I, big I'd thing, like to, I'd like to yeah. shout WrestleGate as well because they've been musically offered us free tickets to a show because we were a podcast and thought we were important. We give them publicity, so you know, shout out to WrestleGate. Yeah, I'm glad some things are important. And the other big thing, of course, being the return of Ultimo Dragon to the uh, well, not the return to Ultimo of Ultimo Dragon, uh, but the, the debut of Ultimo Dragon in the promotion, because obviously this being legally distinct from Toyomon in the same way that, like, Sefco and Rangers are. Of course. So, uh, <laughs> completely different things. Ultimo Dragon and Ticketus are here to save Dragon King. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, so, uh, uh, DDT's been uh, fucking great this year. Like, I've... Um... I can't pronounce the name of the R- TK... What? What's his name? Takashita. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I I can't look at his name without thinking of the phrase "take a shit," <laughs> which is unfortunate. But he's uh... a well, I might remember it. Now <laughs> yeah, you said that he, he had a really good match yeah. against Hiroshima not what long ago. Oh hell yeah, that was the main event of Ultimate Party. Yeah, apparently he's uh, been excellent consistently, but I've seen fuck all DDT this year. So he's been brilliant. I think. I'd like to get, give a shout out to my favorite DDT match of the year, which is of course that Mad Twelve Man in the Swimming Pool, which was incredible. Oh <laughs> fuck yeah! Just, like that so was. My like, um, like number ten match of the year. Like, yeah, um, so good. including um, uh, Michael Nakazawa taking a pile driver on a slide. <laughs> uh, I was like, wow! I I, I mean, the pile drive pile drivers are risky enough maneuver to take anyway, without it being on a surface that is not level. Yeah, <laughs> um, and uh, Chris Brooks uh, not letting the fact they're at a, a pool at a local leisure centre stop him getting all his regular moves at it. No. <laughs> so that was um... no. a man of principle. I respect that. Um, and uh, the I'm other, to think, yeah, was it was it was it this year that Mika went in the roller coaster? Oh, I. I She's been, you, been on the merry-go-round. They had a brawl in a theme park. I don't think. Like, I don't think that was this year. Yeah. They had to go on like, that big pirate ship that goes up and down. <laughs> they all just really terrified. That was wonderful. Mako, like this absolute stoic ace, Mako Satamura, positively shitting herself on a pirate. Ship. I've seen a picture of her on a carousel having a lovely time. Uh, on a, uh, riding a lovely horse, but uh, I think like DDT, I mean Ultimate Party was uh, a tremendous. Show. I mean DDT loves to do like these sumo hall shows, all about six hours long, and like it's like fucking hell, that is a long time yeah, to be uh, watching wrestling. But intimidating. Yeah, but but where, at their best, they provide enough variety for you oh, yeah. to. Uh, so so the opener was um, uh, Sanchiro Takagi and Sami Kadaka doing a uh, hundred really useful boxes match. 
and them just like taking loads of mad bumps into like shards of plastic and uh, and shit like that. You had I think seventy eight or some ridiculous number of wrestlers involved. Um, there was this amazing spot in the, uh, the they had an Iron Man heavy metal weight battle royal, of course. There's an amazing spot where a desiccated old man, gorgeous Matsuno, uh, came to the ring and then he started singing a song and basically like the song like made him invincible he was just like walking around the ring like crooning just like happening to sidestep everyone's lariats and stuff like that <laughs> and countering every single move that got thrown at him and then just as the song ended he got rolled up and pinned <laughs> <laughs> it's like the best spot i've seen all year it's absolutely spectacular and the other thing i'd really recommend was um the uh i mean shinkiba first ring or like quite a small um uh, venue was uh the sendai girls versus all out show um, so all that was was uh, All Out being one of the stables in um, uh, in D- DDT, uh, being uh, Takashita stable, um, him and some lads, and uh, them versus the team of Meiko Satomura, Chihiro Hashimoto, Dash Chisako, and uh, was meant to be Miku Iwata, but then she got injured, so just got replaced by Sakura Hirota dressing as her, which was uh, which was very good. And all all the show was was four singles matches, each of them pitting one on one team against the other, and then a, a six person tag match. And like mm-hmm. honestly, you want to see some uh, good intergender wrestling. Like that is a um, uh, place. Big Hash uh, against Yuki Ino, whose gimmick is that he's a big rugby lad. Oh my word, that sounds incredible. Yeah, he he does he he does the hacker. Oh wow. Oh my oh, like, god. Like uh, uh, annoyingly, you'll uh, be furnishing me with links. <laughs> and annoyingly, in DDT, there was I think it's in DDT. There's a rookie called Yuki Ino and a rookie called Yuki Ueno. Which is really confusing. It's it's like there's a big Japan rookie called Yuki Ishikawa. Oh, and I always yeah. see him on cards and get really disappointed. He's just some 23-year-old black trunks yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, and I'm always like, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- yeah, I-, I do the same thing. Yeah, so uh, D- DDT's been absolutely fab this year. I think um, uh, that's been uh, just uh, some uh, great stuff. And in terms of, like, uh, your sort of micro-indies, like your Basaras and your heat-ups and stuff like that, again, I haven't uh, really seen much of that stuff but like it's just nice to see these real niche promotions just like pootling along having a lovely time i would also um like to give a shout out to my favorite promotion oh i know what you're gonna say (laughs) tokyo championship wrestling the greatest promotion of all time daniel have you seen this card i don't think so tell me right i'm gonna i'm gonna run through this with you right so it's incredible right first match right it's intergender tag uh, Naoshi Sano and Anne Chamu from Gatomu taking on Men's Tail wow. and Miranda Gordy, the daughter of Terry Gordy. What the fuck? That, that, oh, that, this is nothing, right? This, <laughs> right. Does she look like a dinner lady like Terry Gordy did? I will, yeah, yeah, no, Does she look like Victoria Wood? If, if she was, she would be the dinner lady everyone fancied. Right, show. right, okay. So, um, so next match, uh, we have the Heat Seekers. Have you ever heard of the yeah, Heat Yeah, I think so. Yeah, uh, yeah. Everyone thinks they've heard of the Heat. Wait, they sound <laughs> yeah, like they could, they, just, be, they they sound like they could just be any team from fucking Memphis in the seventies. Pretty much, pretty much. Uh, yeah, some lads from what the South. Think South of the Thrill America. Seekers. Yeah. Uh, ah, yeah. yeah. Uh, taking on um, Big Papa Pump Kazuchi Miyamoto, who is now fully em- embraced the Scott Steiner yeah. gimmick. Um, and Hashino Suki, uh, who had has had one match. Oh, ever, is he a ever. is he a sumo? Uh, he doesn't look like a sumo. He just looks like a Wayne. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, next match: the New Korea Pro Wrestling Association title. Right. 
Osamu Nashimura versus Survival Tabita. <gasps> <laughs> oh. It gets even better. Any stipulations on that bad boy? Or just... Oh, doesn't need it, mate. Uh, doesn't uh, need uh, it. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the, they, they, don't, they don't need one. I mean, Tabita can just take it to the mat, so... Yeah. Um, speaking of taking it to the mat, Dan the Beast 7 versus Masakatsu the Revive Samurai Funaki. What the fuck? <laughs> This, this, is, this, this sounds amazing. Yeah, this is next. Is this next February? Like, uh, yes. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I was gonna say because this doesn't seem familiar to me. Yeah. And the the final, uh, the final match that's been announced so far: Battle of Former WWE Superstars. Oh yes. The team of Tajiri and Yoshitatsu versus Takamichinoku and uh, Kenzo Suzuki. Good gosh. However, <laughs> Kenzo Suzuki has pulled out. Okay. He's, he's Probably been signed to NXT Japan. Sue Cook has pulled out. Yes, but <laughs> <laughs> he has been replaced by Jensei Shinsaki. <laughs> Jensei Shinsaki and Taka versus Tajiri and Yoshi. Is this like, um. There must be a money laundering. What, where's this at? Is it, a, is it in Kurikan, in one of the rings in Kurikan? No. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. So I went, I went to one of these shows in September, and it's honestly my show. Yeah, yeah. It is incredible, but um, I love them so much, and I, I hope they, they are, they are the, the wrestling rising. Really? Yeah. Are. Yeah. I mean, if you want to hear any more about that show again, like the show where we talked about uh, our respective holidays, um, and uh, you can hear David talk about the madness that was Jimmy Suzuki's Tokyo Championship Wrestling, and the fact that he was surrounded by pimps. In the crowd. <laughs> so there's that. Um, Name the one that had uh, Dan Severn versus Survival to beat up. Is that right? Uh, no, it, uh, no, it was, that was uh, only Alexander this year. Suka. Alexander Suka versus you, you, Survival to beat up. You got, you got Dan Severn versus um, Suwama versus a kickboxer who'd never wrestled before. They also booked James Mason all the time. Not, not the actor. Nobody knows why. <laughs> yeah. Holiday camp legend, they'll just do James Mason versus Minoru Tanaka yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's really good. So, uh, moving on from Tokyo Championship Wrestling, sadly, we do have to move on. Um, as, the, as the person who like, mostly uh, covers the Joshi beat uh, for um, uh, this podcast. So, uh, it's been it's been an interesting year for many reasons, not uh, least of which uh, Bushiroad buying stardom, which is... Um, I mean, even before that investment by uh, Uncle Harold and the lads, um, we've got they were embarking upon a like fairly aggressive uh, recruitment strategy. They got um, uh, so they signed uh, Cassandra Miyagi from uh, Sendai Girls, uh, Riho from uh, Gato Move, although she's on a joint contract with uh, AEW. Um, most contentiously, uh, Julia from Ice Ribbon, who uh, apparently there's some legal uh, hoo ha uh, surrounding that, and also the fact that uh, Julia walked out on her well, not walked out on her tag team partner's retirement show, but the show got. Uh, delayed during the uh, because of the typhoon and then and then she was like right, i'm off see ya and there was like a lot of uh rancor surrounding this but i think in 2020 not that i mean stardom has a, a great roster anyway but you're probably going to be seeing more of that so um uh, it's going to be quite interesting what bushy rose plan is to uh grow the business i've heard rumors they're going to double down on the idol stuff and i'm not especially sure about that um but um you know i I can, if you, I mean, look, look, if you've seen New Japan and, uh, you know, the way they uh, filmed, for example, uh, Maria Kanellis, 
when uh, she was coming out with uh, uh, Matt Taven and uh, Mike Bennett uh, back in the day. That was, that was a fucking dark time for the tag division, even by New Japan standards. But if you've ever seen that, you can understand why guys like us might be a little bit uh, sceptical of the company that filmed basically uh, Maria Kanellis' arse uh, virtually um, exclusively, uh, why we might be wary about the company that owns New Japan also uh, owning a women's wrestling promotion. I mean, let's be honest, let's not pretend that like, Stardom were some sort of media White House campaign. Oh, oh no, that, that, that's the thing. So imagine our worry that it might become more like that. Who was, um, who was the who was the Gaijin, the, the sexy Gaijin? What was her name? She was in the Five Star Grand Prix last year. Oh, uh, Mandy Rebel? Leon. No, oh, was it Rebel? I know Mandy Leon was in this, and she tapped out Io Shirai in a uh, frankly baffling. Um, Did she wear like <laughs> Dick, um, Daisy Duke shorts? Oh, that was Rebel. She's not. She's not bad actually. I, I, I enjoyed. Yeah. I enjoyed a match against Azumi in the uh, in the five star Grand Prix because they've got a any match where they've got a um, height difference of over a foot. I think yeah. it's uh, genuine. It's like uh, Chris Brooks uh, in uh, Ultimate Party squaring up with uh, Nodaka Tenma, who's four foot eight. Yeah. <laughs> I must say, with Mandy Leon and Rebel especially, they, the the way they filmed them. I mean, if you think you think you know, Maria Canellas is bad and think oh Stardom or whatever like that, yeah, they absolutely were. They like some of them because I remember remember we reviewed the five star Grand Prix. Oh, the lost episode, the forbidden yeah. episode. The Forbidden <laughs> I, I remember we wa- I watched a whole bunch of those matches and every single one of them was just like Rebel's arse. And uh, Mandy Leone as well. I'm like, yeah. It's frustrating because the wrestling's so good. Like, that's the uh, that's the thing. <laughs> um, they've... Uh, uh, and, yeah, it's just... It's got a lot of wrestlers that I uh, really, really like, but sometimes you can't watch the shows by just being a little bit skeeved out by it. At least we're, we're like... Um, uh, uh, Tokyo Joshi is concerned. It's like a idle promotion, but I always get the sense from them. It might be just me seeing what we what I want to see, so I can feel better about watching it. But um, uh, seeing uh, they seem to do the idle promotion with with at least a sense of irony and self reflexivity uh, that you might expect from a company that is uh, owned by uh, owned by DDT. Uh, so uh, I mean, to- Tokyo Joshi's been uh, been. Uh, uh, it's not like I don't think. It, it, this year's been as good for them as 2018, but um, I always enjoy their show. I mean, the wrestling's not like uh, you, you probably see better wrestling at like most Joshi promotions, but like the characters are very fun. Miyu Yamashita is uh, uh, fantastic. You'll you'll see a lot of this, Daniel, when you're up up uh, in Leeds. Yeah, yeah I've the, um, I, I've watched like hardly any forward. Japan at all this year, so I'm just gonna like. Okay, well, we'll we'll. I'm looking forward to explaining to you what an up up girl. Yeah, is. I'm looking forward um, to finding but, out uh, all this shit. Miyu Yamashita, I really want to put in a word for uh, the year she's had because like. Well, she didn't. She's come to the UK. Um, like uh, had a cracking match with uh, Giselle Shaw for uh, continuity Lucha Forever down in uh, down in London. Um, and uh, she's been to been to America. Wrestled, uh, I think it was Alison Kay there. Just really a wrestler who just completely embodies the idea of the ace to the extent where uh, when she lost her title after a 16 month reign. To Shoko Nakajima, who is one of also one of the top wrestlers in the company, when she lost the title, everyone was like, "No, fuck off! I don't buy that." Just because, like, you couldn't yeah. imagine literally all of the, you know, any of the very very talented main event wrestlers uh, on the on the shows having that belt, and I think that really speaks to their presentation of her. Uh, they've also got the AEW link, which is um, quite interesting. They've had uh, well, um, Yuka Sakazaki uh, gone over there, uh, Shoko Nakajima as well. Um, Riho's done stuff for uh, 
uh, Tokyo Joshi in the past. She was on uh, Ultimate Party uh, mm. in a very good match, tagging with Kenny Omega against uh, Mi Yamashita and uh, Antonio Honda, who's a real unsung mm. hero of uh, of uh, current Puro. And like, you, you, this is what frustrates me about people saying like about a, uh, loads of AEW fans saying, oh, they need to start the um, partnership with New Japan. And like, honestly, they should start with DDT. They've already got the in through Omega. Like DDT's got like a ton, ton of ton of cracking they wrestlers. They did say they were doing that, and they just totally same with OWE. Remember OWE? <laughs> I remember. Of course. Yeah. Who could forget? Um, remember OWE UK. Rest in peace. Uh, I'm I'm very sad we didn't get to that in our uh, Britwest uh, rundown. So uh, as far as yeah, as far as um other probably my favourite Joshi company this year has been Ice Ribbon. Like uh, I think they've been uh, absolutely uh, absolutely fantastic. Like every show that I've um, uh, scene of theirs I've just thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed like they've uh, well in uh, Mayuki they've got a uh, like again incredibly assured ace like um, uh, great wrestling Ch- Chairman Ram wrestles for them now oh the the chairman of my heart Chairman Chairman Ramu I love her so and, much and you can say her. and you can say that because we know she's definitely an adult because she's she been wrestling for that long she <laughs> 10 years ago <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, like th- their shows have been absolutely fantastic. Uh, Send- I'm- I always have my issues with Sendai Go's booking. I, I think Mako Satomura, excellent wrestler, doesn't necessarily have a lot of ideas in a locker besides Big Hash loses the title and then wins it back again three months later. Um, but like, again, I always enjoy uh, their shows. They had the UK show uh, earlier today, which has, if you-, if you haven't seen Session Moth Martina versus Iger, then um, <laughs> get on that because that was an absolute hoot and holler, like um, re- really good shit. Um, and uh, uh, even even like again, like um, uh, uh, I think Sari's the one that uh, WWE keep uh, sniffing around. Yeah, she's uh, she's yeah. recovered well since uh, losing the Chelsea job, uh, but like <laughs> she's had some absolute uh, bangers this year, like uh, uh, two matches with uh, uh, Hashimoto in Sendai, I would say, are both well worth your time. She had a fantastic match with Mako Satomura as well. Uh, she's been getting about. She's on the uh, uh, Tokyo Joshi show on uh, uh, January 4th. Um, has a mean Yuranagi, like, absolutely fantastic wrestler. Again, one of these who's been doing it since she was in the womb. Um, so, like, um, I think as far as Joshi goes, the next year is going to be very interesting. What with now we've got. I think as far as Tokyo Joshi goes, even though they've got much more capital behind them than I would think most Joshi companies do because of uh, DDT link, they don't seem to be, they seem very happy to be uh, recruiting their own, uh, sorry, recruiting their own trainees and then and then sort of bringing them up with the odd exception of uh, them acquiring uh, Natsumi Maki from uh, Actress Girls and very much pissing off Yumiko Hotter in the process, who is not someone whose bad side you would like to be on, I would Unless uh, you're Gabby Garcia, in which case yeah. it's fine. <laughs> oh fuck thank you for reminding me of that running the ropes in an mma fight you gotta love it um and uh and obviously stardom having the uh the, the bushy road money so it's going to be quite interesting they seem um again much more open to the aggressive recruiting of talent uh so it's going to be very interesting to see what happens next year now we've got these uh uh two major players in uh in the world of joshi and uh i i hesitate to use the uh was it Borges who called the Falklands War uh, two bald men fighting over a cone? Oh, it could well have been him, actually. I, I, I think I, it was I Borges. I the phrase but, often uh, myself to describe the things like that, but I, I wasn't yeah. sure if it was Borges who called Yeah, that's a bit harsh, but uh, as far as the Joshi market goes, it's it's very much shrunk from what it was when you had AJW and JWP and LLPW, um, you know, uh, putting on these big shit FMW as well. Uh, so it's going to be quite interesting to see how much... Um, 
they're able to grow the scene. I know that Stardom have already been making sounds about running shows at bigger arenas, and considering they um, drawing a thousand to Corican is a good result for them. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be. Um, uh, they're going to have to put a big marketing blitz. Uh, but Hannah Kimura has been on a very popular uh, reality show. Yeah, uh, she has. She's in Terrace House. I really need to get into Terrace House because it's something I feel that I would love. I just it's it's quite overwhelming. I, I, I've not yeah. I've not watched any of it. Apparently, she comes across uh, very well, which I can I can fully yeah, believe. It's, it's all about the Grand Prix. Do you not know this? When you search Hannah Kimura Google, because I just searched this to see if I could find the program. Like uh, it, yeah, it's the yeah, first. It's, yeah, that's why you're a. Uh, well, no, no, no. I, 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 I search for Hannah Kimura regularly. Um, like uh, I've been searching for her all my life. But um, it yeah. The first search result is Hannah Kimura Terrace House. Like the first thing that pops up automatically. Oh, is it? That that's good because I I think there's a JV actress called uh, Hannah Kimura. So um, uh, I guess if you're you share a name and it's probably in your interest to be uh doing a bit of uh, search engine optimization. Uh, but um, yeah, she comes across very well on the program. Apparently, there was an episode where um all the other people because it's not like Big Brother where they're locked in. They just they just live together and just interact. And uh, so they all go along to one of her shows. Oh right, okay. And it's, no, there's, and a, there's an episode that's got a storyline where she's like, uh, the, 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 she wants to go out with somebody, but they're both really shy. And he tries to ask her, and um, uh, like it comes up muddled, and basically it boils down to she's like, if I win the five star Grand Prix, I will, I'll go out with you in a day, or the other way round, where he's like, you have to win uh-huh. the five star Grand Prix. It's like that. Do you remember? Do you remember the first season Ninja Warrior UK? <laughs> that guy who um, is like his his uh, girlfriend is like she she would only accept it. Um, she would only allow him to have her hand in marriage if he completed the Ninja Warrior course. <laughs> and like, there was a whole storyline running for the whole series of this guy who got to the final and he was like i'm gonna fucking win the, the my, my, my girlfriend's hand in marriage and it was one of the best stories so it was so, it was wrestling. so wrestling talk about but, pressure um, fucking hell the other the other funny thing is is when all the other terrace house people go to see uh hano kamura wrestle that's the uh um uh five star show which she jobs to a 16 year old so that's uh, <laughs> that's quite funny a particularly small 16 year old as well it's, it's the inverse of when uh, Matt Letizia uh, took his girlfriend along to that England C versus Russia game where he scored like, oh, yeah. the most incredible hat trick of all time and she thought he was just like Pelly. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So um as far as as far as Japan goes, have we got any sort of other Well, I would like to like say to I love before. the fact that we've both mentioned both the Falklands War and Matt Letissi in a discussion of Joshi before we did fucking Gattle Move, George. Oh fuck Jesus Christ, I forgot about that. Okay. The bit be- <laughs> the best the best uh, Joshi promotion of them all, May Sharuga is the greatest wrestler in the world, and I will have no arguments against it. She is. She is the best. It's Mesa Ruger than Osprey, and that's it. Well, I mean... She is incredible. Yeah, she's only been wrestling, like, it's not even 18 months, but just, like, a real... uh... Uh, real prodigy like um i mean the uh her her uh jaunt over to the uk was uh was uh tremendous stuff as well uh because like they had her over for eve had her over for the she won and she got uh drawn in a group with uh rio o'reilly so it's like okay she's just gonna get chucked around by a much bigger woman that's all good fun uh Jet- o'reilly yeah, Jet, Jet, Jetta, who, um, and that which okay, the match is gonna be pure banter, and then we got Mesa Ruga versus Jazz. Wow. It was 
absolutely incredible. There was a very good stuff where like uh, Mesa Ruga was because like there's a lot of um, lot of Joshi wrestlers who have a sort of uh, kawaii gimmick, but like there's not not many who sort of make it part of the way they wrestle in the same way that Mesa Ruga does. So she was just like making cute faces at Jazz, and Jazz just like has to turn away and just like, "May you're killing my gimmick." <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, all right, get back into character. Like, let's let's do this. Like, but yeah, um, I think Mace Ruger is like the the greatest exemplar of what the Gatto move ethos is, which is really like, okay, you have to have a incredibly assured grasp of technical wrestling and psychology, and once you got that, you can do all sorts of silly shit with it. Um, like uh, Gat Gatto move as well has got a, uh, a YouTube channel with uh, English language commentary um, by Pumi, who also does the uh, the um, some of the social media, and that was very helpful uh, giving you uh, screenshots uh, so you could get to uh, it's got a chocolate square on your holiday. Yeah, he said, uh, yeah, he uh, yeah, sent me a direction because it wasn't uh, on Google Maps. Google Maps yeah, yeah, um, and, and uh, like uh, if you just um, yeah, just log on to the uh, their YouTube and just watch a match. Uh, just like it could could be anything, could be like you're a, all at ten minutes as well. That's a wonderful. Oh thing. god, yeah, you can just eat them like eat, you can just eat, eat them like popcorn. Um, it's, yeah, I went for a whole month in the space of about two hours once. Just all their shows that are on YouTube, I went for all like two hours because it's just it's all so digestible. Yeah, wonderful. and you've got like you got some good, uh, great times. Well, like, like Lulu pencil. I was I was like, just like, going to uh, say that's yeah. one of the few things I've seen from Gato movies. I've seen Lulu pencil. Ah. Uh, She's she's great. Like um like I because like she came along with uh, uh with May to uh to Eve. Basically, I, I think she just fancied a holiday, and then I think enough people have been on Eve to book her for a match that like they actually did her versus May Saruga on the final show, and they had a very silly Gatto move match. But there's the uh, my friend Max who was there. I um explained to her what Lulu's pencil's gimmick is. Like okay, she's a freelance writer and wrestler, and her gimmick is she's really bad. And none of her, like, she loses loads of matches by, like, trying to do a submission on someone and then getting crushed by their weight and tapping out. Isn't, what, um, wasn't this basically just David's gimmick that he invented? Yeah, yeah, pretty yeah, much. Pretty so, much, like, yeah. and uh, Max said to me after the match, he said, I'm really glad you explained Lulu Pencil's deal to me beforehand. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd have been so confused. Um, so, yeah, she's fantastic. You've got um, uh, Yuna Mizumori, who's, like, a really fun sort of, uh, uh, sort of powerhouse wrestler. They debuted six rookies at once. The youngest of whom is yeah, four, fourteen, was, and the oldest in, of which is forty-four. It was incredible that like they they, they basically lost like half the roster, and I mean I know that's like three people, but um, <laughs> yeah, Riho they lost leaving, like yeah. the vast portion, like because they lost quite a few of them, and they just went, all right, we'll just get six more, and then they got another six, yeah. and they just debuted them. And everyone just fell off of them. Doubled the roster yeah. at a stroke. My favourite um, uh, um, rookie is uh, one called Rin Rin, who is one of my favourite uh, tropes in Josie, is a, a shithouse middle, middle school kid. Kind of, kind of like Asmi in Stardom. And uh, she uh, listed her, um, uh, when they did little profiles of the wrestlers before they all debuted, she listed her hobbies as communicating with the universe. <laughs> and uh, she really had a psytrance. And she listed her 2020 wrestling ambition as to be taller than Mesa Ruka. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 also she's the one that like um they, they had this very good match with uh, I think it was her Chris Brooks and Masahiro Takanashi uh, teaming up in which uh, Chris Brooks lifted up to do a double team and twatted her head on the ceiling. <laughs> the joys of wrestling in a place like Ichigaya Chocolate Square. I mean, the venue is a a lot of what makes Gato move so special because it's it's so different. 
Like, it's it's an old pharmacy. They ain't got a ring. They just wrestle on match. The capacity is about 70. There's some windows. People just, like, popping their heads through the windows, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's why David David had to uh, stand because he was him and Linda were late to a three match show. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's like yeah. when, you turn, when you turn up to a grindcore show and you're like ten minutes late and you've missed like twenty five songs. <laughs> yeah, I like it's yeah, uh, but um, I I like I honestly it's it's the best promotion in the world. Mesa River is the best in the world. I it is so eminently watchable. I could gush for hours about it, and it's just. And I don't profess to know the characters very well, but I can just sit and watch the matches and stuff. I will say, they're going to kill Mesa Ruger when she starts in the <laughs> ring full time. Like, it's, it, the, the appeal is going to be gone at that point, I feel, because and like, I just love watching yeah, the ring show. Yeah, the ring shows are very good as well, but like it, it, it somehow doesn't feel the same. They've had some terrific matches. If you want uh, some of the shows they've had in rings, check out uh, Emi Sakura versus... Emi Sakura versus Mesa Ruga, they had in a ring. Uh, Riho's farewell match against uh, Emi Sakura, uh, that was uh, like tremendous, very emotional stuff. Um, it's it's just great. Gato moves, uh, Gato moves, uh, the absolute tits. Check out if you want to know a little bit more about the characters, uh, go to I maintain the double foot silly.com where I wrote a three part article uh, placing the eleven members of the Gato move roster into a football team, and uh, and detailing who would uh, fulfil what position and why. Dorton, Dorton, I, 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 I've put the eleven members of Gato move into a football team. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Hello, Dorton. It sounds like. It sounds like you're having quite a party in the studio tonight, Dorton. We're going to I used to go to parties. I used to go to many parties when I was in the RAF. We're going to have to we're gonna have to put the thing in where we talk before we start recording about football phone-ins now, otherwise it's got to make a fucking bit of sense the last 30 seconds. It's all it's all just a plot to get that fucking spot, <laughs> And the, the... I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm particularly proud of uh, the, uh, the line, the phenomenal one Nobby Styles. Um, getting in the article, um, so that's uh, that's uh, my, so okay. So uh, having now remembered to do Gato move, um, I think we'll leave aside the um, sort of retrospective of the year. I mean, it's been uh, very detailed. Hopefully, we'll put timestamps in in case you like want to pick and choose because I recognise like all Christmas episodes, this has been a marathon if a particularly sober one this year. So now what we're going to do is finally get. To... Oh, for fuck's sake! Well, actually, just before I just want to say, NB- NWA Power is amazing. I I really love it. It's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, it's, they're all shit hawks and they're all despicable human beings. But, they but that, but that, 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 that just makes it all the more, more of an authentic seventies. Uh, yeah, it does. Like it, uh, you can't have a proper pastiche <laughs> yeah. if you've got some like absolutely reprehensible humans. Uh, so yeah, if you, uh, I'm actually quite concerned they're going to replace uh, Jim Cornette with someone that isn't a cunt. Oh no, uh, do you know who they've replaced him with? No. Well, I'm afraid I've got some bad news for you, Dad. <laughs> no, I mean, no. he he tweeted about using water cannon on the rioters in 2011. So uh, I think he will. They're, 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 what, they're replacing him with they're replacing him with Boris Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, King Bad News himself, Wade Barrett. Oh, I thought you were going to say it. Bad News Brown. Ah, <laughs> oh, if only the oh Cosmic God. King Bad yes, News Brad. Brown. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> so Wait, so so it's um so it's so it's uh, it's yeah so it's Barrett. Yeah. Then. Um. Okay. 
<laughs> uh, now what we're going to do is some uh, uh, Christmas fun and games. We're not going to do a quiz because um, those are cursed. Although I have to say, getting uh, getting Daniel to try and uh, remember what was on the Wrestle Kingdom 13 card very very yeah. dangerously clo- close to quiz territory. So if the audio file gets corrupted, like it always is when we try that, then I'm going to lay the blame squarely at David's door. Um, so what we decided, what we do this year is, uh, if you remember, um, if you listen to the Christmas episode. Uh, uh, 2018 if you're one of the unfortunate few then uh, what we did was we uh, plotted out our perfect Christmas day in terms of who would we have round which pro wrestlers would we have round our house and who would cook the dinner so what we're trying to do is we're going to drill down a little bit deeper into this and talk about the dinner itself so what I have done is I have prepared uh, a list of 10 common Christmassy foodstuffs yep in, 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 in a section we'd like to call the Gary Rhodes Memorial uh, like foodstuff <laughs> section it's very high, your hair, Gavin. It's to your credit. <laughs> I have it teased by a weeping widow. And uh, so what I'm going to do is uh, we're going to go down the list of uh, 10 Christmas food items. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to say, have a, have a chat about which pro wrestler we think best fits the description of what this food is and the function it plays in the uh, festive culinary spectacle. So uh, this could go horribly wrong, but let's, uh, let's try it. So uh, the first one is turkey. You know, good old, good old turkey, classic, uh, classic, classic uh, Christmas meat. So um, who would like to proffer a uh, wrestler who we think uh, fits turkey? Daniel, you put your hand up. It's Yoji Anjo, because when he took that walk to Hickson's gym, he was indeed a turkey voting. For <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, arguably, uh, arguably uh, unbeatable. Um, I would uh, possibly go with... Um, uh, I'd go with uh, Tanahashi because uh, he's got so many issues with his cartilages that his legs are a different colour to the rest of him. <laughs> oh, and but ironically, he, he's the very epitome of a white meat baby face. Yeah, and also actually, um, uh, going back to what we were talking about before, John Moxley because of the tasty thigh meat. <laughs> Gobble, gobble. I was going to go for Jay White, and it is really dry, and nobody likes him. And he's only good for about three, three days out of the year. Can I, can I just point out that, by the way, I've listened to several podcasts. Uh, we don't know wrestling, for example, and a few other ones where they, they they think Jay White is like a master worker. I mean, they clearly don't know he's wrestling. Methodical. Then. He's methodical, Daniel. <laughs> I, I I don't see it, but hey. Um. Uh, okay, yeah. So, uh, and, and, and 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 people thought this segment was a bad idea. I think we've got off to a good start there. So, um, along with the turkey, obviously, you got to have cranberry sauce. So, um, the counterpart. I would say I'm at a massive disadvantage here because, as we all know, I don't eat Christmas dinner and I fucking bore the thing. You, you, so, you, like... you, you know what cranberry sauce is, though. Yeah. You have that base yes, knowledge. Yes, okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> like you know what a cranberry is. Imagine that, but goopy and mashed up. Yeah, it's really good for stopping urine infections. That's all of it I know about it. That's what you drink if you have a urine infection. Cranberry juice. Uh, actually, I've got one. Uh, if this if this was football, um, speaking of cranberries, uh, Rangers, because it's a zombie. <laughs> very good. Very, very good. Way, way Cranberry. Um, I, I, God. I was struggling to think of zombie wrestlers. There's um, uh, Saki Akai did a... Um, uh, Disturbingly attractive, like undead gimmick in uh, in a uh, DDT show. Um, Corpse paint does it for me. What can I say? I suppose it, I'm trying to think. It's a, it's a sweet. I mean, there's enough sweet wrestlers out there, aren't there? Yeah, that's what I was trying to think of. Who's the sweetest of all the wrestlers? Um... 
Mesa Ruga's very sweet, but like, like it depends in what way you mean it. I've, I've, I've actually got, I've actually got one. Okay. Um. So the uh cranberry cranberry sauce. Um. So I mean, we talked about Tanahashi white meat baby face. Like Tan- Tanahashi is the turkey. So if we're assuming that Tanahashi is the turkey of our Christmas dinner, um, I'm going to say that the um cranberry sauce is Captain New Japan. <laughs> Now the reason my reasoning is that it's sort of it's sort of lumpy and you know it, on the face of it not particularly appetizing but you know what you really miss it when it's gone. <laughs> oh very good okay I, I don't have one for cranberry so I think I should just leave I, I, I'm going to think of I, I, I'll have to just leave that one. No, I was thinking. I was thinking Gado, um, based on my Jay White observation, and Gado would be the cranberry sauce to go with Jay White's turkey. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's good. yeah, Gado, um, Gado's the cranberry sauce to Jay White turkey because, like, you desperately need to add a bit, of, add a bit of pizzazz to him. And uh, a bit of the old je ne sais quoi. Yeah, but uh, I think this one um, we is uh, we're not going to need too much time to think uh, think about answers for. I've already got one. Rather shooting fish in a barrel. So the uh, people, there are some people who uh, don't like eating Jay White at Christmas. They'd rather not be getting their teeth into his pale New Zealand flesh. So um, uh, some some people prefer to have another type of meat. Uh, one thing that uh, my partner Sarah's family uh, likes to have because they realise one Christmas, hey, actually, do any of us even like turkey? And once they all realised none of them actually did, they started eating gammon. So, who is our gammon of Perosu? Uh, well, Antonio and Oki. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I was, I was actually going to go along and start alongside something similar. I was going to say Hiroshi Hashi because of his, uh, his reactionary political views. Yeah. <laughs> I will say this for Hiroshi Hase actually. Like, um, is he a Lib Dem? Is he a Lib Dem? He is a Lib Dem. Oh, wait, the, have, the... I, have I got him? Oh shit! Uh, oh, I, have I picked the only fucking Japanese like uh, wrestler turned politician who's not a fucking hardline horrible nationalist? Uh, oh no, no, he is. He is da- Daniel. The Japanese Lib Dems are the right wing party. Oh, right, okay, they're so like right. they're even worse than. There's a country with worse Lib Dems than ours. So they've been in government for like all but six years since like 1956. Um, so and I think the main opposition party's polling on about. Seven percent at the moment, so uh, something of a dominant political force. Hiroshi Hase uh, is a member of the Liberal Democratic Party, so right on politician. But um, I will at least say this for him that he is very big on promoting LGBT rights in uh, in Japan. So like at least he's got, he's got that going for him. So like I guess fair play on that score. Um, Hase is a good thing. I was gonna um, Akira Maeda is apparently some like far right anti Korean guy, which is especially uh, enervating when you realise he's of Korean descent himself. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, was it Antonio Inoki who nearly got sacked because he tried to get the government to un uh, un uh, vault uh, various files about UFOs? No, that was Great yeah. Sasuke, wasn't it? No, that was Inoki as well. Oh, was it? Just like wrestlers in Japan love like getting into positions of power to try and like, I mean, unlock files it, about the UFOs. I mean, it, Inoki enough, called a fucking promotion UFO, so um, like uh, yeah, back maybe, in the maybe big he's uh, just really into the seventies hard rock band UFO, and he got confused. <laughs> well, I mean, Inoki hasn't quite yet yet reached rock bottom, so uh, <laughs> but we hey. have with that with that pun. So <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think uh, I think the upshot of this discussion is there's quite a lot of uh, pro wrestlers who uh, have. Certain unsavory political views. Um, so, and, and this is what unsavory political views. Let's move on to the next one because I've got a baller. 
Oh, good. Well, yeah, I was, I was just going to say that, like, it's uh, it's quite heartening uh, when you're... Uh, it's actually nice to, uh, like, not understand Japanese. And the fact that, like, uh, Japanese wrestlers, from my understanding, don't tend to speak too much about social issues on Twitter. So you don't have to realise, like, which of your... Because in, in Britain, you've got, like... I mean, there was a spate of wrestlers like uh, Jack Gallagher, uh, Jamie Hayter, uh, people like that, just urging people to vote Labour on December the 12th. Like, oh, thank God. Oh, I didn't know Jack Gallagher had, had, had done that. Oh, Jackie yeah, Boy, Jack Gallagher my did. boy. And uh, just like, oh, thank God, the wrestler I like isn't a raging toy. But in Japan, you never have to find out because they don't tend to... How do you just besmirch the good name of Robble? <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, the only political stuff I ever see from any Japanese person I follow on Twitter is whenever there's like sort of uh, anti-LDP stuff gets retweeted onto my timeline, it's always uh, Fumi Saito from uh, Pacific Rim. Oh. And uh, so I was like, okay, bit of a lefty, appreciate it. Um, so uh, the next one will be, so obviously we've got our meat, we've got our cranberry sauce. Um, maybe a nice little, you can stick a nice little ring of pineapple just around a Kiromeda's cock. You can do that. It's all right. Uh, but um, what it's we have now. It's a vegan cock ring. <laughs> um, but what we've got now is uh, obviously we've got to have, I maintain that these are vegetables despite everyone and science's uh, uh, insistence to the contrary, and that is potatoes. Right, well, first first of all, first of all, I've got a bit of a bone to pick here with, with this. Right, it shouldn't <coughs> just say potatoes, it should say roast potatoes, because they're the only correct thing to have on a Christmas dinner. Anyone that has mash is fucking, what's wrong with you? Like, I, mean, I, I, I do, as, I do agree with you. I just... says to me, though, I am prejudiced against soft potato. I don't like mashed potato. I think it's pointless. Like, roast potatoes are the only potatoes. I would I would take the stance that uh, the only good form of potato at Christmas is microwaved as a chip. So, <laughs> for fuck's sake! Yeah, I mean that's um, that that that's I mean that, that's they've sad. all they've got a lot to do in Christmas. I'm not going to make them put shit in the oven or the fryer. You know, microwaves. No, no, we can, let's all just have ever, cereal and I'm done with it. When was the last time you had a piece of microchips, Daniel? Because honestly, it's up there with like, the great culinary dishes of our time. I piece of don't think I've had any microchips since the 1990s. No, a piece of microchips, so a microchip sandwich. Because microchips are all right. Uh, piece of microchips I don't, think, I don't know if I've ever had one. Uh, I've had a chip booty, uh, obviously. I'll be a Christmas, but my Christmas gift to you. Go out, buy some bread, butter, microchips. Okay. A piece of microchips. Oh, all right. The the uh, the Puri podcast where you'll hear more time devoted to what are the best kinds of oven chip that than whether a car, whether a card is a draw. Uh, these are the debates that we have. So okay, we'll go with potatoes. Um, I mean, fairly um, uh, sort of. I think uh, sort of open goal one here is uh, Tomohiro Ishii because he dishes out potatoes and he looks like a potato. I, I, he does look a bit like a potato, actually. Well, he very much does like a potato. A potato. I was going to go for Segura. Um, similarly, looks like a potato, uh, but also because um, he's just he, he's he's old reliable, isn't he? Um, like, he, he, yeah. He, you true. stick him on the plate. He's a bit of ballast. Uh, he's been there for ages. You wouldn't have anything. You wouldn't have it without him. He, he's timeless and ageless. Uh, I was going to go for Stan Hansen because not only does he dish out potatoes, but he also has wonky eyes that you get in potatoes as well. Very good. <laughs> I, I was also going to say Will Ospreay because he's a roast, he's a roaster. Yeah. <laughs> well, that 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 was um, surprisingly solid, I think, for potatoes. I was going to say uh, coming coming up next is um, I mean. Uh, these are for me certainly a uh, staple of uh, of a Christmas dinner. Oh, it's a highlight. Uh, particularly after my um, my very middle class father got a, uh, a sausage maker, so he can make his own, and that is pigs in blankets. Down at Oxford, we used to call them undergrads. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite interesting actually, because like 
the the name when you think about it for more than a couple of seconds is incredibly disturbing because they're wrapped in bacon which comes from a pig it's like if you would stitch together a um, bla- a duvet out of human skin it is that is the equivalent of it Th- these are the ed gain of uh, the culinary world <laughs> It's like that. Uh, it's like that Rick and Morty episode where they're in the simulate the poorly programmed simulation, and there's like a uh, anthropomorphic pop tart going to work in a toaster. It's like, what? Why? Why would a pop tart be in a toaster? It would be hell for him. I've never watched Rick and Morty because I've had sex. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know. Oh, I love you, uh, and and I um, love and, you. and no matter how much AEW can put the best friends in a tag match, I mean, boy, that would usually sell me anything. Uh, but uh, not, <laughs> not on this occasion. Like, so, uh, pig, pigs in blankets, uh, guys. What, is there uh, any what say you? wrestlers with thinly veiled opinions and police protection? Ah, I've got two. I've got two. I've got two. Okay. All right. Now, not a Japanese wrestler, but someone who's worked in Japan. All right. Uh, at, at least uh, once, because I've seen him against Tajiri years ago in, in Tajiri's promotion. So... I was going to choose at first Fit Finley simply because uh, uh, very keen-eared listeners who go back a long time, OGs of the show, may remember that many years ago, George had a legendary uh, save game. Um, yes! On, what was it, T? TW. On, 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 on TW. Uh, and uh, it involved um, Fit, uh, Fit Finley, uh, who, he'd get, who he'd put in a Japanese promotion, I think it was AJPW, and given him a police gimmick. Um, yes, by accident. Yep. Now I'm not sure I if he went old school with an RUC gimmick, or maybe if he went sort of a bit more uh, reformist <laughs> and PC uh, and PS and I'd him. Uh, but either way, um, that you know. We, but then I thought, no, we've got to be serious. We've got to think the real world. So I thought we need a realistic, um, you know, um, a wrestler based in hard bollocked reality to borrow a, a phrase from Joe Kennedy. And I thought, who who more gritty? Who more realist? The kind of wrestler that Ken Loach himself would make a film about. Uh, the wrestling panda, Yoru uh, Kiara, um, who was, um, in fact, um, uh, I believe, um, uh, 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 what was it, sworn in as an actual policeman um, in um, uh, an honorary <laughs> uh, uh, sort of ceremony um, in uh, in Tokyo, I believe. The one that was in DDT. Yeah, Andre, yeah, Andre's a giant. Andre's a giant. Yeah. But by the way, can I can I just like recommend to uh, Pio? I know we've sort of done our uh, uh, our Japanese rundown, but the uh, the match in Ice Ribbon uh, where they had the storyline where uh, Ice Ribbon Ace Tsukasa Fujimoto and former futsal goalie was um, uh, cheating on uh, yeah, Andre's a giant panda was cheating on his wife with Tsukasa Fujimoto, and then Andre's a giant panda's wife and Fujimoto had a match in Ice Ribbon. <laughs> Oh, nice. And, and Andreza came out and did the miraculous, incredible, you know, soap opera save where he turned on Fujimoto and, yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, in- including, like, a, a baby panda as well. So, like, yeah, that is uh, that is well worth uh, checking out. Our friend Luke got a 20,000-plus-like uh, 20, tweet for basically a sort of summary of, uh, of this storyline that included the words, a famous giant panda. <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was very good but of Taskmaster to- fame he turned up in Taskmaster one week to- uh, 20, 20, 2018 Tokyo Sports Rookie of the Year was it? Yeah. Uh, Andres Ajayan Panda I believe so Fuck, absolute absolute joke of a publication by the way fuck off um, but uh, yeah Pigs in Blankets I I didn't realise he, he'd become a there's quite a lot of wrestlers who've become honorary police officers I've seen Mako Satomura in a police outfit Io Shirai's done it as well uh, just before she signed with the Fed so you know um, uh, David have you got any uh, got any uh, pigs in blankets you would like to uh, uh, furnish us with oh Jesus um, I feel that actually I have a, a sort of visually someone who looks like a pig in blanket um, Abdullah Kobayashi 
Um, very much reminds me of a pig and blanket just in his general demeanour. Like, just, you know, he's just a big meat wrapped round and then a wee sausage poking at the top. He is a very meaty man. <laughs> yeah. Just like pigs in blankets, he's also uh, had lots of forks stabbed into him. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, I was, I was just going to go with police. Like the that uh, that that guy who like just turns up at Joshi shows like dressed as a copper and like engages in loads of beatdowns and what I hope is a sort of wry comment on police brutality in Japan and not just like a guy beating up some women on a uh, on a Joshi yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, and we've all just got the wrong end of the stick because of our ceaseless orientalism. I, I can't I can't believe that we missed out Officer Liger, but then again, I, I don't want to be disparaging about Joshi Liger. Yeah, um, that's true. His retirement tour has been a bust, but um, like you know. I'm actually really touched that you remembered D- uh, DSI uh, uh, Fit Finley. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I mean, you never forget. You know, legends never die. Fit Finley is all about taking out bent coppers. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I was gonna let, let's uh, not talk about that. Yeah, um, I, and the, and there's a run, there's a running joke about uh, Queen's Quest in Stardom being cops, although I think it's basically because like. Um, uh, uh, Momo Watanabe is a fan- fantastic wrestler, but like she's very good at being unlikable, and also and also dressed in blue. So, so Queen's yeah. Quest are the Kamala Harris of uh, Joshi. <laughs> Fucking hell! They Except are. with Kamala, got... it wasn't a joke. Who the fuck? No, I don't care about that shit. <laughs> why, am I, why am I pretending no, like I mean, I'm some fucking very online American Twitter like politics nerd? No, I don't care. Like, I'm, I'm I'm too depressed to talk about politics right now. Uh, move, moving on. Uh, so we have got coming up next. Bit more, bit more veg. Get some, uh, get some, uh, get some iron in your system. Yep, yep. Uh, so we have got uh, carrots. Well, for carrots, uh, I was once reliably informed by a uh, toothless crone who I worked with um, in a uh, bar in Glasgow. <laughs> Um, who she worked in the uh, in the kitchen, and she came out one day and told me that um, uh, the that um, the, that she I had to get this plate of food out very quickly because, in her words, carrots don't hold any heat. So I figured, <laughs> what? Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> carrots don't hold any heat, my fucking carrots don't hold any heat, man. Get my fucking out now. You ain't holding any heat. And I was like, right, okay. Um, so obviously, this is fuck. Honestly, this is so tenuous, lads. Right. So carrots, therefore, do not hold a lot of heat. So what? We need, <laughs> so what we need to do? Uh, in uh, it, 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 now, now, can, can you now, children? Can you think of a phrasal verb uh, in English that we can use to, to describe the process of reheating? Well, we need to heat up. Therefore. Therefore. Woo, we're nearly there, guys. Keep going. Come on, here we go. Final leg. Come on. Kazuhiro Tamura. <laughs> I, I, I thought you were going to go down the uh, the obvious route and say carrots don't hold a lot of heat. So my my choice will be a Hiroki Goto or Yoshihashi. That could be... I was going to go with... Um, I, I can't especially think of a... Um, uh, Japanese wrestler for this, but like, I will go with um, uh, Dolph Ziggler just because like his his skin is the same color as a carrot. <laughs> um, and I will also go uh, the not not a uh, wrestling figure, a, a political figure, a, a titan, if you will. Um, uh, someone I think is like a carrot is uh, Margaret Thatcher because she's purple when she's in the ground. Just yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just just as a disclaimer to all listeners uh, who are listening, uh, Margaret Thatcher is still dead. <laughs> <laughs> and 
quite frankly, you love to see it. <laughs> you love to see it, Ed. I think we can all agree that the joke of the decade, you know how they always go, the, the whatever of the decade, the joke of the decade. The joke of the decade is actually any time anyone mentions that Margaret Thatcher is dead, because I never, never not uproariously laugh every single time. Uh, especially seeing as I was born on the same day as her, and I've had to share my birthday with her for many, many years. And then when she died... Honestly, honestly. I share I share a birthday with uh, another uh, hard right figure, and that is Hulk Hogan. So I uh, <laughs> feel your pain. Very good. Also, also, also looks like a carrot. He does. Um, so moving on, moving on next, the uh, the carrots uh, the carrots uh, bastard stepchild. Uh, we have a parsnip. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've I've got I've got one for parsnips, but um, I, I, I've got one as well. All right. Well, I I I figure figure that parents like to smuggle parsnips. Onto uh, on, bear with me, lads. Parents you're, like you're to the same way as me with this. Parents time. like to oh, God. smuggle parsnips onto the plate, uh, disguised as potatoes. So, given that the smuggling is the uh, the the word that I'm I'm, I'm working with here, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with either of the Shirai sisters. <laughs> For smuggling the, uh, a wicked big bag of sinister minister out of Mexico and into Japan and being dishonoured for many years for bringing shame upon their family and nation because of this. Uh, yeah, and it was it was it was a did did you did you did you know the story behind that by the way? Uh, we've told it on the show before, I think. I yeah, yeah, the, the, it there. was it was a setup by 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 a guy who like wanted her fellow like, spot Sugi. in hey, the promotion. Yeah, yeah, Suki is still. Yeah, Sugi, who is fucking resting for zero one, despite trying to frame someone for drug possession. Meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, Ayako Hamada gets sent down the memory hole for actually having a drug problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's fucked up. I would say, I mean, let's not try and say that wrestling for zero one is any sort of like you know non-punishment because the yeah. highest one that you're wrestling for is zero one, then perhaps. Yeah. You know, L- live from the Kamikaze Pilot Memorial at the Yasukuni Shrine. <laughs> I, I would like to give a thanks to Sugi for giving us probably our highest uh, metrics tweet of the year um, in relation to Kenny Omega and um, his claims about Harold May trying to get him stopped at customs. <laughs> oh my god, I can't, I can't oh, believe we're going to talk about that. Phenomenal. Oh uh, man, that is... I, I, when you talked about smuggling, I thought you were just going to say Katsuo Shibata because he's got a massive cog. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I took a sort of similar vein in the sense that parsnips are generally hidden on a plate and fashioned in the style of chips. So it's always a case of, you know, oh, there's some chips in my plate. And then you you dig in and then you realise they're not parsnips. So I would like to uh, give this to Kensuke Sasaki because you think that you're seeing Kenta Kibashi, but you're not. You're seeing Sasaki instead. <laughs> I actually was really, I was really good. I was going to go with that. Genuinely. I've actually got a, a tab open on my thing with Kensuke Sasaki. <laughs> I, I was think, literally thinking the same thing. Because at first I was going to be like, oh, I could do like Junakiyama and like the four pillars. But then I was like, yeah, but Junakiyama is like actually really good. Like, <laughs> like literally as good as any of them like on his day. I, so, I would also I mean, like to take this moment to say that parsnips have never killed a man. No. Um, <laughs> as far as we know, in a court of law, parsnips no. have never been tried for manslaughter I mean, and or murder. I've had some pretty I, ranked dinners cooked for me, but I've never been killed by a parsnip. Okay, I, w- I was gonna go with um, ooh, if there's any amount of any amount of New Japan wrestlers I uh, think I could uh, really uh, 
do okay let's let's do jay white again because i've got a bone to pick with his uh his uh, big match uh big match wrestling so um no, actually no this isn't jay white a jay white match is like a parsnip think about their shape it starts off pretty substantial and it gets really limp at the end <laughs> it's just been worn down to a nubbin by the end <laughs> yeah um so uh we're nearly there, lad. So, um, I personally, actually, I've, I've grown. Oh, this I've is got a such a good one for this. Sorry, the next. Oh, I, re- I really hope we're thinking. It's all dangerous when we start thinking along the same lines. But like, okay, so um, this is a item I only got into these uh, quite recently. But you know what? Do them in the oven. They're fucking lovely, and that is chestnuts. Yep. Ah, e- excellent with a bit of bacon uh, and your sprouts, actually. Ooh, yeah. Well, um, yes. Yeah. Oh, who wants to go first? So I, I have, I have one. Um, we always like, chestnuts are quite hard, aren't they? Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. Crack it, you know, you crack open a chestnut. They're quite well. They're rounded. They're, they're, yeah. Let's say for the purposes of this that they are hard. They're, they're hard and rounded and substantial. And, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. So, uh, sort of conquers esque, perhaps. <laughs> so I'd like to put it towards you, the the pure chestnut himself, Rio Tohama. Oh yes, absolute chestnut of a man. Very good. Very I mean, good. when you said that, when you said they're hard, I just started thinking of Daisuke Sakamoto and that no T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I've um, I, I've gone for uh, because obviously uh, chestnuts are notoriously well, not really notorious. <laughs> chestnuts are um, uh, uh, by standard roasted on, as the song goes, lads, and open fire. Exactly. Much like Sabu, Shake, Atsushi Onita, and Tarzan Goto were on May the 6th, 1992 in FMW, when they took part. <laughs> D- Daniel, I swear to God, that was the one I was thinking no of as well. <laughs> Although, you actually one-upped me because, like, you can actually remember who was in the match apart from the Shake and Sabu. Well, in that case, you'll just have to have Kane Undertaker. <laughs> <laughs> Did it, didn't the shake nearly die of smoke inhalation because of Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, he did. Uh, to be fair, I think the shake nearly died of smoke inhalation just from whenever he used to drive to a show. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I fuck. Like, I love it. I love that. Actually. I wonder if there's a DVDR. Um, you know how DVDR on the forums, they have, um, like, uh, threads to discuss matches from, like, each year and yeah. stuff like that. I wonder if there's a thread discussing that match, because if not, I'm going to create an account and log on and do that. They've it's so funny because they're all just, like, literally just, like... They've got. They're just gassed, but not through fucking, like, physical no, exertion. It's just gas. just gas. <laughs> I, okay, I'm, I'm, it's I, like I'll watching people a... die in a room. It's horrible. I, I told I, I told the shaky should I took my batteries out the, the smoke alarm for the remote. I told them. <laughs> I've uh, I've thought of a different one actually. Um, so the one I um, uh, thought of was uh, so, um, so there's sort of various different types of uh, chestnuts, horse chestnuts, water chestnuts. But I'm going uh, from the realms of the uh, material into the discursive. And I am going to talk about, um, you know, a phrase for a sort of pearl of wisdom would be an old chestnut. Yes. And so someone who is involved in a training capacity. So I'm going to go with, as I understand it, uh, Yuji Nagata, because I can imagine him dispensing wise words to the trainees at the dojo. And also he is old. So uh, (laughs) anti-aging chestnut Yuji Nagata. Very good. And uh, okay, so we have got um, uh, two more items left in our... 
uh, top ten. Feel free to put the uh, audio file of me me scatting uh, a whole lot of love by Led Zeppelin from the um, musical episode under it. Um, so we've uh, so what we have got now, lads. We had to talk about it. The uh, little round green elephant in the room is finally upon us. We are talking about Brussels sprouts. So I'm pro Brussels sprouts. Big fan. Are you, you fucking Remainer scum? Big man. <laughs> you bastard, you beat me to it. I was... <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to be uh, appearing on the Romaniacs podcast next week. Yeah, I'm going to appear on the Romanian Romaniacs podcast podcast with uh, ardent Romainer Ian Dunn, who five years ago tweeted, there is no reason why anyone on the left should support staying in the EU. Absolute grifter. Well, there uh, you go. Check out Daniel's column in the New European. Yep. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's our paper. It's incredible. No, I know. Uh, it's yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I will go. I've mentioned them already today, but I fucking hate him when he's without any sort of um merit whatsoever. It's just Robinson. <laughs> For fuck's sake! Oh, imagine Brussels sprout juice. Oh my! Oh my words. Oh. I've given yeah, myself the boat. Brussels sprouts crisps. Yeah, yeah they're, 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 no, they're still doing. over the road from me now. Oh, yeah. I've got time for that. No, did, no, not uh, from, did giant you, haystacks I, ever work in Japan? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah all, ju- all right, I'll say giant haystacks is probably because my dad fucking loves them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All Japan brought him in for a tour with the idea that he worked giant barber, and then barber saw him work and was like, "Yeah, no thanks." That's <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and he booked Roger Lyon. <laughs> Um, I'm going to, uh, okay, so, uh, for me for Brussels sprouts, I'm going to go with a, uh, not a Japanese wrestler, but a man who's worked on, in Japan and, uh, his most famous, uh, match in Japan. We have talked about it on this podcast before. I'm going to go with Bret Hart because they're really bitter. <laughs> oh, very good. Oh, then it was I just a big schmars, but he was a jam up guy. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you uh, to doubt, uh, potatoes? <laughs> <laughs> Panicked. I'm not gonna lie, I panicked. <laughs> it's late. It's late in the day. We've been at this for approximately 17 hours uh, Rick, over Rick, the course Rick, of several nights. Rick Flair was a, Rick Flair was a good hand, but he was no stomper. <laughs> I am. Um, I looked at the ticker as to how long we've been going in my words. Yeah. I, if you are still listening at this point, I mean, golf clap for you. Because Sa- Santa is yeah. going to give you a lot of presents this year. Yeah. You've been a very good boy. Do, do, we, do we have another day. segment after this? No, oh. no, no, we do Thank not. Fuck. Right, okay. There's two questions that you ask you, but yes. Right, I'll do, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the right. last one I think is going to be universal. I-, I think we're all going to have the one answer for this one. Okay, so um, the uh, I mean, maybe you don't like uh, maybe you don't like cranberry sauce. Maybe you want something else to have with your turkey. So uh, we've got an alternative uh, alternative condiment for you, uh, which is bread sauce. So let's all say the um, uh, name we're thinking of after three. So one, two, three. Satoshi Kojima. Before we go, just wanted to ask you two questions, uh, and then I'll let you get on with your day. Um, So the first one... And let you, the fans, get on with your day as well. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Um, So, Daniel, can you please tell me, uh, like, in great detail about the time you auditioned to be (laughs) in There's Only One Jimmy Grimble? Right, yeah. So, as uh, as listeners to the show probably won't know, uh, There's Only One Jimmy Grimble was... um, I think probably the highlight of Robert Carlyle's career. Um, <laughs> and it was a film uh, set at the height of Britpop in the 90s. 
Uh, and uh, it was a, a very, very different time, dear, uh, 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 dear, dear reader. Uh, basically, um, it was about uh, a, a young lad who uh, grows up as a City fan in Manchester uh, at a time where... I mean, this this is what really marks it as a, as a historical relic. Uh, at a time when uh, a little team you might have heard of called Manchester United, uh, just sort of mid, mid-table team these days, um, you might have heard about them. They lost against Watford at the weekend. Uh, they uh, used to actually be quite good years ago, apparently. Uh, and they won a few things and that, uh, but yeah, um, at the time United were sort of quite prominent, you know, vaguely. Um, and um, City were not so good. Uh, and this is at the exact same time that I had a season ticket uh, to go and see them every week and um, follow the various travails up and down the divisions. Um, I can't remember exactly who was the manager at this point. I want to say it might have been either Joe Royal or Kevin. Keegan, it might have even been earlier than that. It might have been Frank Clark era. I can't remember. Alan Ball, maybe was it? No, I don't think it was Alan Ball era. I think it was uh... after that. No, I mean, I'm just saying good, isn't it? So, no. Uh, it's a film, though. It's fictional. I don't think we are good in it, are we? Uh, oh, maybe it's like... I think it might be Keegan era. So we're like... We're, we're not... We're, we're, we're sort of like t- tolerably entertaining, but not actually particularly good. Um, <clears throat> like, um, anyway. Uh, 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 the, 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 uh, being from the the, uh, the, the area, or the, near and near enough, um, uh, a call went out to all the schools in the area... Um, so you know, asking for uh, uh, kids, preferably real life city fans, um, who um, had a penchant for drama, uh, and um, could sort of like realistically be decent enough at football that they wouldn't have to get in like you know a a, a kind of a, a stunt double. They uh, would have to do a dream team and just put purple. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know. Um, so basically, um, I I I was put forward as the ideal candidate. Uh, 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 for this now, this was this was before um, this, this this was many years before the, uh, the the legendary game against Reddish Vulcans, uh, and, um, and you know uh, th- this was a few years before that, I think. But anyway, um, I um, I auditioned for it, and it involved what it involved me having to do was um, I had to go into uh, uh, do do a scene with a guy who was like a stand-in Robert Carlyle. Um, so, it, but they but they got this like um, sort of quite effect um, kind of like um, sort of uh, like producer to stand in for him who had absolutely no interest in football whatsoever and who kept fluffing his lines when I was like interacting with him. So he'd, he'd be having to say stuff like, you know, he'd give me instructions as Robert Carlyle's character, who's like the coach. Uh, and he'd sort of keep stopping, not being able to pronounce things properly because it was all like football terminology. Um, so he'd be like, uh, oh yeah, just pop it into the is it sh- channel the channels pop it into the channels and i'd just be like and i you know and then they made me go into another room and do 10 keepy ups now to be honest this kind of sounds like it's just a big front for a massive pedophile network um yeah this is pretty much how they made michael jackson's uh, victims um, you know audition uh but um yeah so I, I had to go and audition for that allegedly i'd like to allegedly, to allegedly. allegedly yes. i didn't get the role as history will attest uh, but i got something more <laughs> important than that uh, actually, uh, I got a free pen. <laughs> and you got a degree was... from the University of Life. I got a, yeah, exactly from Funky University. Uh, no, um, it was a free <laughs> pen. It was a city pen. But the thing is, is that we were such a sort of like um, r- ridiculous. Well, this wasn't anything to do with the other club, I don't think. But I could tell that this was a sort of last minute thing that they tried to figure out because we'd recently changed our badge. We've actually changed it back again now, which I'm happy about because it's more traditional again. But we changed it briefly, and then and I think we'd actually briefly change the badge then, if I remember correctly. And they'd give me one with like the old badge on it. Um, and I just thought, fucking time wasters. Um, yeah, so I was never called back. 
That's a, that's a shame. Well, at least we got the story out now. Like, I'm, I'm very glad that we did. Uh, David, what was the other question? So, um, this is from uh, our good friend Jaina um, at Blady Skin. Um, Baba is IRA and OK is UVF, but who are in the other dissident groups? INLA, OIRA, CIRA, UDA, etc. Oh, wow, fantastic. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, if we're finally going to get cancelled, this is the one that's going to do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, um, I think, uh, to be honest, um, I've been put on the spot here, I think, to be honest. Obviously, Baba's in the raw. Uh, so. I think really what we'd have to look at is, um, you know, we've got INLA, so you'd have to be a bit more radical, uh, a bit more um, um, experimental. And so um, I, I'd say um, it pro- probably, uh, oh, I think maybe um, um, Ultimo Dragon's probably in the INLA. Um, yeah, and he, he did some work in he did some work in all Japan at some point, didn't he? Uh, yeah, yeah, and you know, sort of a, 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 a very a more radical um, sort of notion, um, a more uh, of, of 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 what Irish liberation could be. So, Ultimo Dragon, I'd, I'd say certainly more of an international proletarian in the in the manner of Seamus Costello. Um, so, yeah, I think that that that, that could work. Um, continuity IRA. Well, they're essentially just like um, a sort of uh, uh, the, the the Dubliners with guns. Um, so, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm struggling to fill, to fill in who, you, you lads might have to, I don't know, who's the Dubliners with guns, but in, in, in wrestling, in, in Puro, um, I mean, I, to I mean, be honest, to I be think honest, that joke's good enough to stand on its own without me having to pick one, uh, I mean, I, I would say, like, uh, uh, being into, a sort of, uh, if, if we allow that, like, folk music and country music have a certain, um, a certain uh, kinship and uh, thinking about the All Japan con- connection. How about Jumbo Saruta? Oh yeah, that, that could work actually. Yeah, definitely. Um, however, um, I was also gonna um, um, maybe go for um, uh, um, uh, thinking about um, um, the m- more shadowy um, uh, military wing of the uh, um, uh, you know what well, military wing of the Thirty Two County Sovereignty Movement, the real IRA. Uh, stroke Oglishnaran. Uh, their um, their their own breakaway faction. Ooh, look at me with my fucking uh, fucking Irish uh, Irish language fucking knowledge. Right, take me out. All right. Uh, um, I've pronounced that really badly wrong. I'm I'm sure. Uh, I think it's Nairn. I mean, probably. But, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Out, it's so, out there so, now. So they they would be um, kind of um, you know. Uh, uh, people that are really sort of flogging a dead horse and trying to revive something with um, very, very little support from the wider populace like the Provos once experienced. So I would say sort of that that would be um, represented by um, uh, peak Enochism. <laughs> um, yeah, good I think that's good everything, one. isn't it? That's all of them? Yeah. That, uh, unless there's any sort of... Um broadway ones? Uh, well, yeah, I, 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 I was going to... I'm trying to think of like um, sort of... Um, uh... uh the LVF's quite a difficult one to do. Um, nah, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. That's fine, no, sorry. So, the, the, um, the, the, the big dog Johnny Adair. <laughs> Funnily enough, I work, I, work in, I work in a library, there's actually someone, an author called John Adair who specialises in like business management techniques and he's on the reading lists for like a load of the business courses that we teach in my college. <laughs> uh, people does, he keep... also, does he also sell like, Eckies to Andrew as well? <laughs> That was actually his. Um, that was actually um, his. Uh, his uh, um, um, uh, uh, right hand man, uh, uh, Jackie Mc, uh, Jackie T. Uh, yeah, right. Allegedly, uh, yeah, allegedly, well. uh, you know. Uh, Uniform Delta Alpha. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> oh god. Uh, so yeah, um, Christ, I, I, thinking on my feet really hurts me these days. Um, my brain feels like it's gonna fucking fall out my nose. Well, well maybe, maybe let's give your brain a nice little, uh, nice, nice long soak, and um, uh, not not booze, but um, and let's uh, let's uh, bring this episode to a well, rather belated If anything's close. gonna trigger a relapse, it's been recording this, lads. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, yeah, so um, we th- yeah just um, uh, but, oh, fucking hell. Do we are we doing plugs or? Yeah, well, I actually have something I do need to plug. So oh I'm god, yeah, okay, okay. okay. So, so. All right, no um, worries. That's fine. So yeah, do you want me to do plugs? Yeah, 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 sure. Right, that's fine. So you can find us on Twitter at Puro Podcast. Um, so as I can find us on SoundCloud at the Puro Puri Podcast. Um and. We have a Facebook page. Search for it. I don't know why we don't ever do anything on it. Um, myself, I have. I am terrible at brand synergy. This is my issue. So I have lots of different things. Um, you can buy my music at uh, fastbuck.bandcamp.com, and um, as well as that, um, you can. Speaking of weird things, um, I am doing a show. At nice and sleazies on January the twenty eighth. Now it has a very good ring here for um, the the listeners because it's called Sleazy Strong Style. Basically, what I'm doing is I'm doing a selection of the best slash worst Japanese wrestling matches and showing them in nice and sleazies. It's one of the best pubs in Glasgow. They do lots of great vegan food and Japanese food. They have a Japanese kitchen upstairs as well. So absolutely wonderful place. But you can come along and you can see you see four explosion matches. Um, I'm probably sticking in the Emmanuel Yarbrough um, match, no doubt. Um, and you know, um, human crab men, no lot. Um, you can. Uh, it's five pounds. Tuesday, January twenty eighth. Um, eighteen plus, but I'm not going to really say anything if you're under eighteen. And um, yeah, it will be a good night. It'd be nice to meet you. Um, it just you know, it will be good fun just watching a lot of weird, weird uh, matches. And as well as that, if anyone has any recommendations for bizarre matches or just outright bloody off like bloody matches please let me know because i've not done anything for this and i've been woefully prepared so um yeah that that's good so come along 28th of january nice and sleazy excellent um i've got some uh, things but got the, uh, my uh, my uh, now completed novel the rise and fall of ricardo's and you can buy it on amazon.co.uk for the low low price of two pound 49 for the kindle edition and you can also buy it for uh, 14.99 if you're one of these people who would like a a, a print, printed book version the print on demand in poland and ship to your door if you're um one of the countries that they ship to which is like you know most of the big most of the big lads um in uh, uh, in like a matter of days uh, it's a novel that i wrote about Dozan, the uh, father of of Japanese professional wrestling, who was uh, probably the biggest national TV star and national sporting hero in the immediate post-war era, staging matches in which he would defeat the evil Americans and make the Japanese people convinced that the country could recover after defeat to America in the Second World War, and basically about my protagonist's um, relationship with him and sort of being drawn into the murky world of professional wrestling as it was at the time. So, so it's not always deals with the ideas of um, uh, growing up, race, identity, belonging, um, you know, vi- violence, uh, illegal activity activity and uh, at its core really just uh, being disappointed by your heroes um, not to give any spoilers away but uh, people uh, seem to like it even people who have absolutely zero knowledge of professional wrestling so uh, do give that a shot if you're in the market for some uh, from Christmas reading uh, I'm also currently uh, developing a couple of tabletop RPGs one to do with wrestling and one uh, not to do with wrestling so um, when those are 
done, then I'll probably be hawking them online for a few quid, and you can give me some cash if you want. Um, okay, that's that's me done. What about yourself, Daniel? Uh, yeah, um, uh, no, the usual. Um, Handloomlament.bandcamp.com. Buy my music, make me happy. Um, and uh, yeah, also other than that, uh, the the last time we recorded um, one of these, um, I uh, I gave out details of um, my writing, which was gonna appear in like a digest form on a Substack. But I tried. I was gonna do that, and it was just like too much hard work. So I just decided to write. Um, just essays and articles on Medium instead. Uh, so you can find my writing at uh, medium.com forward slash cold underscore storage. Uh, yep. Okay, brilliant. So uh, thank you very much for choosing to spend part of the festive season with us. And uh, please uh, make sure you've got your trigger finger, finger uh, at the ready because in approximately five seconds time, we will be playing uh, Last Christmas by Wham. <laughs> Only kidding. Imagine if we were like that. All right, fuck off.
before you stop recording. Uh, I just want to mention I have an update on the ghost story. Remember a couple of years ago? Oh, okay. Story? Yes, 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 yes. Right. So, um, for uh, listeners who don't know, uh, basically on our first Christmas episode, I asked this question, have you ever seen a ghost? Um, well, we all concluded that we hadn't. However, I uh, infamously once slept through a ghost uh, because my wife seen a ghost. And... Um, I am, um, uh, like, so yeah, so basically my wife seen a ghost, our, our granddad, when he died, came to see, came to the house and seen her just before he left. At the same time, at the, day, at the time of his passing, she woke up and he was there in the room and all that. Uh, but it was, it was a mad story. But uh, I can't remember, a couple of days ago, we were watching a programme and they were talking about ghosts. I can't remember what it was. Remember what it was was it Parasite with Raymond Day? No, no, it, w- it wasn't even a ghost program. It was just they started talking about spirituality or something like that. And she's like, and she's like, oh, I, I, I believe in ghosts. She's like, I know you do. You fucking seen one. And she's like, what? She says, remember you seen a ghost? Like, oh yeah. And she told me about this. She, oh, what was it? And she's like, uh, is it? Oh yeah, like uh, uh, yeah, that time when I was at, when I was a little girl, I was like. What? Is it that time when I was a little girl and I seen a ghost? I was like, no. Remember the time when you saw your granddad? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I that 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 doesn't really matter. <laughs> and I'm like, so not only have you seen two ghosts, but one of them you're just like, ah, you know. By that point, it was it was milk toast. You know, seen two. Seen two. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. Fucking hell, that's that's mad shit. So well, thank you very much for the update. Sort of, this is a uh, two-year, um, two-year payoff of the kind that um, Mr. Michael Quackenbush would no doubt be uh, very proud of. So, um, so. Wait, 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 wait. What's the word of My kids, man. Guys, I'm not gonna sugarcoat this. What's wrong, bro? Santa's down. Oh, oh no! Come on, man. And he don't look good right now. But guys, we we got to pull together. We got to get the the show must go on tonight, all right? Right. Santa, he would want it that way. Yeah. All right. Hey, it's actually worked. Fantastic. We have got all the fucking wabs you could possibly want. Yes. (laughs) Uh, That's very good. Uh... Let's see, so... I'm not wabbing, but drowning. That's <laughs> very <laughs> <Pretty> good. <laughs> GCSE uh, English, put that in your pipe and honk on it, cunt. See, I, I think that uh, English uh, schools English is completely different from Scottish schools English, because uh, we didn't do any of this uh, at school. We did Shakespeare, we did Macbeth and Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> the Scottish play. And then, uh, I can't And the Scottish play, yeah. Uh, we watched um, Baz oh, Luhrmann of... Romeo and Juliet which is uh, yeah we, we watched that as well the most bombastic opening yes uh, yeah it's just because I saw it on yeah. stage and um, it's it's basically, it's basically just lads being cunts at the end of the day just saying do you bite your thumb at me sir and they're, they're, but like the Baz yeah. Luhrmann version is just them screaming do you bite your thumb at me and then diving sideways firing two pistols at once <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally and I mean, every teenager's uh, dream reboot of Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or <laughs> several John Woo films. Uh, but um, very appropriate <laughs> that we're talking about this because, as we all know, Leonardo DiCaprio, especially in his prime, was a sprout-faced cunt. 
<laughs> Milk!